0: You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network.
1: We're back on the Oz Network for a brand new month of movies, a full month of movies, Uh, the best month of movies that we've had since Star Wars, or let's just say the best month we've had of movies since the first month and a half of Star Wars. Before we got into uh, the sequel trilogy, uh, we're here with... George Lucas again, first time on George Lucas films since Star Wars. We're here with Steven Spielberg. I can't even remember if we've ever done a Steven Spielberg movie before. Harrison Ford, um, first time since Star Wars. Uh John Reese Davies, first time ever. Wow. <laughs> oh, we're Living Daylight. Oh, did we do, oh, Living Daylight. Wow, first time on the Oz Network. <laughs> uh all-star movie. Uh the all-star Poor movie Karen of nineteen eighty one. Karen Allen, our first ever. uh, (laughs) Probably our only one. Who knows? Well, Uh, Crystal Skull. (laughs) Oh, true. Okay, we're going to get there by the end of the month. (laughs) Sorry, I'll shut up. (laughs) Has anybody figured out we're doing Indiana Jones now? And we're going to cover all four Indiana Jones movies, starting with 1901's Raiders of the Lost Ark. My name is Colin, and I'm making this up as I go.
0: And my name is Ben, and you can't do this to me. I'm an American.
1: <laughs> American! American
0: Aw. <laughs> oh, we're Scout. Not Scout, oh, Jan. Scout are on the line. Jan and Scout, they were the same player, Danny. weren't they? <laughs> How, are they I mean, yeah. like, How are they not dead? Like How are they not dead? How does Keith die? And yet, um, Scout and Jan aren't dead. No, I don't want them to die, but I'm just saying. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, of the sound like guys. you're
1: like, don't take the good ones from us. Take yeah. Scout and Jan. <laughs> uh, we love you, Scout and Jan. <laughs> I do,
0: actually. Firewall. We'd love
1: to hear. You've got another call caller. Text her. I do. Let's call her up. <laughs> I just, Scout, what, I you Scout? what do you think of Indiana Jones? Oh, I love it, tell, Ben. Firewall. Tell me your favorite. What's your favorite Karen Allen film besides Indiana Jones?
0: We <laughs> <laughs> knows Karen Allen. They're about the same age, aren't they?
1: Probably pretty close. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we go through movies all the time on here. We go through TV shows all the time. And uh, I always like to remind Jamie that this is actually work and it's hard work most of the time doing uh podcasts because you have to do research and try to be funny and try to be critical and, and, spend hours talking to Ben. I mean, this is work. It's yeah. hard work. Very it's the hard type of work that you can't pay somebody to do. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, I'm not getting paid to do this, but every once in a while you get something like Raiders of the Lost Ark, where it's not even work for me. I mean, uh, days ago, I watched this movie just waiting for this. And every single day I'm like, Oh good. I get to set my alarm for five 45 in the morning. Record Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is one that I'm very excited about. And I don't know about you, but uh, even when we get through the bad Indiana Jones, the so-called bad Indiana Jones movies this month, I'm still going to be pumped to talk about it.
0: This was released the year you were born, right? So this movie- it was, is yeah. As old as you. Aw. It is. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up on these films, but as I think I mentioned in some of our other episodes, for some reason, they're just movies that I guess I just stopped watching at a certain point, you know, it's kind of like you always have these movies you grow up on and these franchises that- no matter where you are in life, somehow you'll end up watching them every couple of years or every year. I mean, I, I watch the Jurassic Park movies probably every single year, even the Star Wars films, even the bad ones, you end up watching them on oh, board. Let's just put on Star Wars, Back to the Future, you know, James Bond, like these are the franchises that you always watch. And I remember my dad showing me these films as a kid and loving them, of course, but for some reason, I just don't remember why I just stopped watching them. Like I, I remember when Crystal Skull came out and I think I'd gotten the box set and watched them all in the lead up to that. And then Crystal Skull came out in DVD and I think I got that and I watched that. And then since then that would have probably been like 2009, 2010. I haven't watched these. So it's been a good 13 years since I have watched these films and you watch it and straight away you're like, wow, okay. You're taken back to watching this when you're a kid and remembering it. And obviously I'm an adult now and somewhat more intelligent, but I, you still enjoy it. You can definitely pick it apart. The Big Bang Theory, I think, ruined this for me, but it's still very, very enjoyable. And I mean, Harrison Ford, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, I mean, my goodness, this is just, this is just connect the dots. You've got, as, as your son would say, it's a winner.
1: It's a winner. Uh, I, I, this is a movie that I don't really even remember seeing the first time. Uh, I just know that this is one of those movies that we had in rotation, you know, along with Star Wars. I mean, I would have seen this after Star Wars and it was probably because of Star Wars that my parents showed this to me. Because the the only memory I really have is being like, oh, that's Han Solo. And that was probably the reason my parents showed it to me that The guy that made Star Wars made this and you got Han Solo in the movie and it's searching for treasures. It'll be great. Uh, but uh, while movies like Back to the Future and Star Wars and Rocky and Karate Kid, these were ones that... Uh, you know, whenever my brother and sister and I would decide what movie to watch, you know, after school or something like that on a weekend, this was the one that I would always fight for. And they weren't as high on. Um, and I still managed to watch it all the time. Years later, my sister now absolutely loves Indiana Jones. But I remember at the time it was sort of like I was the one who'd always fight to watch these movies. Uh, but uh, I don't really have like a memory. This is just one of these movies that was always around and I always watched it. Uh, And uh, when we get to Temple of Doom, (laughs) I'll have a different story because I don't even know if I saw that movie when I was a kid, but yet I knew the whole story of it. Uh, But uh, yeah, like this is one of these movies that I have seen probably at least three times in the theater, Uh, not in 1981, but in years since. And uh, I remember with uh, the original trilogy, uh, they at one point released all of them like one week after the other, uh, playing at like midnight screenings. This is when I was an adult now. And I went to go see that. And any time Raiders played and at the time we're recording this uh, in another six days, Raiders is going to be uh, playing a, a screening um, uh, by my house here. And I'm planning to go see it again. So uh, this is a movie I don't get sick of yet It is not my favorite of the trilogy or uh, uh, not my favorite, the quadrilogy, whatever you want to call it. So there's gonna be one that I love even more coming up after this. But, uh, uh, you, do you know, a lot of the history about this movie.
0: Uh, I I read a little bit, um, which means I can read. Just quickly, I mean, I remember, I think I've told the story before, that we had a thing in our McDonald's in Australia in the 90s where you could get the Indiana Jones trilogy on VHS as part of, I don't know if it was a Happy Meal or just something, but, like, they... Your
1: Happy Meals include box sets?
0: Well, no, well, it was like you got... So they'd be like, oh, this week only, if you buy like a Big Mac meal and pay like $2, you will get Raiders of the Lost Ark on VHS. (laughs) Like it was a thing. And I remember you had to like go there every couple of weeks until you got all three. And this was a thing growing up. Like Thursday night was takeaway night in the Waterworth household and we would go to McDonald's. That was our weekly takeaway. And I just remember this being a promotion and I'd love it if we've got any Australians of a certain age in the nineties who can remember this promotion because I remember that's how we got it. And I'm pretty sure my dad still has the three VHSs from McDonald's on the shelf. So that's how I remember watching them. I've never seen any of the original trilogy on the big screen. I saw kingdom of the crystal skull in the big and cinemas, but no, I would have never seen this. And I don't know if they're doing a re-release here around this, but um, in terms of the history, um, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg got together and said, Hey, let's, You like Star Wars and Jaws. Let's combine them without a shark.
1: Yeah, more or less. Uh, I think that one of the most well-known trivia facts of not just this movie, but movie history is the vacation that, that Spielberg and George Lucas took, which is something that apparently they still do to this day when one of their big movies that they've been working on forever comes out. They just plan a vacation, not after the movie comes out, like for the weekend so they can get away from opening weekend and just relax. And it was like on the Sunday night, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg with their wives in Hawaii. And George Lucas gets a phone call telling him Star Wars just broke every single record that exists. You can relax now. And he's like, whew. And so they move on to a conversation and Spielberg, oh, congratulations, George. Is like, oh, thanks, I just beat your record. Suck on it, Spielberg. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then they're like, what are you going to work on next? And Spielberg kind of mentioned you know, he wanted to do a James Bond movie. Now this would have been, you know, Spy, I love me would have already coming out that <laughs> this is something important to think about Spy, I love me is already out or about to come out. Spielberg says, I, I really want to do a James Bond movie. That's what I want to do next. And Lucas says, OK, I got that beat. I got something better than James Bond. And then he kind of runs down the story of this, uh, which is the Raiders of the Lost Ark is something that George Lucas had intended to do even before he started working on Star Wars. So this is like early 70s. He had come up with the idea. And uh, there was another writer he worked with, Philip Kaufman, who still maintains a story credit to this day because of a lawsuit. Uh, when really what came out of that initial meeting was they he said, this is the character I have. This is what he's going to do. Philip Kaufman's contribution was let's call it Raiders of the Lost Ark and he'll search for the Ark of the Covenant. Now, because of that, he still maintains story credits. Kevin even to the new movies. He's the Kevin McClory. <laughs> so, although Philip Kaufman has actually done some decent things outside of Raiders. But uh, uh, so Lucas had barely started working on this movie. And then when he pitched it to Spielberg, Spielberg was like, wow, that's amazing. And they just went nuts over, you know, talking through this movie on their vacation, the opening weekend of Star Wars. Now, think about had he not brought up Raiders of the Lost Ark to him on that vacation, which James Bond movie Spielberg would have done next? Because the guy who who did Jaws says, I want to do a James Bond movie. They're going to give it to him. It would have been Moonraker. Uh, (laughs) We imagine Spielberg making Moonraker. I
0: mean, it couldn't have been worse. It probably would have been great. I mean, he was pretty good at doing space movies, wasn't he? Close Encounters, E.T. kind of wonderful yeah. Space movies. So, I don't know. I think he
1: might have done all right with it. But uh, from that point on, what they did is they kind of had, like, these story conferences, and uh, they had hired Lawrence Kasdan, who is the screenwriter on this movie, uh, and also a screenwriter on multiple Star Wars movies. They had hired him. To do a draft of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and uh, I, I read through like George Lucas's. There are a couple of biographies that uh, were made of George Lucas, like way back when, and I read like all of them. And I remember one of them sort of telling the story. Lawrence Kasdan kind of recalled that he was really excited when they said, "Oh, this is Raiders of the Lost Ark." They had sat down. They'd done, you know, hours of meetings. And, and the best thing is that those hours of meeting. I'll reference some of it later on because around the time of King of the Crystal Skull. They made transcripts of like their three, four hour discussion on Raiders of the Lost Ark before they started writing the script. And a lot of the stuff that uh, is now trivia is known from that. But he did the script. He handed it in. He he went to George Lucas's office. He gave him the script. Lucas sort of looks at it and says, oh, that's right. You're working on this, puts it down on the desk and says, uh, I've got another job for you. I need somebody to take over writing Empire Strikes Back because the mm-hmm. original screenwriter died. So Lawrence Kazin, all excited. I can't wait for him to read this script. And all of a sudden it's like, no, I got another assignment. It was probably like a week later before Lucas even read it. But uh, uh, Raiders Lost Ark, they did pitch to every studio that existed. And the story that's kind of known out there is that everybody turned it down, which there's actually a complication. You don't come in as George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, pitch anything and have anybody turn you down. The reason all the studios were turning them down was because of the deal that they said that they wanted for this was essentially you pay for everything you give us all the money to make the movie and we get like 50% of the profits, which was unheard of. And the only studio that actually decided they would go for this was Paramount in the end, uh, which is how why it's at Paramount. <laughs> because George Lucas and Steven Spielberg said, we're powerful enough that you're going to pay for it and we're going to get all the money. And they said, sign us up. One studio actually agreed to do it. Um, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with any of that trivia from what you're reading or if there's anything else that you uh, read right up on. I think the
0: James Bond side of it has been mentioned in terms of us talking about Double on 007. I knew Spielberg was very close to doing a Bond film, and I knew a lot of the trivia reading about this where it's compared to James Bond, and you can kind of see it. You can kind of, you know, it feels very much like a Roger Moore-esque film, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. that's, like, I don't want to say it's almost very slapstick, a lot of Indiana Jones, but it's done oh, in Oh, wait a-
1: till we get the deleted scenes. It could have been. <laughs> but, I mean, it, but
0: it is kind of like intelligent slapstick, if you know what yeah. I mean. Like it's kind of that it's, I mean, the mummy, we've never done the mummy films and the mummy, mm. you know, gets a lot on, this is maybe what Tomb Raider did wrong. Uh, maybe yeah. Tomb Raider, but then Lara Croft, no, that's a whole different story. But I mean, it's interesting to learn sort of all of that and just the power that they had, because I mean, what four years removed from star Wars, a year removed from empire strikes back, uh, you know, we can look back at that now and think, well, these are the biggest, you know, movies of all time. But I mean, back then, you know, that was unheard of. And, and it's also, I think, that the genre of this type of movie, you know, it had been a while since this style of kind of like adventure film was big in Hollywood, right? Like yeah. this was sort of what a, a 30s, 40s, 50s style movie that kind of never really, you know, it's always interesting when you have a genre of film that, y- you know, it it didn't do well previously to this. I mean, I was just watching a video recently on, I think it was top 10 films that people got wrong, be it either like they predicted that they would do brilliantly and they failed or everyone predicted they would be shit and they like dominated. And one of the ones I always mm-hmm. bring up on lists like that is Pirates of the Caribbean because it's like, well, hey, Cutthroat Island released a few years before and no i wanted on a pirate films they're mm-hmm. shit and look what it did. And then I don't know if you kind of had films like this in the 70s that nobody touched and all of a sudden this comes along. So it's interesting to learn about the history of all of that. And it's I often... Forget that Spielberg does all of the Indiana Jones films, except for the new one that's about to come out. Yeah. So um, I guess it's kind of because he doesn't really do a lot of sequels, does he, old Steven?
1: I, Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones, I think that's it. I'm trying to think if he's ever done another sequel.
0: I don't think he has.
1: You know, one of these days, we're going to get the sequel to um, uh, Catch Me If You Can. Uh, you caught me and you could. <laughs>
0: <laughs> catch me. Catch me if you can again.
1: <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, like, like the style of the movie, you're right. This is something that George Lucas was very enamored with, obviously, in the 70s, because Star Wars the same thing. We want to go back to the, the, the movie serials is something that predated television. And what it was was you would go into a movie theater, like on a Saturday afternoon, you'd watch one movie, and then in between that and the next movie, you'd just pay an admission and you'd be in all day. And then in between movies, they would show like a 10 or 15-minute You know short that would continue the next week and that was sort of incentive to keep people coming back to movie theaters and that's what the this and star wars were kind of throwbacks to but yeah you're right nobody kind of did this or nobody did it right Uh, a lot of the movies would have been like b-grade movies like tarzan movies still existed but like you know barely a budget (laughs) nobody was going to see them and yet you revive something that's one of the things that i think had this been pitched prior to star wars it would have been a tougher sell mm. whereas after star wars and it's like i already george was like i already proved that i could do this with science fiction now i'm going to do it with like you know a treasure hunter and uh people can get excited about it again but it doesn't necessarily mean this movie was like instantly going to be a success because obviously steven spielberg uh before this he had made a movie called 1941 which was like his first big bomb the guy made Jaws and Close Encounters Third Kind did this movie in 1941, and there's a cool connection to this movie in 1941 uh, that um, uh, we'll talk about a little bit later on, one of the most famous scenes in this that actually is a reappearance of a gag he did. But uh, Spielberg was actually kind of on the ropes at this point. Uh, the other reason that Spielberg really wanted to do this with George Lucas is because following Jaws, which went severely over budget, severely over schedule, went on to become the highest-grossing film of all time, He then closed the characters of third kind, which went severely over budget, severely over schedule, and went on to become a massive hit. And then 1941, which went even more over budget, even more over schedule, and then it bombed. And Spielberg himself has kind of admitted that, like, despite having made two of the biggest films of all time at this point, he couldn't get hired because studios didn't want to touch him. They're like, listen, we can give you something. It could turn out to be a massive hit, but you're not going to stick to a schedule. You're going to spend twice as much money as you're supposed to. And he was sort of in trouble getting work because of that and so the plan that him and george lucas came up with doing this part of it was they wanted to shoot this movie as very fast paced not spending a lot of time trying to perfect things like let's let's do the stunts and if there's mistakes we'll kind of leave them in the movie and just make kind of a cheaper lower budget movie i mean this was 20 million dollars is not cheap by you know even 1981 standards but the way that they made this movie was kind of to save Spielberg's career. And Spielberg said that this was the first movie and one of the only movies still to this day that he actually came in ahead of schedule on and <laughs> under budget. Uh, But the, the powerhouse, you know, duo, and it, that's something we don't really get today. I'm tr- I was trying to think if you had filmmakers today, the modern ones, not including people like Spielberg in there, that you could sell a movie on just with their names. I mean, really, the only ones I could come up with is imagine if you had... Christopher Nolan and Peter Jackson did a movie together. Like I remember when the the Tintin movie came out like 10 years ago, it was such a big deal. Like you were selling this movie because you had Spielberg and Peter Jackson's name attached, but like Tarantino, Tarant. Yeah. I guess Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez kind of with grindhouse, but like it's very rare to have directors who are marketable and you have these two directors who are marketable. That's right. the, the, here's the team up movie you all wanted Taika T D and Quentin Tarantino. That actually would probably sell. I think it would. That, <laughs> that would be Maybe pretty not cool. To the, not to the extent of Raiders of the Lost Ark, but yeah, that would, that would, that would be a selling point. Uh, but uh, Harrison Ford being the, the other part of the package here that uh, obviously now we look back on you like, wow. And you got Harrison Ford in the movie too, but Harrison Ford wasn't, he was Han Solo. He wasn't the big name. Most of the other movies he was doing were like smaller films or, you know, Dramas that might have been Oscar bait but didn't get Oscar nominations, and even he was sort of struggling at this point. Uh, there's um, uh, a making of on the Blu ray box set that's all footage from 1981 that's ever been released before, and it's him on set talking about it, saying, I was getting a lot of script offers, but there was nothing that I wanted to do, and it, it, it gave me a different uh perspective on Harrison Ford's career because what he was saying was like, you know, th- there were good scripts that were coming in, but I was looking for scripts that would have been given to the guys like Pacino and De Niro, you know, like Robert Redford, the biggest stars in the world. He wanted the scripts that, you know, I'm going to be fighting it out with the best stars for and not just here's a good script that I could do. And when this movie was first being discussed between Lucas and Spielberg, Spielberg said Harrison Ford would be great for this. And George Lucas was like, he would, but... I already had him in American Graffiti, I already had him in Star Wars and Empire, and I don't want my entire career to have one actor. And he, he sort of compared it to Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese, where every time Martin Scorsese did a movie, Robert De Niro was the star. And he's like, it's not that he he didn't think uh, Harris Ford would be great in this movie, but he wanted to branch out and, and and not be the guy associated with one guy for his whole career. And so he kind of turned it down. And so the actor that they had looked at through lots of screen tests, was Tom Selleck. And I'm sure you already have heard about this or maybe even seen the screen test. I uh, think
0: I have. I actually, I it's funny you mentioned that because um, I think it just it randomly clicked in my mind that I remember seeing images or something of Tom Selleck and realizing how yeah. close we... I mean, Harrison Ford could have been in Blue Bloods instead. You never know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, imagine if Harrison Ford is on Blue Bloods Karen, and Tom Selleck.
0: Al- Karen Allen was in Blue Bloods. I'm telling you now, I remember her appearing in an episode
1: of it. So. Oh, all those screen tests from 1980? And she's like, I've been wanting to work with this guy for 40-something years. Now I'm finally going to do it. (laughs) I could kind of see Uh, Tom
0: Selleck, though, as Indiana Jones. I couldn't you?
1: This was something that was sort of like almost laughed at for years. And then it was either the DVDs or the Blu-rays when they came out. They actually included the screen test. And I remember me thinking, like, Tom Selleck is Indiana Jones. I don't know if I could picture it. But if you watch his screen test, it's like, wow. Like, I wouldn't have expected Tom Selleck to work. But, like, he really would have worked. They actually hired him. He was signed on to this movie and it was going to be Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. But the TV show Magnum PI that he shot a pilot for, the network said, oh, we want to pick this up. So he kind of got Pierce Brosnan out of (laughs) like Pierce Brosnan on the living daylights. Uh, He got Pierce Brosnan out of Indiana Jones uh, because they said, well, we got him for Magnum PI and your schedule is going to overlap with that. So. We can't let you have them. And I'm like, okay, who are we going to do now? Well, I guess we're going with Harrison Ford now. <laughs> last choice, Harrison Ford, just like he was the, the last choice for Han Solo. Finally bring him in, and that's how we get him. But like, if anybody has a chance, watch the Tom Selleck screen test. It's different from Harrison Ford, but it, it would have been really interesting to see what he did with it.
0: I, I just... I think he would have been okay. I just, I don't know. Like, it's sort of not one that I think, you know, I mean, he was an action star in the 80s. He kind of had that cool charisma. Yeah. I mean, I never used to watch Magnum P.I., but I've seen enough of it to kind of think it was cool. Um, I don't know. I think he could have pulled it off. I'm seeing here on Wikipedia they are saying that Bill Murray, Nick Nolte, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, Jack Nicholson, <laughs> Jeff Bridges, other people considered for that. I mean.
1: Oh, Jeff Bridges would have been great. I don't know about Bill Murray.
0: <laughs> yeah, Bill Murray and Steve Martin and Chevy Ch- I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But I mean, look at Harrison's for Harrison Ford's four films that he had in a row between 1980 and 1983 Empire Strikes mm. Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Blade Runner and Return of the Jedi and then Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So, yeah, five, I mean, that's a pretty epic. I mean, I've never seen Blade Runner, but I know the, you know, the esteem it holds. Um, and I mean, between Star Wars and Empire, he was, I think, apparently in apocalypse now. didn't realize that. Um, And there was a sequel to
1: American Graffiti, More American Graffiti. More American Graffiti, yeah. Um,
0: But I mean, what an incredible run of, you know, iconic films to kind of be in there. And the thing is, Harrison Ford's come back and done sequels of all of them and hates all of them, doesn't he? He's just like, ah, kill me. (laughs) Like, I love how he just comes back with these sequels and he's just like, ah, just kill me. Like, you know he's going to die in Dial of Destiny. Spoiler alert. Like, surely he's going (laughs) to die. Just saying right now. But um, yeah, I mean, what a... I mean, it's great cast. I mean, it's easy to look back on this now, 40 years later, and be like, oh, my God, perfect casting. You do this with so many iconic roles, and it would be completely different. Like, I love reading these articles and seeing these articles about who nearly got cast in certain roles. You know, we, we mm. talked about it a lot on Breaking Bad. Matthew Broderick was nearly Walter White. I mean, you can sort of look back on that now and go, oh, my God, that's terrible casting. But I think I said it on the episodes too. I remember the large reason why I didn't watch Breaking Bad because I'm like, Brian Cranston? That's how from Malcolm in the Middle. I'm not going to take that seriously. So how do we know yeah. how Matthew Broderick would have gone in that role? So, yeah, Harrison Ford, I mean, iconic. W- what do you think he's more iconic for, Indiana Jones or Han Solo?
1: Yeah, that's tough. I, I think as a role, Indiana Jones, uh, I-, I think for the film, Star Wars, Han Solo. But but I think if if you were to ask most people who are fans of both franchises, which is the more iconic character, which is the character that you're going to pay to see regardless of how bad the movie is, it would probably be Indiana Jones. I would I would say Indiana Jones, but Star Wars as films, obviously, more recognizable.
0: I'd agree, because, I mean, the franchise is called Indiana Jones, and that's his character. It's not called the Han Solo franchise, but mm-hmm. it's, I mean, name another actor who has two of the most iconic roles ever. I mean, it, if, if Henry Cavill got Bond, you would argue, okay, well, Bond and Superman, yeah. but, I mean... If, if
1: he does get Bond, <laughs> still but, time.
0: But, 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 I mean, that's also the, the case of... You know, Han Solo and Indiana Jones were almost written for Harrison Ford, whereas yeah. Henry Cavill did not have Superman and James Bond written for him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's I I don't know. Think of a name and name mm-hmm. an actor. I mean, Chris Pratt's doing everything at the moment, but I mean, they're not iconic. I just I can't think of
1: yeah, someone... most people even name the characters in his movies. They know the movies. <laughs> I mean, he played that guy in Jurassic World. Even you just. Uh, <sighs> Pierce Brosnan
0: as James Bond and the sexiest man alive in Iceland in Eurovision movie? I, I don't know. Tom Selleck as uh, Magnum <laughs> P.I. And uh, Commissioner Reagan in Blue Bloods? So, I mean, it's up there.
1: I mean, had Terminator worked out, you could have said Christian Bale, Batman, and John Connor, but that didn't even work out. People no, forget. you're right. Like
0: <laughs> that he and and <laughs> I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger recently did an interview about Terminator and he said, like, oh, the first three were good.
1: you you know what's funny is that that Harrison Ford if he didn't have Han Solo or Indiana Jones I mean his character Decker from Blade Runner I mean they made a sequel now and then you add Jack Ryan to the mix I mean look at the second tier Harrison Ford roles he's identified for if if any other actor could say I was the guy from Blade Runner and Jack Ryan I mean that would be enough to stand on but then you got Indiana Jones and Han Solo as well
0: one of the best fictional presidents ever
1: yeah president of the United States um fugitive? that guy he, the guy he the fugitive yeah there's a really good one um richard kimball the guy from hollywood homicide like there's an iconic on an one. island
0: with the late and hash
1: yeah <laughs> but but you know what uh when you're running through the filmography there like obviously the one thing that stands out is uh apocalypse now which he's in one scene of apocalypse now but even that was actually i, I can kind of see george lucas's point about not wanting to cast harrison ford because he cast him in American Graffiti. He cast him as a favor in Star Wars because he just needs somebody to screen test with people. And he was building his office. He was working as a carpenter. He said, put down the hammer and come in here. I got this guy, Mark Hamill, to screen test with. Then he's got Indiana Jones. But even in Apocalypse Now, George Lucas's former business partner and one of his best friends, Francis Ford Coppola, cast Harrison Ford in Apocalypse Now to play the character of Colonel G. Lucas. Mm. So <laughs> George Lucas is like, he's already played me in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> <laughs> Please get him out of my movies. But, uh, I mean, obviously it worked out perfectly. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to cover before we jump into the movie here. Uh,
0: no, I mean, the score, John Williams. I mean, God, yeah. that's, that's up there. Um, I'd actually, I'm i kind of... I forgot Jonathan Rhys-Davies was in this. That's. I'm sad to admit that. But I actually... I thought Karen Allen was dead. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> didn't we do this in, like, the Superman films? We thought that whats the face was dead and then she did die. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's been in other things outside of... I remember when she showed up in Crystal Skull. I know we're kind of, like, jumping ahead yeah. a bit here. But um, I'm sad it doesn't look like she's going to be in Dial of Destiny because that would have been nice. But I guess neither is uh, Shia Booth.
1: Be, there's got to be, like, a cameo or something or at least reference her. I mean, I'm sure she'll be referenced. That's the only question. If she's not in it, they're probably going to reference oh, she dying. If yeah. she is in it, it'll be like some cameo at the end of the movie. Is it
0: Shia Booth Indy's Booth Indy's son, isn't
1: that what he he's is? He's his son, yeah. So
0: how? Why is he not in the field? I know he's a bit of a weird guy now, Shia. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I don't know. I,
1: you know, I, I'm okay. I think for the final Indiana Jones, we're a couple weeks ahead of time here. It's not the preview, final but,
0: one. They'll do another it, one. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it's Harrison Ford saying it's the final one, but then again, he said the Return of the. He said Empire was his final <laughs> solo. Who knows. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that for the last one, or at least what everybody's planning the last one, you want it to be the Indiana Jones solo adventure. I think even bringing back John Reese davies is like, oh, we'll give him like a, a quick little scene or something like that. But let's let this be, you know, one final Indiana Jones adventure. Um, yeah. But uh, no, J- John Williams, uh, I guess one little quick thing to add on there. Obviously, Spielberg worked with him on Jaws. Spielberg recommended him to George Lucas for Star Wars. So he'd work with both of them. And the, the main theme, the Indiana Jones theme, the, the one trivia bit about this is that uh, he basically came to Spielberg and Lucas and said, "I have two potential themes for you." And he played the first one, which was da 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 and they're like, "Wow, that's great." And he says, "Okay, and this is the other theme I'm thinking of." Da 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 da, 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 da. So <laughs> like, okay, so you got to choose between the two. And Spielberg was like, "I don't know if I can make a choice Could you do both." And he's like, Uh, "I guess so." The Indiana Jones theme we have those two parts of it is because they simply couldn't decide which theme he wrote they wanted to go with. So we ended up getting both. So that's the iconic Indiana Jones theme. And you want to talk about like John Williams. I forget about Harrison Ford yeah. or Spielberg or Lucas. He's got Jaws, dun 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 dun, Star Wars, Superman, Jurassic Raiders Park. of the Lost Ark, Jurassic Park, ET. You look over like a less than 20 year period, the amount of iconic themes that he's created that You just mentioned the movie and people know the music. I mean, that's insane. Too bad he can't, you know, crank out themes like that today. I was going to say, when was
0: the last time he did one? Um,
1: (laughs) Did he do Catch Me If
0: You Can? He did, yeah. Catch Me If You Can and Minority
1: Report were like, that was his last great year.
0: Yeah, because Force Awakens and please name one theme from those.
1: Exactly. We'll get into the movie here. Uh, so we start off with a Paramount logo, uh, which literally transitions into a mountain. And there's some good behind the scenes footage where they decided they wanted to do this. And I also like that they did like the old, lo- it's an old logo. This isn't even like 1981 Paramount. They're like, let's go back and get the Paramount logo from like the 50s or the, the 40s or the 30s. And we'll kind of use that. Then the transition the mountain. There's some some great footage of uh, Steven Spielberg looking through the camera where they actually have a printout of the Paramount logo and he's <laughs> sort of looking at that and looking up. No, a little bit closer just so they could get that one mountain shot. Uh, and then the titles are just very simple. I think that's one thing that's interesting about the indie movies is that you just get the title that comes up over the action. Just Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's it. Feels it's very not like Star Wars
0: forties or like you know feels old. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. It feels very old um so they're in uh where's this somewhere in South America do they South even identify America. the country it just says South South America. America thank you for turning out the light whoever did that
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the the mystical beans knowing of South America <laughs>
1: which can I actually just that add, add I always
0: forget these movies are set in like the 30s like I always yeah. forget I always think they're kind of set in the 80s but uh, makes sense which also knowing my history like i know nazis existed and hitler existed but this is still pre-world war ii right so like it's still a couple years removed yet the nazis are still trying uh, to take over world war Two was like 1939
1: right well i'm trying to look it up here uh, 1939 yeah so this would have been pre so yeah even last crusade is pre-world war ii i didn't even think about that yeah but
0: temple of doom set before this which I just read.
1: Temple of Doom. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Last Crusade was uh 1938. So uh, even Last Crusade is pre world. But I War didn't too. realize
0: Temple of Doom was set a year before this. So, like, Temple of Doom yeah, technically a prequel. prequel.
1: Which the only reason they made it a prequel is so they could avoid the Nazis. So, like, well, if we did it the next year, the villains would have to be the Nazis. Boy, again so, <laughs> And now here we are. They're making 1969, the setting of Dial of Destiny. And who are the villains going to be? The Nazis. And Mads,
0: Mads Mickelson? Or oh, what a surprise. Oh, who are we going to get to play a Nazi? Oh, he's played freaking uh, Hannibal. He's played a Bond villain.
1: He's played a Star Wars sort of villain. What's he, has he played a Nazi yet? Nah, put him in. There we go. We, we need somebody who just looks evil. Get Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, one of these days, I want Mads Mikkelsen to play, like, the nicest guy in town. Romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah, I want, like, a, I want like a Truman Show-style movie. It's like, in case I don't see it. good afternoon, good evening, good night. <laughs> he was
0: a villain in the following movies. She was a, a fantastic romantic lead. Together, yeah. see what happens in this summer's blockbuster hit, <laughs>
1: Loving a Villain hilarity ensues with Mads Mickelson. <laughs> you'll be matting in the aisles <laughs> matting in the aisles. There's the tagline <laughs> only you? we did t-shirts still we would have that um so yeah South america thirty six and uh uh we we have Indy and a couple of people with them some tribal people and uh he basically mentions some other archaeologist or whatever uh Forrest always says, oh, this is as far as he oh, got but he Forrest Gump got this far. <laughs> Forrest I Forrest, didn't get Forrest that Gump.
0: far in the forest. <laughs> That's why I was named. Uh,
1: but uh he's basically saying, oh, but Forrest still was very good. He was very good. So um it's we audiences kind of have the expectations that whatever he's looking for, he's not gonna find it. Big inside, we get introduced to future Spider-Man villain here, Alfred Molina, in his film debut. Is it his film debut? I didn't realize that. This is the origin
0: yeah. story of um, of Doc Ock Doc because Ock. he gets covered in spiders. He's like, ah, not yeah. the spiders. Anything but spiders.
1: Very Nicholas game. not
0: the spiders, not the spiders. He's looking, like, I mean, Alfred Molina, like, I don't know if he just doesn't age, because, I mean, he, he looks kind of the same as he does in Spider-Man. So, yeah. there
1: he is. <laughs> Uh, I I, mean, I had no idea who Alpha Molina was, I think at this point, uh, but uh, there there's some uh, good stories he has like on the making of about the spider scene here in particular Ooh. when they're inside and you, you see them walk through the cobwebs. But it's such a good reveal where you don't really see him cover the spider until he turns his back and he's already scared. Ooh. And wh- when they were filming this, they basically had spiders all over him. And Spielberg was like, I, I need movement. Like the spiders aren't moving. People are going to think they're fake. So like, how do we get the movie? And the spider wrangler was like, well, they're all male right now. So to get them to move, you need to put a female in there and they'll kind of fight over her. So they threw one female spider on Alfred Molina. And all of a sudden, the, sp- the tarantulas are like literally crawling all over oh. him. He's like, they're coming up my neck and everything. And Spielberg's filming. And he's like, Alfred, I need you look scared. And Alfred Molina is just, he's he's cracking up telling the story. He's like, I am scared. <laughs> I am scared. Yeah. So Alfred Molina's oh. terror is real here with the spiders all over him. Um, Harrison Ford, though I mean nothing. That's is a scared, ju- that's
0: both- a Tuesday in Australia, by the way. That's just I walked <laughs> into I w- went to the toilet
1: before, and that happened to me. That's <laughs> fuck off. It's gonna be on him before the end of this recap. Uh There is a deleted scene, which uh, it, it's not much, but as they're kind of working their way here, you, you get where they uh have the 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 light, d- he steps in, or he puts his hand in the light, and then the the spears come out or whatever, and that's where Brittany. you see the corpse, which the uh, Britney Spears comes out four point five seconds. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> oh <laughs> baby, <this> is, baby. <laughs> Sorry,
1: <laughs> this is supposed to be Forrestal, the the guy he was saying uh, hadn't gotten further than this. Uh, but the deleted scene they have here, there was a, a couple extra bits. There's the part where um, he's pressing on the the floor. Even Alfred Molina's like, "There's nothing to fear here," <laughs> and then he's like, "No, that's what scares me." And they press on the floor, and then the the something comes out. But there's another part here where Alpha Molina is supposed to, there's like a, a trap part covering a hole in the floor and Alpha Molina falls into the hole and Harrison Ford's basically got the whip and he's pulling him up slowly as Alfred Molina is like, you know, falling into some type of you know, pit of nothingness here. Talking um, like the Oz the, Network. The Oz Network. <laughs> pit, of <laughs> <nothingness. Malina's> career. <laughs> pit of nothingness. The uh, pit of nothingness. But uh, after this, we, we, we do get the whip as they get to swing over this little chasm here. That's going to come back in a bit. And uh, this is where he gets the idol, and I mean, this scene's been parodied so many times, like this all the way through the Boulder. But I always remember like the uh, the Simpsons parody yeah, into that, know, where piggy bank, <laughs> yeah, because they even they even they even duplicate like his movements where he's like touching his face, like ah. Uh, he basically fills a bag, a bag with sand here, so he could swap the idol for the sand. I love Alfred Molina where he's like he's like rubbing his fingers like oh oh, <laughs> and then he's like whoo. Like Alfred Molina is like such a small role, but he's actually really great in this. He uh, he's in the any credits somebody.
0: if you if you look at these actually. yeah he
1: does he does get his name in there uh and uh the he he swaps the idol and all of a sudden he tips his hat like i got it and then all of a sudden you hear this rumbling and that's where the boulder comes i mean if you're talking about all-time most iconic opening sequences indiana jones in the boulder it's got to be top of the list i mean if it's not it's, it's nowhere outside the top five but this giant boulder that's chasing them and uh uh it, it, well before the bowler even comes and everything starts falling apart you got them swinging across the chasm again this is where alpha molina has made across first and he's throw me the whip and he's like throw me the idol <laughs> no time to argue and he throws it into the adios Senor <laughs> alpha, i don't know alpha molina is you know what he's south american or whatever uh but alpha molina screwed him over uh indiana jones jumps across the chasm grabs onto like a root or something like that pulls himself up makes it through this giant door just before it closes grabs his hat and then he sees the corpse of Alpha Merlina, who didn't stay out of the light. He still got stabbed to death.
0: Does he grab the hat? Can I just come back to it? Because I like...
1: Oh, no, it's not the hat. It's the whip in this one. Yeah, because yeah. so this is sort of the...
0: I thought there was a hat. I'm thinking like, am I watching an alternate version? Because I thought the famous bit in the opening bit was when he does grab the hat. but non... Yeah,
1: no, so this, this is the whip where the door is almost closed and then he's almost got the whip out and then he gets it out. And this sort of leads to all the other movies doing this exact same gag, but they always replace with the hat. So like Temple of Doom it's a hat and Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's a hat and King of the Crystal Skull. But yeah, you're right. This is one of these things that, what do they call that? Uh, it's the something effect, the Mandela effect or something like mm-hmm, that, where mm-hmm. everybody in the world remembers it the wrong way, even though it never happened that way. Yeah. Obviously the reason they, they did do this later on. Uh, the, so the boulder comes here and he's being chased by it. I mean, I, I don't know how heavy the boulder was on set, but I mean, th- this was actually a much longer sequence and Harrison Ford was running and like inches ahead of it uh but uh dives out just in time and it was funny because this this one moment is so small movie it's like 10 seconds long but like i could have sworn as a kid that this was like a 10 minute long sequence of him running from a boulder it's no less effective as 10 seconds it's just it, it just shows like how incredible this opening sequence is uh he gets outside just in time and then all of a sudden he's got all the the trial people you know with their spears and their arrows on him and this is where we get introduced to the villain of the movie belloc uh played by paul freeman a man who would go on to play another character in the Young Indiana Jones series. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, he was in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. I guess that's one thing he did. Ivan ooze the sorcerer.
0: It's been a long uh, time since it, I would have seen that. But okay,
1: it's it's unfortunate though because like Paul Freeman is Belloc, He is so good in this movie, and and I think that's the thing with Indiana Jones that you never spend a lot of time on the villains. I think. Kate Blanchett in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is probably the one who gets the most development, and outside of her, it's always like, oh, the villain was the Nazis, uh, the villain was you know, the, the Indian cult. You don't remember, like, the specific villain, but Belloc has a lot of development in this movie, and I almost feel like you forget. There are specific scenes where there was – not that there was supposed to be more of this character, but – he has more development than your typical villain. And I, I, I just love him. I mean, what are your thoughts on Paul Freeman? You like him in this movie? I do. I always forget he
0: is the villain though. When I think back to this movie, I always just remember the glasses Nazi whose face melts. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one I always remember. Cause I like him, but um, no, he, he does have a lot more in this movie than you kind of remember. And I always forget that he's kind of like in this opening bit here too, because it's sort of like, Oh, there he is. But this whole opening sequence, I mean, it's, you go back to silverg wanting to do a bond movie this is a Bond opening sequence. You're expecting there to all yeah. of a sudden be like, "For your eyes only like as a plane flies off or something like that. Because yeah. I mean, you, you who would have seen an Indiana Jones theme song. Like I don't know Sheena probably still was available back then. It's 1981. <laughs> so uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> dun, dun, when you steal an idol, a boulder comes out. Doo-doo. Like, you know, it's just exactly what you're expecting. But um. Yeah, I think it's it's it is an interesting thing with the villains because even um I will admit when uh we interviewed um old Maid on Double Seven, who's the main villain, of course, in uh Last oh, Crusade. John um, Glover, yeah. I completely forgot that he was a villain in Janet. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh it's kind of that way. Uh but uh, I mean it's just I mean, this opening sequence is just so damn iconic and so great and just the music straight away. I love the kind of the the slow reveal before Indy turns around and you see his face. Um, I will say that like, it's interesting watching this movie in 2023 because I watched the honest trailer for it and kind of, you know, they point out some issues with it. And I think also like in this day and age now where all these people are questioning, like the rights of like the white man, taking the artifact and putting it in the museum, you know, they should really be like, you know, left where they are and all that sort of stuff. And I'm not joining that debate, Mm. but I've got a question. This tribe and everything about this idol, what is the point of putting this in this room? Like like <laughs> this tribe is going to like, cool, this is this sacred artifact that is going to sit in here and we're just going to booby trap it. They're just dicks. This tribe are just a bunch of dicks. They're just like, ah, <laughs> people who want to come in here, we're going to kill them. I don't like whatever this thing is, how precious it is. They don't even get to look at it. It's all like, you know, King George, the gold man, He's going like, I love my idol, I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna stare at it. Nah, just put it in a room with booby traps and kill everybody who tries to enter it. So why is his tribe yeah. then out the front going like, no, don't go in? Like they should be like, yeah, go on in, guys. It's yours. <laughs> it's all yours. We're just gonna sit here and rub our sticks together because we're ancient <laughs> tribes. Like, I don't get the fight outside the temple. <laughs> like, I mean Well
1: I, I get the idea of booby trap. I mean, this is something even like in yeah. Egyptian culture, like the yeah, the they're they're uh, pyramids and stuff like that, and the, the temples of the mummies, tombs and stuff. This is something that, like, to this day, they still do this. Well, not to this day. They're not, not, 2023 Egyptians. That's how, they like, got, that's how they
0: got rid of that uh, president about a decade ago, wasn't it? In the uh, Arab <laughs> yeah. Spring, they booby-trapped everything.
1: What I meant to say is that we they still uncover things like this to this day, but but in this one, it, you, you have a good point because this is, like, out on display, and it's well lit. Yeah, It's there to... This is, like... This is our temple. We go there to worship. But, like, do they? Unless they go in there and they're like, all right, don't step on this spot and remember to stay out of the light, maybe they know the sequence to get in there. But At,
0: at least with, like, you know, the the arc. And then I'm thinking of, like, the mummy movies and everything. Like, it, they're hidden. Like, I mean, you know, it's not like yeah. it's like, hey,
1: everyone, this is how Buried, I yeah.
0: Steal it. Steal it. I, I dare you to. I dare you to. Can I just point out one thing, too, which I want to keep commenting in these movies? Because, again, I've seen The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull once. I, I don't remember hating it. But I also know all the hate it gets. And one of the biggest criticisms is people complain about the aliens. This isn't Indiana Jones. There are no aliens in Indiana Jones. I'm sorry. This movie has, like, ghosts and spirits (laughs) and magic and booby traps and yeah. all of this stuff that's in this film. So you can't sit there and say, oh, it doesn't have aliens. That's in the same realms as ghosts and spirits and booby traps and all these kind of things, right? So you can't complain about aliens if you enjoy this movie. <laughs> I'm just saying that right now.
1: And like, I think the argument made with this one, it's it's a lot subtler. They never quite identify what it is that's coming out of there and stuff. But but wait until you get to T- Temple Doom. And this is the argument I've always had for A King of the C- Crystal Skull. The absurdity of Crystal Skull, okay, it is absurd. I I love that even Harrison Ford has come out and defending Crystal Skull just within the last year and saying people don't realize that, like, this is what Indiana Jones was meant to explore different genres each time. It wasn't meant to be we're always going after, you know, some mysterious arc that never gets open or the one time it gets open, even Indy doesn't see it. Uh, When we get to Temple of Doom, a man's heart is ripped out of his chest and he survives, okay? So... (laughs) Don't talk about absurdity with aliens, and then watch Temple of Doom, uh, and even Last Crusade. There's some stuff in there. I was like, "What?" There's a guy who's been alive for a thousand years. Like, this is what it's meant to be. It's You're called right, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise, yes, uh, <laughs> the keeper He's of the gay, holy grail. <laughs> sue us, Cruise. Sue us. Uh, but uh, it, basically, Belloc here. Even um, uh, you kind of get the impression through this scene that. Uh, this is a common thing. Indy gets something and then Belloc takes away. These are competitors. You know, they, they, We don't even identify him as working at the Nazis at this point. Uh, I love Indy's escape, though, when he escaped from these guys and Belloc's got the idol. He's got the most maniacal after. He's like, ha ha ha, 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 ha. <laughs> It's like so over the top. It's just great uh indy's running from the tribal people they're throwing the spears at him they're shooting the arrows yeah, terrible he's, shots
0: They're stormtroopers come on yeah, stormtroopers of south him. america Indiana yeah. Jones is swimming slower <laughs> than eric Eel from the Sydney olympics and they're throwing stick i could hit him with a stick and i'm not a tribesman i love his pilot
1: here jock he's like jock jock the plane and he's like oh oh he's gonna die oh but i got a fish on the line dead <laughs> indeed fish on the line and then eventually he's like ah and he throws the fishing line in the water uh he jumps to the water he said the slowest swim ever uh he get on the plane and then this is where indy's in the back and he's got the snake and <laughs> of course we have to have the deduction to snakes and he's like it's like jock what is it oh that's just my pet snake i don't even remember the pet snake's name is Jimmy. uh and then he's got his line here i hate snakes jock i hate them uh <laughs> that's gonna come up again in a couple of movies uh every single movie I, i'm i actually am trying to think i think snakes are yes yeah, snakes appear in every single Indiana Jones movie there's only one where uh Indy himself does not actually fear snakes so uh uh bookmark that when we get to it when he
0: is naked because he's got a massive dong.
1: We know Harrison Ford does. Oh, come
0: on. That's why Calista, I mean, Calista Flockhart, come on. They're,
1: they're still together. Good for them. Can we just say that? Yeah, over 20 years. Who
0: ever thought when Ali McBeal hooked up with Han Solo that they'd still be together? <laughs> I remember that was a thing back in like the day, and that was a big like, oh, my God, like we you talked about Benifer back in the day. Think about that. Yeah. We, when we did Gilly, we are like, oh, the biggest, you know, couple ever, and they're married, and now freaking Calista Flockhart and that is like, what a time to be alive. Couples can work. <laughs>
1: I don't remember Jack Nicholson and Laura Flynn Boyle lasting 20 years. Well, that was that
0: was just the old man, really thin woman craze of the early 2000s.
1: Like Harrison Ford and Calista Flockhart. Oh, um, they seem happy one as, of them as well. Survived. Good for them. Yeah. Oh, um, and at this point, what? They're going to be married until she's dead and he's 108 and yeah. still alive. And, and Matthew Broderick and die. Sarah
0: Jessica Parker
1: are still together. Good for them. That's, a, that's another older guy, younger woman.
0: <laughs> I will horse and man. I mean.
1: <laughs> See, look, bestiality, it can work. Sometimes it does work out. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we get the Indiana Jones theme played here for the first time as the plane's uh, leaving. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: can,
1: can't can get it out of your head. <laughs> uh, then we just cut to uh, Indiana Jones in the classroom in his, his setting uh, and. This is the scene that really confused me as a kid. Now, <laughs> I, I I probably would have been like six or seven when I saw this movie. Uh, but it's all the girls you could tell as an adult. I'm looking at this it, like, oh, they're all in love with him because he's Harrison Ford. And he's got a massive dong and he's the handsomest man in Hollywood. Uh, but as a kid, I'm seeing all these young girls and what I think is an old man. <laughs> and there's the one girl who's even got on her eyelids. Love you. I love you. And he's getting all flustered Uh, uh, uh. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering. I'm like, wait, like, but he's an old man. What are they into him for? And it probably took me until I was older and realizing like women loved Harrison Ford to get it.
0: And you also realize that he probably is hooking up with these girls when you get a glaring plot hole with well, old uh, Miriam or whatever it is when you find out that he was fucking her when she was yeah. a kid. So
1: <laughs> well, interesting note. Uh, well, let's let's touch on that now. Th- those story conferences that Lawrence Kasdan, Spielberg, and I George Lucas that. had. Yeah. So. I read the transcripts for this, and and it is a lengthy conversation, a very lengthy conversation they had debating about what the age difference was going to be between India and Marian. Marian, sorry, and, not Miriam, other way around. Yeah, and at, at one point, they were thinking, like, was she going to be 12 or 13? Like, they, they wanted this idea that, like, oh, he's not quite, you know, always heroic because he maybe had a fling with a slightly younger girl. And in the end, I think the age they decided 15. on was that... She was 15 and he was yeah. like 24 or something like that. Um, but <laughs> y- you're shrugging your shoulders like, I see nothing wrong. No, no, it. it's
0: more like it's a g- often overlooked fact. It's like when we talked about Elvis, yeah. like, yeah, Priscilla was a little child. Well, not a little child. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she was at least a teenager. She's <laughs> not me, but like it's, it's you know, <laughs> this is why I'm saying this scene. The reason he's flustered with this girl was like, love you on her eyelids, because he's got like, oh God, I'm in with a chance here. It's like, oh damn, I'm well, being not- interrupted.
1: Yeah, and they're they very careful to pick an age that wouldn't... They're like, what is the exact age difference that will make him look a little bit scummy, but won't make the audience wish death upon him? And they decided on 15 Fucking and 24. Fucking 15-year-olds is fine. 14, <laughs> ew,
0: 15, that's about the right age to have sex okay. with somebody,
1: yep. But you, but you know, this is a weird comparison. had nothing to do with having sex with people, but like when we covered Jurassic Park 3, I made the argument when people were like, oh, how is a child going to be able to survive on the island? Because he was like what, like 12 or something like that? I'm like, you say this kid's 13 and everybody accepts it. You say he's 12 and all of a sudden this is questionable. It's a plot hole. It's a saying
0: if you're 15 and a girl, you're all right having sex with a 24-year-old. Man, that's completely fine. 14?
1: 14, Ew.
0: 15? Mm. Spielberg,
1: Lucas, and Kazin say it's okay, then I'm with them. (laughs) Why
0: Why is that never brought up? Like in this day and age where yeah, everything's exactly. cancelled in you know, maybe we're going to be the podcast. Someone's going to listen to this. They're right. We've never discovered that. Yeah. Indiana Jones gets cancelled because of the old Network. Hey, we'd make the news. So by all means, Indiana Jones is a pedophile, everyone. Get rid of him.
1: We've been saying Ben's a pedophile for years and nobody cares. We say Indy is. I am the Indiana Jones
0: Obviously. of this you podcast. Are- <laughs> I've got a fedora. I'm gonna go put it on. You do. I don't have a wig. But but
1: there's more to come than this scene. What? (laughs) Oh, sorry. There's times where you're joking and there's times where I'm like, he looks very serious right now. I think I might do have
0: one. I'll have a look. I'll bring it in for the next episode. (laughs)
1: Yeah, if I hear screams from the other room again, I'm calling the authorities.
0: That's <laughs> uh, all right. I can show this type of whip to Colin and he still wouldn't get it, so it's fine. <laughs> uh,
1: but but no, you're actually right about the scene. This scene was intended to kind of set up. They want, again, the James Bond connection. They The idea in this movie was that he was going to be a bit of a womanizer and a playboy. And there's another scene coming up later on which there was a deleted scene from that uh, it was supposed to do the scene more. And they kind of cut that from the movie. To me, I think this still kind of just plays as, oh, he's the handsome professor. Because you see all the girls in the class and and he even gets flustered by it. But and there's another, there's a deleted scene that follows this when Marcus comes in, where there's a female student that stops him and she's kind of being flirty. It's like, oh, I thought we were going to go over my paper on whatever. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, Marcus, do I have time for this? <laughs> <laughs> and this is during the next scene when they're going to meet the army intelligence. So there were multiple parts in this movie where uh, they're supposed to play up with this a little bit more. But uh, Marcus comes in, interrupts the class and I gotta love little brown noser here when all the people are leaving and you get the one boy in the class who puts the apple on his desk. Like, what a little brown noser (laughs) and then Marcus just steals it. (laughs) it, Was this actually a thing? I know this is like a cliche in movies. Like was this, I want people who are alive during the thirties, forties and fifties. If you're still alive, tell us, did you leave an apple on your teacher's desk?
0: I was going to ask that like, cause you're old. So I thought you might've known, but like, I mean, again, (laughs) I'm similar to you. I know it's a cliche, but like, like what? Like, I mean, what What is the deal? And why is it a guy doing that? Like, I mean, all these girls want to get in his pants.
1: Oh, he's he's he wants to get in his pants too.
0: Well, I guess you could be gay in 1936. Repressive
1: time. He looks a bit <laughs> just, I mean,
0: a... the way he walks past the desk. He, <laughs> I was gonna say, but I stopped myself. You said it. it's Tom Cruise. Um, but like, just the sort of the way he walks past desk. it's like <laughs> that's how you were when you were gay in 1936.
1: You're like, I, I always wonder though, like, if this was a thing, like. Does a teacher have to go home and eat 12 apples so they don't rot? Yeah. <laughs> is this their diet? They live off of apples for Why dinner? What
0: apple? Like, uh, they have to keep the doctor away? Like, I mean, like... Yeah. <laughs>
1: The teacher's is always there. There here you go. You're covered for a week and a half, teacher.
0: Like, I just I just don't get it. Like, I mean, like, wh- wh- why? Like, An
1: orange is going to last longer, right? An apple's not going to last as long banana? as orange. Banana?
0: Banana's a bit suggestive, maybe. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know.
1: What about a watermelon? <laughs> well, the girls leave a banana.
0: Watermelon on the table.
1: But uh, Marcus here, another uh, character. I don't know if he's been in much else. Denom who plays uh, Marcus in. Uh, two of these movies and kind of has a cameo appearance in king of the crystal skull sort of even i though thought he, he looked Hacker familiar was dead. Yeah, uh, you, he looked familiar from the other indie movies <laughs> yeah, Maybe you like, know I that's the guy from last crusade <laughs> that's where i know him from. there he is i uh, yeah, i'm not seeing a lot here that uh, um, i would actually know him from he was in the original born identity miniseries from the 80s the pre matt damon one um he's he's great in these movies though but uh we talk about the, the gay undertones we're gonna get to that in a minute uh <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> no 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 when i point it out you're gonna you're, you're probably gonna see what i'm talking about but uh Denim elliott uh has a very different character in last crusade i mean it's the same guy that literally have this exact same scene played over again last crusade but he basically becomes the early jar jar binks in last <laughs> crusade he's the prototype for jar jar uh, but uh, he's basically telling the story about how he he lost the idol and the Belloc took it. And I just love Marcus's indifference here. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, uh, I'm sure you'll find it. Like, I need to get to Marrakesh. I need two thousand dollars. And he's like, I found other pieces here. Marcus's like, well, buy them as usual. And I just love the one who was like, yes, these are nice. <laughs> he's all surprised. He's fiddling with them. Oh, yeah, we'll buy them as usual. Oh, these are lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> oh, but- wonderful but he he pulls him away because he says oh we we got people coming to see us from army intelligence and he's like what do they want me for am I in trouble uh and this is where we actually had as they're going to see them the other deleted scene of the flirty girl and him saying Marcus I've got a meeting to, to get to here uh but th- these army intelligence guys come in and th- th- this is where y- they kind of address the whole like you say the white man coming in and stealing the artifacts where they're running through you know Indiana Jones you know archaeologist professor or whatever and they're like and uh how should we say a terror of rare antiquities and uh i i can't remember which one it is they actually refer to him as a grave robber uh it might even be king with crystal skull where they, they again every once in a while they sort of address the fact it's like is what he's doing kind of ethical or not uh but uh they're running through here that uh indy's old um <laughs> uh I don't know, we almost father in law. <laughs> His business partner, this is what makes it a little even scummier. His old business partner, mentor, or whatever, Abner Ravenwood, uh, had been mentioned in uh, some type of Nazi communication uh, and references to a city, Tannis. And this is where Marcus and Indy get really excited because they like Tannis was the resting place of the Lost Ark. They have to go through the list and hear what the Lost Ark was. This is what the Ten Commandments were stored in uh, and all the places it could have been. They're wondering why was Abner mixed up in this? He wouldn't have had anything to do with the Nazis. Uh, Indy runs through, you know, the the power that shows him even the book. And I I love the difference between these two guys. I mean, these guys are in two scenes here, but you get the one guy who's like, yes, yes, and tell me more. And then you get the other guy who's almost rolling his eyes the whole time. And even at one point, he's like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh, but they basically are saying they, they need somebody to go find this. So then we get to the next scene. Now, this is where we have the other deleted scene. So when Marcus comes to Indy's house, uh, Indy was supposed to have just let a woman go. A woman? <laughs> he just finished banging a woman. A woman. Uh, and uh, she leaves, and then Marcus comes in. Now, without that scene, Enjoying to scene. me, even as a kid, I wondered, I'm like, there's something kind of odd about this scene. Now, he's wearing this very fancy... House coat or whatever. He's got a bottle of champagne on the table, and then when he basically Marcus tells him, "Yes, they want you to to go get it." He's all excited. Oh! And he's pouring it. And I'm like, "Are Marcus and Indy having now. a romantic evening?" <laughs> yeah, you get it, right? It's just it, it, if it was something where he's like, "Oh, let me dig out a bottle to celebrate," it would be different. But he knows Marcus is coming to his house. He's dressed up <laughs> this little fancy house code here. He's got the champagne ready. He's patting him on the back really close. He's like, oh, oh some Barry really White. Like, yeah, let's get it all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's definitely some undertones here. Uh, but but without that other scene, you know, this is kind of the but impression I get.
0: I, I mean, like I didn't I didn't recognize that until you point that out. But I think it's I mean, I'm kind of glad you don't kind of see Indiana Jones as a womanizer. I mean, it's not out of the realms yeah. of possibility. Well, that's why they cut it. But it's sort of like. You know, like, Han Solo is smooth and cool and charismatic, hmm. but you just know that. You don't need to see him banging all the space yeah. aliens. Like, I mean, I, I would say Han Solo is more charismatic and cool than Indiana Jones, like, just in terms hmm. of his mannerisms and the way you meet him, how he is with Leia and everything. Whereas, like, this, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you need it. Like, he's like he's kind of a bit geeky. like That's why like so many yeah. geeks like him, because Han Solo is not really geeky, whereas Indiana Jones is geeky he's, he's the a, he's the cool geek yeah he's an archaeology teacher i mean geek.com.
1: <laughs> and the the funny thing is when you mention that i'm trying to think i'm like you know we got female love interest in all the movies there's only one scene in this series where we see Indy actually hitting on or flirting with a woman Ooh. and it's the third movie and it's it's only a brief moment it's, it's like he quickly meets you know female character in that movie and he's like hey hey, 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 hey. Uh, and, and then that, after that She was 15. Yes. (laughs) You look like you're my age, not my age, but (laughs) my age, if you know what I mean. Uh, But uh, yeah, no, you're right. And that's kind of the reason that they did cut it. Like Spielberg said, we just, we didn't feel like it fit the character for him to be doing this. We did it because of the whole James Bond thing, but then we realized it didn't work. So you get a lot of this stuff cut out here. Um, So Indy's all excited. He's packing for his trip and Marcus is kind of warning him. Like, you know, the arc is like this unspeakable power and everything. And, you know, whoever has this could control the world and Indy's like, Oh, you you sound like my mother or something like that. And uh what are you talking about? Like, like this the boogeyman or something. Besides, you know what a well prepared guy I am, and then he tosses his gun in the suitcase. And then we get the, the, again, very like old school thirties, forties thing here when the plane's traveling, Indiana Jones team playing again. And then we get like that little thing going across the screen, like the da da, da, da the little arrow in the it. map. I love the that arrow, the yeah. map, yeah. Uh, we also do get the introduction here to tote the uh, the, the glasses Nazi guy here. Uh, now, this actor Ronald Lacey, him getting cast in the movie was kind of a fluke as well. Uh, I never realized this guy's only 45 years old when he made the movie. He's <laughs> like barely older than Harrison Ford. But uh, he had stepped down from acting. He had been acting for a while. I'm just seeing here he had been in Blackadder too. I don't know who he, Bishop of Bath and Wells in Blackadder must have been just a one-off. I don't remember that character, but. He had been like a struggling actor and had given up acting right before Raiders of the Lost Ark. And he had started working as an agent. Uh, So he's like, all right, I'm done with the acting thing. I'm just going to work as an agent. I'm going to get other people work. And about six months into working as an agent, all of a sudden he got a call. It's like, uh, yeah, so Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, they said they wanted to meet with you for some movie. Hmm. So this guy would have retired from acting in 1980, uh, 1981, if it hadn't been for just... However, Spielberg and Lucas knew him saying, we want to meet with this guy for the movie, but uh, he he's kind of like, like the other a
0: people. Nazi.
1: He does look like a Nazi, yes. Um, but he, he's uh, like one of the other. This movie, I think that's one of the reasons why nobody really sees Belloc as the villain of this movie because you, you kind of have three villains in this movie. You have mm. uh, Belloc, you have this guy Toten, you have the other guy, I think his name's Dieter, the, the, the main Nazi guy, the, the tall Nazi, uh, and then other henchmen along the way. But he's following him on the plane. And then we pick up in Nepal, and this is where we get introduced to Marion, uh, Marion's Ravenwood, Marion Ravenwood's bar, the, the the 15 and under club here of Nepal. Uh, and she's introduced to this drinking game. And uh, the idea of this, again, I don't know whether, I, I've i never been drunk, so I don't know the whole point of drinking games, but I always, always assumed watching this that it's like, oh, she's ready to pass out. And I think that it was only when I was watching the making of that, like, now, the point of this scene is that she's faking the other people out uh, because you see her ready to pass out and then she's there. Because I always wondered after this, I'm like, she sobered up pretty quick as soon as everybody left and then Indy's there. But this is just, you know, uh, her scam uh, to get money and everything. So the drinking game thing, and I always, I, don't know, I hate to be mean to whoever played this, but the person that she's drinking opposite of, is that a man or a woman?
0: I would assume a man because it's the 80s and a woman beating a man is like ooh, unheard of. So well, that's what I would it,
1: guess. Yeah, I always thought it was. A, well, I couldn't figure it out. I was questioning a gender-neutral
0: Nepalese tribes person.
1: That's what they prefer to be called. They now in 2023. them. So if this is a they them, so the drinking game with a the they them. Uh, but obviously, she wins when the other person passes out. I do love the reaction of the 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 they them that passes out here, where they're like smiling and then all of a sudden just slowly fall. Uh, everybody leaves out of the bar and then uh, she's cleaning up. We get Indy coming in and I-, I love her reaction where and there's multiple takes of this that are on the, the Blu-ray set where you can see they-, they try this multiple ways. It was like Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones. And what they basically settle on is just her like Indiana Jones. Right. Uh, and I love how smiley he is like, yeah. Ah, I knew you'd be happy to see me. Oh, I was worried for nothing. Because even Marcus had kind of warned, like, you know, oh, it's going to be weird to see her again. And he's just sort of asking for a piece that her dad had. And she just punches him out of nowhere. And this is where we get the the little bit of backstory where she's saying, I learned to hate you over the last 10 years or whatever. And he's like, "Uh, oh, I never meant to hurt you. And he says, I was a child. I was in love. You knew what you were doing. (laughs) That line is like, whew. Yep. (laughs) Wow. Uh, and obviously, this is they sort of lewd towards this is why, you know, he had the falling out with her dad, Abner. Yeah, because you were um, fucking his 15 year old daughter. <laughs> I wanted them to get there like the, the young Indiana Jones TV series. It was it was very unique in its time and that the actual TV series was never chronological. You would have one episode that was like 1910 and it would be the child actor Indiana Jones. And the next episode would be like 1917 and he's in the war. And then you go back and you do like 1912 and he's a high school student. It would jump all over the place. But the intention was that that you would do whatever story you want would eventually fill in the gaps. And at one point they were going to get to, I think it was like if they had had a third season, they were going to get to his introduction to Abner, like Marion's father. And then I'm like, would they have gone there in television? Would they have yeah, it decided the to change her age? Like she never says 15 as a, as a kid when I was watching this movie, I, I just think when she was saying I was a child, I was in love, she meant that she was like 18 or something like that, not literally a child. Uh, but uh, he's basically trying to get the uh, the piece from her. He says it's a worth I love that he says it's a worthless piece, Marion. Do you know which one I'm talking about? It's worthless, and then he says, I'll give you a two thousand, two thousand dollars and another three once uh, uh, we get back to the states. It's worthless. Here's five thousand dollars in 1936 money uh i like to do this whenever i'm watching movies is figure out how much that's worth today so uh let's see here five thousand dollars uh if i can find the dollar sign which i cannot into uh, the oz
0: network where we should edit shit out and we I don't. will look
1: this up later i'm sure it's worth a fortune i can do today, it i'm
0: not doing anything i'm you just do listening it there here. ben you're, you sure just listen. all right put me you to good do, work do
1: your part here uh, so, uh, she basically takes the money and then says, come back tomorrow. So he does leave. Uh, and then all of a sudden, a couple of minutes later, we have the, well, we'll first see her take it out and you realize, no, she had it around her neck the whole time. Uh, then we get the Nazis come in or the, the Nazis and Nepalese or the worst, uh, white man playing an Asian man ever. I don't know if you caught that.
0: I didn't. Uh, Was, of, is there a white man playing henchmen. an Asian?
1: Well, then this guy either has some type of deformity or it is the worst prosthetic trying to make a white guy look nepalese uh because one of these guys here has very prosthetic slanted eyes uh, and it it, it uh, looks yeah. worse oh uh, <laughs> this is like Sean Connery in 67 did it better than this guy <laughs> uh but but I and I do know that they they didn't actually go to Nepal to film the scene i mean this was just a oh, set spoiler. but the other Nepalese henchman is played by Pat Roach, who is a stunt man who also plays the guy that Indy fights with during the plane sequence later on. The, this this guy plays two roles: one as Nepal. not he's not the guy who has the bad prosthetic. He's the guy who's like covered in hair and everything, and you can barely tell who it is. But they, they they just cast regular stunt man. But yeah, this other guy with the prosthetic doesn't look good. Uh, so they're basically asking <laughs> for the thing. Same- it looks terrible. It, it looks terrible. <laughs> and I mean, this, you know, this movie could be canceled just for that, but you never cancel indie. Uh, we're, we're also inviting. racists. Um, yeah, we're like, he's a pedophile. Spielberg's a racist. Gay people putting
0: apples <laughs> on tables.
1: Yeah, exactly. Everything should be canceled from this movie. Uh, but, uh, they're asking for this headpiece as well. And, uh, she's, uh, basically be more standoffish until they start getting threatening i love tote here where he's basically got the fire poker it's like your fire is going out and then they're basically restraining her they're about to burn her and that's when Indy comes in with the whip and there's that whole famous like uses the whip and let her go big action sequence breaks out here uh fire everywhere that this flame fire poker is set on fire Everything's burning. This I love help. some of the moments. Here. <laughs> <A scout. laughs> so let's call her up and see what she thought about the Fire scene.
0: Man, <laughs> there's people burning. You're
1: laughing. I know. There's great moments here with people burning and everything. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that like this is one of the things that these movies are sort of known for. Is like Indy. He's not Superman. This isn't James Bond. I mean, this is. He's getting beaten up badly. And there's it, one of my favorite moments is here where he's being pinned against the bar. And it's being set on fire and then the flames are coming around and he's just asking marion for a bottle so he can smash go overhead just at the last minute and at the very end he's about to get shot and it's actually marion who shoots the guy and gets rid of him and then they they go outside and uh, everything's burning down our tote also did find the headpiece and then he burned his hand this is uh joe pesci <laughs> in um uh, home alone here with his hand being burned i always wondered though I'm like he goes out the door he puts his hand in the snow why doesn't he go back inside? And this is a small bar on some mountaintop in Nepal. I doubt he just said, well, I gave it my best shot. And I tried nothing. I'm all over ideas. i out of here. medical
0: attention. He's got a severely
1: burnt hand. Well, there's He's nobody to there. everybody hospital. Else, his medical personnel are being burned alive inside. There's nobody got there. backup. He's a Nazi. <laughs> They're prepared. But there's not because Indian and Marion come outside and this place is burning down totes nowhere to be seen where is he Let's he should back be right to there. Like, his boat he's like ah oh, see it's my handburn.
0: glad i brought back up doctor
1: and left him in plane she's literally dangling and saying oh uh look if you want this then i'm your new partner and then he's like wait i came for that give it to me <laughs> he should still be there at least uh but uh we'll, we'll kind of cap it there that whole first act uh it is a, a fantastic action sequence, minus some of the, the racist uh, prosthetics to make people look Nepalese. Uh, one
0: hundred nine thousand one hundred twenty-three dollars
1: and thirty-eight cents. It's a. It's so <laughs> I just want people imagine this scene, Mar- Marion. It's a worthless piece. Can I have it? Here's hundred and one thousand dollars in cash. That's in
0: like being in a Like we're gonna be like old one day. Oh, well, you already are, but like. <laughs> literally going to like when I'm like your age I'm going to look back and go like oh I've got a million dollars it's probably going to be worth like 10 dollars like today's money or something like that you know what I mean like it's sort of like back in y- y- yeah it's just it's weird to think that that's how money works right like inflation yeah. it's it's strange like I was talking to somebody the other day about like oh I'm going to have to buy a house I'm going to need at least a million dollars I'm like well that's just kind of a standard price everywhere now isn't it like a mi- <laughs> it is like doctor evil 1 million dollars that's not really a lot of money these days um I, yeah, I don't have much to add on the school. Like it kind of reminds me, it's a weird connection to Indiana Jones. It kind of reminds me of Billy Madison, you know, like when he's there and he's got like the girls and they've all got the, um, the, the Valentine's cards and they're all sitting there with like their hands in there thinking, oh, oh, And then the teacher yeah. is like, I want you, um, or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, Noah would like. I mean, they're not British men, are they? These old—they're not. They're American, aren't they? Old yeah, snooty, fancy British. Americans. Fancy. Oh, that's fine with Noah. He's all good with the fancy American men. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you kind of ruined that for me now. When he's like putting on a dressing gown or whatever, and it's all like, "Oh, come on in. Here's my champagne."
1: Uh, Even the way he like touches his back, it's almost like he's stroking it. Oh, and he—he he says. I'm not making a subject, but the way he says, oh, Marcus! Oh, he's very excited and very ready for action.
0: It reminds me a bit of um, Jurassic Park when they're in the trailer, you know? Oh, yeah. We, hey, we were saving that for today. I guarantee I it. I guarantee it. <laughs> we get back, right, right back on schedule. I mean, schedule. Uh, schedule. <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Richard Attenborough. Um But, like has the big bang theory ruined this
1: movie in the no. whole, Oh, I, I'm, I was going to get, I was going to let you talk first, but I'm you, dying I you because
0: some- like I, I rewatched the clip on YouTube and you know, if people don't know what we're talking about. So there was a big bang theory episode where basically Sheldon's with Amy. She make he, he's like, Oh, we're going to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. So they watch it. The name is kind of like, like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, it's a great movie except for the glaring plot hole. It's like, what's the plot hole? And it's like, well, Indiana Jones has no purpose to the movie. You take him out and everything happens the same. And basically the whole rest of the episode, you've got like Leonard and Raj and all that kind of sitting around going, but what about this bit? What about this bit? And one of the bits they say is like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, without the medallion or whatever, they wouldn't have got there or something like that. And it's like, well, no, because like they still would have got the medallion anyway, because if Indiana Jones didn't show up, they would have taken it from uh, Mariam anyway. So I'm looking forward to hearing your argument for that. But um, the thing I'll say about Marion, I like she's a frustrating character because they kind of paint her out as like tough woman. Like, you know, like here she is, she's independent. She's doing drinking games. She's kicking ass. She's shooting people. She's punching people. Like you're like, well, wow. I mean, this is like 1981, you know, this is very princess Leia, But mm. at the end of the day, she just kind of becomes a damsel in distress because like there's, Bond girls like this, right, where it's kind of like, oh, cool, they start off cool, like Holly Goodhead, and then they just become damsels in distress. So it's kind of it's frustrating with her because I, I just don't know why they went down that trope because she's cool, she's badass, and then, you she know?
1: Karen Allen brought a lot to this character, too. Like, there's there's scenes coming up later on which were like, holy, her invention. Yeah. But she, she kind of struggled with that, too. She's like, oh, you know, you got an interesting character, but, like, let's add a little bit more to it.
0: Because I'm trying to remember the The second one's like the really annoying, screamy blonde woman, isn't it? Yeah. Steven oh, Edwards. but she's
1: my favorite. Like she's so funny.
0: Uh, she well, she's the merry goodnight of the. Uh... Yeah.
1: And then is hence there, why she's my favorite.
0: Isn't there another blonde woman in the Last Crusade?
1: Yeah, but there's a different twist on her. <laughs> she's got a a bigger she's nose. She's got a massive dong. <laughs> <laughs> and then isn't the um,
0: Marion also the? the... <laughs> in four, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen The crime Game. It just reminds me of Ace Ventura. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I hear that song, I just think of that scene at the end when they're all spitting. We'll talk about it next year. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's a cool action scene. I was thinking of you when I was watching this scene with the man burning and then uh, the bar going up. And I, I love the whole graphic of the maps and the red line and just Mm -hmm. it's so cool it's so iconic i love that uh i want i want that like i'm sure it's 2023 i'm sure there's a graphic you can do that now but next time i do a brink unleash film i want to kind of do that because it's kind of cool but um yeah i mean what what's more to say it's great action scene and but like yeah your point about indy it's yeah he's not like superman like he's kind of always vulnerable i always have this thing and I'm obviously confusing him with Batman because like I always think Indiana Jones doesn't use guns, and it's kind of dumb because there's obviously I, I, a very. I think the
1: costume and the cape is the dead giveaway. It's not Batman, but, but continue. But, but, I'm interested.
0: But like, I think there's a famous scene in this movie where he obviously uses a gun. But like, I don't know because like Batman famously doesn't use guns. So for some reason, I'm yeah. kind of thinking maybe I got my cape crusaders confused. <laughs> um, i'm indiana jones (laughs) (laughs) i'm batman (laughs) um yeah give me your theory i want to hear this theory about taking indiana jones out of this movie
1: i mean everybody kind of knows that big bang theory episode like i don't know how many of the the questions they run through but like there's at least three moments in this movie one of which is more questionable but two where i'm like this this is the point of indiana jones marion dies if indy's not in this scene because they're they're getting this headpiece from they're basically ready to poke her with a red hot stick you know if she just doesn't give it to them they kill her and i think that they've clearly shown marion who's hiding this from indy she's hiding from indy and basically extorting him for money and even then she's not even committing to it they kill marion so without indy being in this movie marion's dead marion's dead more, here. she's dead later in the movie
0: but but again that doesn't defeat the purpose of the point, if you take Indiana Jones out of this movie, nothing changes. Marion just died. Marion's
1: dead, yeah. But there, there's more There's more coming up later on, I'm going to get you. But the main thing being Marion is dead early in this movie, But everything, everything else still plays happens. out the same. Almost. Wait till we get to the oh, end. Ah, so I, I, I'll have you on the end. Jonathan Rhys-Davies' uh-
0: <laughs> dong is not as big.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, th- Nothing else sad, that's it?
0: I have nothing else to declare, Colin.
1: All right. So now we're going to get to... Danny DeVito's almost role in Indiana Jones. I don't know if you knew about this. Did Um, he play the boulder? Well, he almost played Sala, John Rhys-Davies' role Mm. in this movie. So uh, we get into Cairo here. I can see that. And we get introduced to John Rhys-Davies. The original idea was that they wanted Danny DeVito. And this is where television is really screwing them over making this movie. Because Danny DeVito is the guy they wanted. And Danny DeVito read the script. Danny DeVito was willing to do this movie. But...
0: Yes, Casper. Casper of appearance. What are we in an hour and 17 in? This is. This oh, is a he bit closed late the door. He's not even oh, interested good in coming job, down Casper. to work out this time. Well, hi to you as
1: well. <laughs> uh, but uh, Daniel Vito is the one they wanted for this, but he had the TV show taxi. And again, their filming dates just didn't meet up with it. Uh, so John Rhys Davies is the next guy they looked at. But even John Rhys Davies read the script and the script was basically written for. Egyptian Danny DeVito. Now, if you'd cast Danny DeVito in this role, I think it's a little less acceptable than John Reese Davies because John Reese. I'm trying to remember where he's from. He's from somewhere. Um, I mean, he. I don't know if he's originally British. I think yeah, he's born in Britain, originally but, British. Uh, <laughs> he, well, he was raised in Tanzania, uh-huh. so uh, I guess there's a little bit more connection there for a guy raised there that uh, that region ish area than there would be Danny DeVito from New York or wherever. It was but- rising queens very multicultural close yes <laughs> the the cairo of new Where york <laughs> <Fran> dress is from so <laughs> you know sorry this role also i'll oh, take they, that they back about Fran he's Drescher from, from this role. new jersey even more multicultural oh, jersey <laughs> the, the the place that birthed rocky and uh not rocky balboa anthony rocky and danny devito who you you know <laughs> lots of culture there um Apparently, he does a voice in SpongeBob SquarePants. Danny DeVito. Or no, no, John Reese Davies. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: I'm SpongeBob.
1: <laughs> um. Anyways, John Reese Davies is like the polar opposite. Even John Reese Davies kind of tells the story when he saw the script. He's like, I'm not exactly the way this character is described as being like a four foot eleven Egyptian man. <laughs> but uh, Steven Spielberg was right. I mean, th- this. I can't picture anybody else playing this. And, and yeah, I'm sure that there's people who still complain, even though he was raised in Tanzania, there's still people who are going to complain John Rhys-Davies playing an Egyptian here. But, I mean, he he creates this character. I can't imagine without John Rhys-Davies. Did you ever see the TV show he did with Jerry O'Connell, Sliders? I
0: did not see the television series he did with Jerry O'Connell called Sliders.
1: It- it was it was pretty popular over here. It was like a syndicated show, right? Like, it wasn't like network television, but it lasted for like five, six seasons. And it kind of like a Quantum Leap thing. It was a very cool premise. It was basically John Rhys-Davies played almost like an Indiana Jones character. I mean, he was a professor, an adventurer slash professor. And he discovers or he basically creates a machine that opens up parallel dimensions. And him and a bunch of his students just jump from one dimension to another. So every week they're in a different dimension where it's like it's our world, but there's something slightly different. And it was it was a great show. It was pretty popular over here. But uh, I after Indiana Jones doing from that, and of course Lord of the Rings. Uh, but uh, in Lord of the Rings is he okay? Cool. Yeah, he plays the dwarf in Lord of the Rings. So he's really being cast as short men. <laughs> what are all these directors like? Oh, you know what? Six foot four, John Reese Davies. I'm seeing him as a dwarf. <laughs> uh, but a uh,
0: Tanzanian uh, dwarf.
1: Tanzanian, yes. <laughs> Originally from Tanzania, now residing in Cairo. Uh, but, um, it, yeah, this introduction scene here, we get the monkey, too, uh, which this monkey was Spielberg's favorite gag in the movie, the, the Nazi monkey. Uh, I love Marion really? here where where she's like, oh, what an adorable creature. And I'm like, this is Ben when they ever introduce him to a child <laughs> of a certain age. When they get to be 15, they're OK, but... You introduce Ben to a two-year-old, a three-year-old. What an adorable little creature. What are you trying to <laughs> say, Colin? Uh, ben hates children uh, until they get to 15. But... Um, Too old, Ben. He, they, they, basically, Salah here is saying he's the digger who's the digger. Uh, did I tell you that? <laughs> did I tell I you I've... a con- Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. Salah's like me. He's <laughs> a digger did did i tell you uh that um uh, i've got at least remy one of our kids pronouncing digger like that now uh they have they have like construction toys <laughs> and one of them is like a digger like a construction <laughs> digger right and remy's like what's this and i'm like it's a digger and then i'm like no 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 remy it's a digger <laughs> and so now he'll play with it he goes it's a digger <laughs> He quotes the
0: line. I, I think you put that on the best of episode last year, didn't you? Where I think we're going to get
1: T-shirts. <laughs> Grants like me, he's a digger. He's a digger. <laughs> he's a digger. Uh, but Salah the digger here has been hired by the Nazis, and Indy's sort of just trying to get information on it, and then uh, he's, he's talking about... Uh, and this part, uh, this still kind of confused me. This is just Indiana Jones being a jerk to you know his foreign friend who doesn't speak perfect american where he's like uh where he's talking about oh there's one who's very clever and indy's like what's his name and they call him balosh and then he just bursts out like ah <laughs> you mean bellock <laughs> it's like a little bit, bit of a jerk here you know english is maybe not his first language Indy, <laughs> uh but now that that is introducing bellock the guy from the beginning is the 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 guy who's helping the nazis here um, and, uh, what else we got here as I lose my place in my handwritten notes here? Uh, uh, oh yeah. So then we get Indian Marion walking through the marketplace and the monkey's still following them. And, uh, Marion's a little bit more taken the monkey now. <laughs> uh, I love this. She says, uh, uh, he he's got your looks and, uh, Indy says her and your brains, <laughs> this is me and Jamie going back and forth. And uh, this love. is, it's, it's, it but like, this is a funny thing. It's like, this is the type of banter you get out of people who are like, oh, they're very familiar with each other. You know, And it's a detail. I don't think I would have noticed until I, you know, had been married for long enough, but if this were like, you like... <laughs> Ben said it, not me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Never had that.
1: But, but, uh, but it's, it's a little interesting thing where it's like, they, they've known each other for what, 10, 15 years at this point. Uh, they're very familiar in their younger age. Uh, but yeah, it's just, this banter back and forth i'm like oh this is like an older couple or whatever uh and um this is where the monkey runs off and uh we have another funny delivery of harrison ford's here where he's trying to give her the dates and she's trying to find the monkey and she's like huh, what is this he goes it's a date you eat (laughs) them this is weird voice crack (laughs) you eat (laughs) balls dropped yeah exactly it's that tunisian heat of course all the cairo all the middle east stuff here was filmed in tunisia because yeah. georgia star Wars there but the people were like this was a way worse experience than star wars like everybody on set was sick and this sequence coming up here is uh one of the ones it's most famous for uh but uh the the monkey goes off and find the nazis and this is where the monkey does the heil hitler sign uh which very much confused me later in the movie as a kid because i was a dumb kid and didn't understand you know it's still just an animal I thought oh this monkey's working for the bad guys and then when it dies later on I'm like why did it do that it should have known this was the plan <laughs> hey monkey we're gonna be poisoning them um the uh uh next action sequence starts up here uh where they're being cornered in the marketplace and uh we basically get Marion and Indy kind of separated here and this is where she fights guy off with a frying pan and it, it this is one of the things that Karen Allen really adds. Where she's got the frying pan and the guy's just sort of laughing at her and she's like, <laughs> right. And then she just sort of runs away, but then ducks behind a corner and she sort of smacks him with the frying pan and he hits the ground. That's probably the little bit of slapstick stick that's left in here. Now, if you can if anybody can find all the deleted scenes from Raiders, you see that this entire sequence here in the the Cairo marketplace originally was a lot more slapsticky. I mean, it, it would have put, you know, die another day to shame with some of the stuff they had in here uh primarily the thing that this is most well known for is as marion's making her escape and then ends up hiding in the baskets uh indy gets cornered by this guy with the sword now hmm. this guy with the sword uh what was I, the story that's always been told about this is that this guy rehearsed for you know weeks to do this massive sword fight they were supposed to have this huge sword fight and then on the day of filming harrison ford particularly was so sick that and, and the temperature was like 120 or something like that fahrenheit and everybody on set was just throwing up, and Harrison Ford's like, "I don't have it in me." Uh, is there a way we could cut the scene? It's like, well, we can't cut the scene. Is there a way we could get out of it? And Harrison Ford says, "If it was me, I would just shoot this guy." Which it's it's an instinct that came about because they were he was apparently sick, but it makes total sense. Like, I I don't think there's anybody who doesn't know that moment and is, doesn't have that reaction. It's like, yeah, he does have a gun. <laughs> this guy basically twirling and started ha 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 ha, and he just pulls out the gun and shoots him. They do have a callback to this in Temple of Doom, uh, which goes a little bit differently. But uh, I'm not going to say I'm poking holes in this story that's been told or this theory that, oh, Harrison Ford was just sick. So he said, let's cut the scene because some of the deleted footage from a lot of the slapstick stuff comes from an actual sword fight where they did start filming the scene. And there's one shot in particular where. The guy is um, basically charging at Indy with a sword. Indy's fighting him off with his whip. So this guy's got a sword. Indy's whipping his sword. They're playing tug-of-war. And there was a part where the guy charges at him with a sword. Indy ducks, and he cuts, like, I don't know if it's supposed to be some type of animal. It's a giant, giant slab of meat that the guy cuts in half, that that an, a butcher had been trying to cut in half, and this sword cuts in half, and all of a sudden the guy's like, yay, you helped me, like it, it, it would not have fit in the movie. But they did film a lot of this that you can see the footage of. So I'm gonna say one of two things happened, either Indy uh, or Indy, uh, either Harrison Ford, they had filmed a lot of this, and he's like, I've got nothing left in me. You know, we can either wrap for the day or we can find a way to just put a shot in here where we can cut the scene or or have a, an easy way out of the scene. Or we can come back tomorrow or whatever when I've finished puking my guts out. Uh, I-, I tend to think it's it's more, okay, we're, we're all sick. This scene's going to take us two more days to film. We've already completed this much. Let's have an option where we just shoot them, And then if we don't end up finishing the scene, we don't end up finishing the scene. But e- either way, the alternate version of this can be seen. And it is a little bit ridiculous. Um, I'm glad that they have this one moment in here. I mean, it, you you had you heard that story uh, about... Uh... I think the, the I had, it's, I mean, it's. Can you tell in the performance though? Cause I can tell
0: that he's like a bit like, Oh, like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Like well, it's, I don't, I mean, whether it's true or not, it's still just such a great scene though. Like, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you talk about the opening sequence of this film. This is probably the equal most iconic scene in any Indiana Jones film. Yeah. It's just so good. I, the, I think we are talking about on an episode recently about how, They created the Harrison Ford swear jar on Rove Live, and I went back and watched the uh, episode, the original interview with it. And he was, um, he was promoting oh some random two thousands movie. He was like on the phone and um, bloody uh, Paul Bettany was the evil guy or something like that, kidnapped his wife or (laughs) something like that. Anyway, and like you just Harrison Ford being Harrison Ford doesn't give a shit about being there half the time. So like Rove's there like asking him questions like oh, so like, you know, um, Han Solo, like you weren't going to come back in the third one or you you wanted the third movie to be completely different. And Harris Ford just kind of sits there with no answer, just goes, I wanted the son of a bitch to die. It's like, all right, okay. <laughs> well, the next question is, uh, Indiana Jones, the famous scene when you were fighting out with the sword guy, is it true that you were really sick or blah, blah, blah? And Harris Moore just goes, I wanted the son of a bitch to die.
1: <laughs> like he just
0: like, he answers like exactly the same way. But um, yeah, I mean, looking at the scene now, he doesn't look well, old Harrison. Yeah,
1: yeah, you could tell, like the way he's like wiping his sweat and everything. But even the other guy, uh, th- the stuntman who had the sword fight, he practiced for weeks. Uh, this guy uh, apparently was so disappointed that they were going to cut the scene, he was just going to get shot, that he gave it like zero effort when he collapsed. And that I can even see once I yeah. hear the story. When Indy shoots him, it's like the laziest fall ever. It's like, Ugh um but uh we we've seen this guy before we've covered one of his movies before do do you recognize him the guy who gets shot and falls over absolutely yes that's roger we have done two we've we've done two of his movies on two separate podcasts so uh on on 007 he played carver's thug oh that's who he is well, it's the other one you're really going to know him from um, because this guy played the Wampa Ice Monster in Empire Strikes Back. So <laughs> oh,
0: you can tell. There he is.
1: That shot of him, like, Roar! and then Luke cuts off the arm is that guy's arm that got cut off.
0: And he also was very disappointed in that scene because he had tried for <laughs> weeks as a Wampa, but they deliberately cut it at the last minute where you didn't see his arm fall off. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was the laziest arm falling off I'd ever seen.
1: Uh, I, I guess the last movie he ever made was Tomorrow Never Dies, but... Uh, oh, is he dead? Uh, well, he, he died, like, long after Tomorrow Never Dies. I guess he just retired, because he only died in 2014, but he must have retired uh, after Tomorrow Never Dies playing Carver's Thug. I, I want to go back and find him. W-
0: what a way to go out. Well, Tomorrow Never Dies? Well, I will one day, so that's my last film.
1: <laughs> like, you do have to wonder, though, uh, the, uh, the the Nepalese scene, they're not filming it in Nepal. Okay, fine, you're just going to get some British stunt guys and you know, put them in bad prosthetics, but... You're here in Cairo, you're actually filming hey. in Tunisia, and you've got prominent roles where John rhys Davies, okay, he was raised in Tanzania, but British man. You've got British stuntman here playing Swordsman, and uh, even another guy who plays um uh the 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 guy with the monkey here in Cairo uh was also a British stuntman. Could they cast anybody from the region? Like I I I think the 80s the answer to that. <laughs> I mean, are any of the people here uh, from Tunisia? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that, that's another thing. We're just trying to get Indiana Jones canceled here. Uh, anyway, so Indy's got the fight scene. He shoots the guy. Uh, Marion's stuck in one of the baskets. The basket's taken. Uh, and Indy's trying to get to her just in time. He, he thinks he gets to her just in time for the truck to blow up. Now, this shocked me as a kid. I'm like, wow, they just killed they killed Marion Ravenwood. Is that who <laughs> or it as was? A kid, as a kid, I was like, they killed Miriam Ravenwood. <laughs> But uh, it's it's done very effectively. Like I could see, you know, even not just a kid, anybody kind of being fooled by this because you don't realize the basket's been switched and it's much later in the movie where she comes back. So Indy's now sulking. He's got the monkey with him. He's sad. Got a monkey um, on his back. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: a winner. Oh, that's not the
1: right one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hang on. He's got hey, a he monkey this. on his back.
0: <laughs> there we go. <laughs>
1: But it was a winner, so it was appropriate. Motivation. Thank you,
0: thank you for uh, that, <laughs> And speaking of shit, Max Dawson.
1: <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, I bet you're gonna have the fart effect there. You could do both. <laughs> I'm not doing that again. That Max jokes. Dawson. <laughs> uh, anytime the name is said, Max Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Finally got to it. Uh, it's that so- wet one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that one. That's. <laughs>
1: Jones this, that was the sound that was the sound of Harrison Ford right after they finished filming with the stunt guy. <laughs> oh!
0: It's just so wet. It starts Steven, off, I, I can't do the sword fight. <laughs> it starts off like so normal, but then it's just got <laughs> these follow sloppiness afterwards. <laughs> it's like you just need a tissue. Hey, you need a roll. <laughs> I hate it when people say Farts are lowest form of <laughs> denominator. it's not funny Farts are hilarious <laughs> Like how is that not funny People are sitting here for like an hour and a half Going oh god the Oz Network, here we go again But as soon as I do this
1: They're laughing Simple uh, Well Casper's finally at the age where he's discovered Toilet humour is funny Um not so much fart. Like he farts like Casper, you farted. He likes to call us on that. When he does it, he'll fart and he'll be like, mommy, you farted. <laughs> like, no, you didn't Casper. Does anybody in the room like, seriously, it wasn't me.
0: <laughs> I always stand by the fact that, you know, you're in love with a person or comfortable around a person when you can openly fart in front of them. That's, that's the sign. <laughs> you know what? That you are. Uh, uh, the- everything's out the table at that point.
1: That, that makes me sad about my parents because I remember my mom saying that, like, up until my dad died, she never farted in front of him. She <laughs> would always leave the room if she had well, to. was she farting
0: uh, in front of people on the court of cars in the Paradise by the Dashboard yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 Oh, and Literally anybody else she was ever with. I, that, that's the way my oh. mom tried to explain it. It's like, oh, your dad was the one because... I would never fart in front of her. She would fart in front of everybody. She would introduce herself to people. Like, the
0: there are some people that who are a little bit too comfortable in life. Who are just like, "Hi, how are you going?" I'm John.
1: Don't mind me. I do work with somebody who's like, doesn't matter if it's a full office or an empty office. You'll just hear them walking down the hall, like burping. Well, burping's different. Like burping's like. That's- i mean you can cover though yeah. i mean i have like the loudest like jamie says that i have the loudest burp she's ever heard I, i'm drinking nothing but water here if i drank a couple of sips of water i could be like rah.
0: i just love the fact that collins is mythical creature the loudest burps unsmelliest feet oh, i can eat spicy food without dying how is it oh, on I'm a like movie on a- you
1: I mean, the, I, if I was in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, I could have done this scene because I could have eaten anything there, and you and wouldn't have gone.
0: Yeah,
1: and my feet would have smelled beautiful. <laughs> but the great. issue with
0: this man is he can't eat
1: gluten. It's gluten that's the problem. Gluten, little gluten. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gotta keep the jokes I, up on the on our our series of shows.
1: I, I'm wondering how much gluten there is in Tunisian cuisine now. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so there we go. Let's check that box. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even fart know sequence <laughs> done. <laughs> Where's that
0: famous Indiana Jones fart
1: sequence? <laughs> there better be a fart in uh, <laughs> Dial yeah, of Destiny. There's not a fart in <laughs> Dial of Destiny. I'm it. There's people who are like, you know, there better not be aliens this time around. There's people who like, oh, we better Gophers. see Mariano. We better have go. We're just saying we better have a fart. That's all we want. You know what? I'll deal with as many fridges and gophers and Tarzan swings as you want. (laughs) Just give me one fart. I just want one. Before Indiana Jones dies, he needs to fart on screen once. That's a man who farts. I I tell
0: you what. Go back and re-edit Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for the nuclear bomb. If that was preceded with a (laughs) and the bomb went off, everyone would love it. They would love the shit out of it. Literally. They really, you was. know
1: what we're going to get to King of the Crystal Skull and there's a scene I'm going to, I'm going to say when we get there, this was a fart uh, <laughs> and it might make sense. Uh, I'm just going to say it now the scene where he's in like the the quicksand or the dry sand pit or whatever, you have bubbles coming up. You have the noise of, I'm going to say, no, Indy's just farting. He's in regular sand and he's farting. He's got a gas attack. It's cool <laughs> and
0: rough and irritating and it's getting he's, everywhere.
1: He's having a fart attack. i got
0: to say, Indiana Jones, massive penis, but he would be a man with smelly farts. Like, I would honestly look oh, at him. Oh,
1: guaranteed,
0: yes. Like, <laughs> it would be, and then you'd go, oh. like Some people can fart and they don't smell, right? And other people can, like, fart like the tiniest little one. And then it's just like, whoa, like Jesus. I've told this story countless times on countless shows, but I'm going to tell it once again because it's hilarious. I remember as a kid, my dad having a friend over to play like cribbage or something like that. And I'm sitting in the kitchen for some reason. He, like My dad's friend let off a fart. No word of a lie, I was gagging. I was nearly (laughs) vomiting. It was probably the worst smell I've ever smelt in my entire life. And it came from a man's anus. Like it was disgusting. I have never, ever (laughs) vomited or nearly vomited from a fart in my life at that moment. Wow. (laughs) Why are we talking about farts? We're talking about one of Colin's favorite movies, and we're on to this other humor.
1: Uh, Everybody was sick in Tunisia. We will have it make sense. Anyways, so uh, Indies and farting. That's why I was in
0: you, bring up Max Dawson. (laughs) (laughs) Asshole,
1: oh, Casper would love this episode. Uh, all right, so yeah, India is called away by some henchmen, and this is where he meets with Belloc. And uh, Harrison Ford's performance here is incredible. Like, this is just a fun, cheap, you know, kids' uh, adventure, treasure hunter film, but like, you get some dramatic moments here. Like, the way that he plays this scene with Belloc, where he thinks Marion's just as died, is fantastic. Uh, even just the the way he wo- doesn't even make eye contact with him. Like I love even the way that Spielberg sort of frames the scene where Belloc's looking at the camera, Indy's looking sideways. And it's just he won't even make eye contact with him. Uh, but I, I love some of the lines here, like where uh, Belloc is basically setting himself up as the villain. This is that development where it. I don't think they quite make as much out of it as they maybe intended. Uh, but Belloc as the equal of Indiana Jones, where why is this guy siding with the Nazis? He doesn't care about the Nazi cause. He's just like, they're going to get me what I want. And he's even referring to you and I are pretty much the same thing. Uh, you know, I I I have always wanted an adversary who is basically on my own level, and that's you. And I'll have Indy's response to him, try the local sewer. He has this analogy where he takes a $10 watch that uh, is worth nothing right now. But he's just like, I bury it for a thousand years, and then it's priceless. Uh, Can you look up what $10 in 1936?
0: Now I just want to point out I do this all the time Well I will But like I also want to point out That that thing he's holding up In this movie Probably to this day There was You know Right now there was a Raid of the Lost Ark auction And it was like Oh yeah Watch that was held up In the scene Like how much would that Have gone for
1: well, we, when we talked to Julian Glover, he was yeah. mentioning like all these little things that sold for thousands of dollars. Like one of the, his little badge is Insignia from Empire Strikes Back and what that sold for.
0: $10 um, but, is worth $218.25 today.
1: there well, it's $200, oh, it's worthless. $218. No, you bury that now. I'm digging it well, up and I'm saying I'm going to make at least 150 selling that in a pawn shop.
0: Can I make this like inflation for like a 1000 years time? So if I made it like oh, 2936, um you, uh, <laughs> you want to predict future inflation, what should we assume the rate of inflation is after 2020? I'm no fucking financialist. It's 3%, <laughs> sure. Um so if $10 in 1936, according if it was a 3% inflation rate, would be $2,125.27 in 2,936.
1: Go. So everybody take your $10 watches, bury them now. It'll be worth a lot in 2,900 and whatever year you just said. That's too
0: much math for me on a Tuesday night at 11 o'clock, Colin.
1: Yeah, it makes me, give me gas. That's what this math is doing. Whoa.
0: Just ate some gluten. Uh, you know.
1: <laughs> uh anyway so the the other thing here belloc is mentioning like that uh you know the 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 arc is basically like a transmitter like a radio signal to god and indy has another great the first time he makes eye contact i love that that's the first time he makes eye contact and he says, you want to talk to god let's go see him right now i'm not busy uh and so everybody pulls a gun on indy and this one all the kids come in it's like uncle indy uncle indy come with us and i just love everybody sort of laughing as these kids save him (laughs) this, <laughs> they were yeah marion's out of the picture i'm my next prospects here he's on tinder yes 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 <laughs> yes yes, yes. <laughs> no yes yes no <laughs> too old too young um so Indy's now at uh, Sala's house. I love that you look in your water bottle. Let's see if there's something there. I, didn't, I, I do that
0: all the time because it's like water's metal and it's heavy, right? So sometimes the I pick water's it up, metal. The water's metal. That's what we drink in Sydney. But like I pick it up and I feel like is there water in it? So I look, I'm like, is there water in there? There is. That <laughs> <laughs> was that noise? <laughs> <laughs> that was what, Anyways. I was drinking water. Oh, 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 oh.
1: Uh, Indy's at Sala's house here and, uh, we get the, the kids, one of Sala's many kids, uh, putting together the short round here, short Sala. He's putting together this plate of dates and he walks out of the room for a second and the the guy with the eye patch poisons it. I think this eye patch guy <laughs> is wife, the other. Your by the way,
0: just messaged me, just letting you know. Um, I just popped up saying the song you didn't know you needed. That's all it says. I don't know what she sent me.
1: Oh, she sent it to me too. Oh, it is Arnold Schwarzenegger doing The Hills Are Alive. Is (laughs) Schwarzenegger's face on Julie Andrews' body.
0: (laughs) Oh, I think I've seen that. I think somebody that's like an AI thing or like one of those chatbot things. Um, Wow. (laughs) I love how I like have to tell Colin that his wife's busy. Colin trying to pick up the phone. What?
1: Well, I'm assuming it's something like, tell Colin I need his help now. Casper ran out of the house. (laughs) (laughs) Tell Colin I'm leaving him. So uh, as the kid is serving this, Indy and Sala are basically meeting with this. Um, uh, I guess this isn't Sala's place, or maybe it 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 is. And they brought this guy here because they did mention earlier on there was a guy who could read the headpiece. Uh, so this is the piece of Marians they had. And uh, he's mentioning how the Nazis actually have one of these. And they're like, well, how did they get this? So uh, as Indy and him are speculating, there's the guy who's reading it and he's saying, oh, to find the length of the staff you need this much length and they're like oh so how did the nazis get this and then he turns it around he goes and then you subtract this much and they realize the nazis have one half of this which is always that moment where tote had uh, burned into his hand uh they've only got half of this so they have the wrong size of the staff and i i love the way the solid just breaks into songs at nowhere i don't even know what was the song he was singing here the other one was like uh british tar this one uh uh I, I can't remember. Uh, he's, he's, he's very, very like operatic. La 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 la. <laughs> da 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 da
0: the theme. Singing
1: the theme song. Yeah. During this whole tease, there's uh, this whole scene. They're teasing Indy with his date in his hand. He keeps trying to take it, and then there's an incredible moment where he's like throwing it up in the air to throw it in his mouth, and Salus snatches it at the last second. And you see the monkey's dead. He's like, Bad dates. Uh, and now this I'll is what gets because as a kid. <laughs> a lot of that. Oh! oh,
0: that's not the bit.
1: There, Whoa, right? What was that?
0: That was um a theme of a show that is not happening. Like, <laughs>
1: that sounded like Noah giving birth.
0: <laughs> I was meant to say bad day I had a few of them, uh, but I played the ASA theme, uh, which
1: yeah. Oh, so that's that's Matt Dyson doing the the Survivor opening. <laughs> got, got shot
0: basically, <laughs> uh, apparently. <laughs> Wow, that was awkward. Noah giving oh, okay. birth.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what
0: would that be like? Noah giving birth.
1: Did we get that AI thing to paint a picture of it? <laughs> Noah <laughs> <girl's> giving birth.
0: <laughs> oh, God. What's that website? I need to see that right now. They all cost money now, <laughs> and they're all not great. Aww.
1: Uh Okay, so, yeah, he almost gets poisoned by the bad date. And this confused me when I was a kid. Uh, because I assumed if this monkey's smart enough to do Heil Hitler and he's smart enough to work with the Nazis, then it would know that one of their henchmen just poisoned it. And I'm like, why did it eat it? I don't understand. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, maybe he didn't poison it and they actually are bad dates. <laughs> Sorry, these ones are spoiled. I forgot. I told my kid to put out the wrong ones. told uh, your kid so, to put out
0: bad dates? Why does that sound familiar?
1: Yeah, <laughs> It became the bad date <laughs> in some cases. Uh, so... Uh, we have them now in the desert. This is the dig site and the digger. Uh, ind- <laughs> the digger site. And Indy is, of course, Harrison Ford, another white man playing in Middle Eastern. Oh, uh, he's <laughs> got his little robe here, and Salah's guiding him around, basically showing him the sites here. And then they're, they're looking for the map room. And uh, I love the overhead shot. Like again, things you had to do for real back mm. in uh, 1981. Where you had hundreds of extras in this massive excavation site, and uh, they're going to the map room, and they're, they're, I love how discreet <laughs> they're just like. You can almost. What are you laughing at?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I managed to find some image generator thing, and this is where I got it. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What Can you send that even... in our group chat with Noah? What even is that? I love that. I'm guessing that's supposed to be the dad behind him. But like they both, they look like the same person. That is
0: terrifying. <laughs> that is literally what? so scary. And why does Noah have boobs? <laughs> <laughs> Do I <He> send? Needs... <laughs> Do I eat the I... baby milk. Do I send it without context?
1: <laughs> I mean, this is something that I think needs context. <laughs> you're not getting context to this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we podcast and don't do video episodes. Uh, keep talking. I'm just gonna say when you're not bored. That's not the right way. When you're <laughs> recording an episode on Indiana Jones and we want to one. it grows. <laughs> giving birth looks like this is what an AI generator says.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a, if you look at the picture, it's like Noah just looked in the mirror and realized how how terrifying he is, and he's looking at himself right. Oh, I'm giving birth, and I'm mean,
0: ah. The one in the background, the dad, as you said, looks like a, looks like the Nepalese, the white man in the Nepalese yeah. makeup. <laughs> Why? Do I do know what's happening in this
1: image. I don't know. If he's sitting cross-legged too. What's this this? Those are little stump legs. like here is like
0: connected to a couch, and then. <laughs> And then that's like going on there. Oh, this is this is great. This is fantastic. This is why we don't get nominated uh, for awards.
1: Um. Uh, so yeah, Indy's going into the map room. I love that they're just sort of discreetly. <laughs> that one is really terrifying.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what is happening here. Like his legs are tied into his dick, and he's. just <laughs>
1: We should Photoshop this into an Indiana Jones poster.
0: <laughs> what do many of these I get for free? Keep talking. I'm going to Indiana Jones, like, <laughs> hang it out with Noah. I don't know. We could have fun with this.
1: Uh, so they go into the map room. I love how he's discreetly, like, do-do-do-do-do, and then drops the staff in there. Indy's on the inside. Uh, Saul has already hauled up the, or he hasn't hauled up, but the Nazis have found him there. So the rope is out. Indy's got the <laughs> staff. He's accurate. reading. <laughs> Um, he's, uh, basically measuring everything out. He, the staff's in there. The light comes through. I love the music cue here from the rap. Like, dun, dun, dun. like, I think this music comes back at the end of the movie when they open the arc too. Uh, and, um, uh, he's finally finished and he breaks the staff. So nobody's going to be able to duplicate this. And now he's calling for Sala. is not there. solace' gone to find a bunch of bed sheets and he's tied them together. And that's the rope. How he gets Indy out of there. Uh, they, they, uh, they, <laughs> what what you laughing you know to me else? I
0: generated an image. Indiana Jones podcasting with Ben and Colin, and it looks like <laughs> two it kind of looks like Harrison Ford hanging out with Pierce Brosnan. if I'm being completely no. honest
1: It's not that And We need that podcast.
0: <laughs> anyway, sorry, okay. I'll, I'll send it in the group later.
1: Uh so uh Indy and uh Solar just sort of walking through the graves the grave site, the dig site, trying to figure out what they're gonna do next. And this is where they walk into a tent and they find Marion tied up. So this is the reveal. She's still alive. And um, Indy's <laughs> basically at first untying her. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, if I untie you, they're going to know we're here. I need to find the Ark first. I know where it is. I'm just going to I'm going to come back for you in a bit, babe. Don't worry. her right back up. She's screaming. We do have the villains sort of discussing here. This is where Belloc and uh, the, the other Nazi guys are saying, oh, uh, maybe we should kill the girl. Uh, we need to get find ways to get more information out of her. And Belok's like, oh, the girl knows nothing. And this is where we get Tote showing up and he reveals that hand where it's been burned in, which is how we know uh, they have it. Um, let's just uh, let, let's cover quickly the Well of Souls stuff here. So sundown comes and Indy and Sala and their team are out digging. I love that one shot they have just as the sun's going down. You see the, the silhouette of him taking off his robe and putting the hat on. And uh, then we have like those very over-the-top, slightly bad effects, but it kind of has an appeal, the, the lightning effects behind them as uh, they're they're finally hit stone and they're about to open up the Well of Souls. Uh, they open up the uh, the hatch, I guess, for the well, and there's that one shot where the lightning strikes and Sala's face is right there, and he sees like the statue. He's like, oh! <laughs> That's very C3 people, like, oh! <laughs> uh, and then as they're looking down there, I love Sala's line here, at Indy. Why does the floor move? And then he's like, wait a minute. They drop the torch down there and they like, say, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Uh, <laughs> Sala here, John Reese davies asps, very dangerous. You go first. <laughs> um, then we have the Belloc and Marion scene that's kind of cut back and forth between Indian and Sala and the Well of Souls here. And um, uh, Belloc obviously is trying to get it on with Marion here. Now there's a lot, this is one of the scenes that like, Karen Allen added a lot to, so I guess we'll just talk about all this stuff first, and we'll get back to the well of soul stuff instead of going back and forth. But uh, in this scene that he was basically going to get her to put on this dress and in the script, she just did it. And there was no scene, no drinking game or anything like that. And not even an escape attempt. It was just, he made her get dressed up. He tried to, you know, get in bed with her and then tote came in with his coat hanger. But uh, Karen Allen objected and she's like, it doesn't make sense. Why would my character put on the dress and Spielberg and Lucas are like, oh, we're, we're men. We don't know about this. you know." <laughs> so they told her, I'll tell you what, you come up with an idea of why she's going to put on this dress. And she's like, well, it's like if he's feeding her and there's a knife, then she's getting into this dress. She's doing what he tells her to so she could put her other clothes on the table. And then she has an escape attempt and like, OK, we like that. And then her and Paul Freeman kind of came up with this idea about doing the bringing a callback to the drinking game here. So this not even in the script. This was just Paul Freeman and Karen Allen just saying, "Hey, what if we did this drinking game thing?" And she thinks that she's 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 doing what we've already seen her do, which is try to fake somebody out with his drinking game. And in the end, he's actually faking her out because I love the way that this plays out is. You see him and he's still kicking and she's almost you can almost hear her like, why is this guy still around? And then he reveals, no, this is my family makes this stuff. I grew up on this. Uh, So then uh, right when you think, OK, this is all over, she's pulls out the knife. He bursts out laughing. Uh, She's about to back out the door. And that's when Tote blocks her. And he's got the coat hanger. Now the coat hanger, this was the 1941 gag, which I tried to find the lead scene. Like I've seen 1941 once. And I actually remember thinking, this is actually a fun movie. You know, I could see why people would have had a problem with it or it wouldn't have been a hit, but it's kind of fun. But there was a scene in that Christopher Lee played a Nazi in that movie. And there was a scene where he was supposed to pull out a coat hanger or he was supposed to pull out a torture device and then turns it into a coat hanger. I was like, oh. And I don't think the scene ever made the movie. But Spielberg basically always wanted that to work. He's like, it didn't work in 1941, so he insisted in bringing it back here. And that's another one of the, the the gags I think people know the most from this movie, this torture device. And even Bell Lock is like, oh, oh and then it just turns into a coat hanger. Um, the Well of Souls, so Indy and Sala are slowly lowering themselves in there. And just as Indy's getting lowered, <laughs> he basically gets dropped and he falls. And then you get Sala, I told you it'd be all right. Which is, John Rhys-Davies is so good with this comedy. Uh, and, um, uh, there's the shot, which you can see, you can see if you're looking closely enough that it's plexiglass. Now the well of souls famously, this scene, uh, was a huge problem. And George Lucas even said the main reason I let Steven Spielberg direct this movie instead of doing it myself is because I didn't want to spend a week filming with a bunch of snakes and figuring out how I was going to make this work. And it was a problem. George Lucas wasn't even on set. He was, he did all the location shooting, but he didn't do the actual studio stuff for a lot of this. And they originally had artificial snakes that were constructed. So, but the problem was they only moved at one time. So there was like the half of the floor covered with artificial snakes and they would only move left or right and they all did it synchronized. So they had a snake wrangler come with like 2000 snakes and they're like, it still didn't even come close to filling the floor. So then they had to get three or four other snake wranglers literally on a day's notice to come in and throw all these snakes in there to fill out the well of souls. Um, The the famous story about this is that Stanley Kubrick was filming The Shining at the same time uh, at the same studios as they were filming the Well of Souls sequence and snakes were getting on the set of The Shining as Jack (laughs) Nicholson is doing and Stanley Kubrick basically goes over to the neighboring set to basically give the director a piece of his mind and then he meets Spielberg there, and Spielberg so in awe that this is Stanley Kubrick. They actually became good friends. And in the end, you know, the final movie Stanley Kubrick was working on AI that he died for Spielberg took over. He basically gave him AI and said, I want you to finish this movie for me. Uh, But uh, Steven Spielberg, Stanley Kubrick friends because snakes were getting on the set of The Shining. And now Uh, we
0: have AI to make generated images of Noah Gross giving birth. (laughs) Thanks, Stanley Kubrick. (laughs)
1: Madonna saving the world from aliens uh, that's more terrifying than no one giving birth oh,
0: I've, got another, I've got a great one for you here Roger Moore playing tennis with Shrek
1: <laughs> that actually happened of course um, it did. it's the last part of the well of soul stuff here is uh, they basically lined all these torches so that they can get to it they find um, the, the Ark, and uh, there is a shot in the background as they're pulling the arc out <laughs> Roger Moore looks more like Shrek than Shrek does.
0: <laughs> it's kind of funny.
1: Shrek looks like Roger Moore, and Roger Moore looks like Shrek in this picture.
0: <laughs> That's so funny.
1: But yeah, as they're pulling the the Ark of the Covenant out here, um, you on oh, one of the hieroglyphs on the wall or whatever is uh C three P and R two D two, which you can't really see it unless you know where to look. You can't see it watching the movie, but if you Google C three P and R two D two Raiders of the Lost Ark, you can see that they inserted that in there. So they're pulling the arc out and then Sala goes out and then, uh, just as Sala's coming out again, the ropes are up and then Indy's Sala, Sala. And then that's when you see Belloc up there. So we'll kind of, uh, we'll wrap it up here before Marion lands into the well.
0: I think that's, um, my life story, isn't it? Wrap it up here before Marion lands in the well, the Ben Waterworth story. No, um...
1: There, so like um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played the right one this time. Susan or Jill or anybody lands in the well. Karen,
0: Karen Allen's story. Karen Allen. Karen. It's such a, it's such like it's such a Karen name, isn't it? Oh, she's
1: such a Karen.
0: Like she really is a Karen. That her name is Karen Allen. Like <laughs> I don't know, Allen. Um, yeah. I mean, it's this. This to me is all the stuff that I remember. Like you know, the chases through the streets and kind of the, the, the monkey and the being in the basket things and then this sort of like the tomb stuff and everything along those lines. Um, I, I do, when, so I'm a bit confused. So when they're going down like the hole and he's been lowered into the, the pit, the well thing with the snakes, mm-hmm. where does Jonathan Reese davies go? Because he's like hanging out with the bad guys. Is he like undercover? Like is or is he like do the bad no. guys think he's working? So I don't understand where why he he's just, able to go off and he, hang out.
1: He goes up first. So uh he climbs out of the well, and then when he gets up there, the Nazis I mean they don't show it, it's kind of like surprise reveal. When he goes up, the Nazis obviously are like uh <laughs> Yeah, but like but, but like <laughs> they, they don't
0: up. but they don't kidnap him. Like they they kind of are just like, Hey, you shouldn't be down there, and then he's just like walking around the camp like do do
1: do do, yeah, I'm John Reese Davies. Yeah. You know, that's, a, that's an interesting point because the next time we see him, he's on his own and he's like, Indy, so glad to see you. Yeah, I, yeah. I do wonder about that. I mean, I think he's just he's a clever guy because one of the other deleted, I, I don't know, it was probably more like an alternate scene is, you know, the scene where uh, there's the one Nazi who's like getting in Harrison Ford's face and he's trying to cover it up like, oh, don't mm-hmm. let him see I'm white. Mm-hmm. Everybody <laughs> in this movie is white playing era, but OK, uh, the, the, there's the scene where John John Reese davies is just like, oh, OK, why don't I get you some more food? There's an alternate version of that which can be found where it's like guys getting in his face and John Reese Davis is ducking out of the way. And then it's it's another like really ridiculous slapstick thing where somebody goes to punch him and he holds up a plate and he shatters the plate. So I, I think he's just supposed to be like a really clever guy who knows how to get out of situations like this. It's,
0: I mean, I kind of said earlier, it's, it's very Roger Moore-ish Bond, isn't it? Like, I mean, this, yeah. I mean was this just the style of movies we had kind of in this period of time? Because, you know, it was sort of accepted that that was bond back. in the day. like, no one ever looks back at the Indiana Jones movies and goes, Oh, they're a bit silly, aren't they? Whereas people look <laughs> back at Roger Moore movies now with the bond era and go, Oh, they're a bit silly. Like I get it. The bond franchise is a little bit different. Like we've had the Daniel Craig era, you know, so of course you're going to look back at the Roger Moore era different. Like if we had gritty, dark Indiana Jones and maybe you'd be looking back at it differently. But I mean, I don't know. Spy, love me. He's, this, this is kind of like, the spy love me, isn't it? Like, it's yeah. it's fun. It's, you, you know, rollicking adventure. You know, girls, b- Indiana Jones and... Girls, treasure, <laughs> Nazis. Karen Allen. Um, All
1: your favourite things.
0: Also, why are the Nazis in Egypt? Like, they haven't, there's no war at the moment. Like, this is, this is why I question, like, 1936. Like, if this was in the middle of World War II when they're, like, going around the world taking over... Like again I don't know my history enough to know but were the Nazis like in Egypt at this point trying to do
1: things I mean, not occupied but like that was the scene with the the army intelligence guys earlier on where he's basically saying Hitler is obsessed with all these artifacts like he's obsessed with the occult he's obsessed with all these religious artifacts and he's trying to collect them all um which I think was a real pokemon. thing like Hitler really he, he yes he was collecting pokemon long before everybody else was but uh yeah, I, I it's it's obviously something where, you know, they're kind of buying their way in there, you know, like, hey, can we come dig here? We'll give you all this money, which is, you know, why you have people like Belloc and even Sala, undercover Sala, who's willing to work for them.
0: I never noticed Little Monkey giving the Hitler salute, by the way. But um, What? How did you not notice, like, one of the most famous parts of the movie? Because I guess to me, that's just normal. Everyone gives a Hitler salute, right? Like, it's just, <laughs> you know, like Zig Heil or whatever it is. Um, all of
1: Ben's cats do that.
0: Hey, they do actually they're well trained um, I, I do I mean dead monkey sure cool Oh, rip monkey <laughs> was it George the Jungle oh see the monkey <laughs> oh, I love that movie can we do that movie again Brendan Fraser <laughs> Academy Award winner George of the Jungle um, are you like swatting flies yeah. and eating them, or? <laughs>
1: no, like I thought there was like a fruit, like fruit fly or something like that, but it's actually just a piece of dust that was falling. But you like caught it. So I'm like,
0: get out of here! You're like grabbing it. And you put your hand to your mouth. I'm like, Jesus, Jamie, really hasn't yeah, fed okay. you, oh. has he? <laughs> oh God, I'm hungry. My, this is what when you yawn and try to catch flies
1: at the same time. You accidentally oh.
0: you said cat. You're like, Rawr. you're like gonna put it in your mouth. um I mean, the thing too, with all of this, is, it goes by very, very quickly, doesn't it? Because it's just kind of, it's very entertaining. So it kind of goes through there. But I do like, I, I always remember that bit when he goes down in the well and you see the snake. And I I don't know if they used to have like those specials back in like the late 90s or early 2000s where it was like movie mistakes. Did you see them? Or like yeah. moviemistakes.com when that was a thing, when the internet, like before YouTube and before they were so readily available where you could talk about movie mistakes, like, you would always have these specials. And that was always one where it's like, if you look at a certain point of this, you can clearly see the plexiglass. It's like, it's like mm-hmm. Dr. No, right. With the spider. Like you can kind of like, if you look carefully, you can clearly see that there's a piece of glass yeah. between short Connery and the tarantula. So it's kind of one of these bits, but um, look, I, I'm not one for like the spider scene earlier on with Alfred Molina it freaked me out. Like I'm anti spiders not the spiders, whereas snakes, like, I'm like, eh, okay, that's fine. Whereas like, I know Noah would be shitting himself at this point. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think I've talked to you about this before. Snakes, spiders, you have a, a preference. I don't really care either way.
1: I, I, I would have no issues with spiders. I mean, if, if it's, you know, uh, uh, an asp, very dangerous, uh, <laughs> those, I'd probably be a little bit more afraid, but I mean, you know, the spiders probably a little bit creepier than it. I mean, all oh. these movies have those things Temple of Doom is the one that, that, Definitely, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm getting a little bit uptight here, like the, the giant bug scene, which Jamie refuses to watch. Like, she she will not even look at the screen.
0: Which I think that's on the Big Bang Theory episode, where he's like, I've watched this 39 times, except for the, the spider scene and or the <laughs> snake scene and the whatever, which I only watched during the day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everything, he's great. But, like, it's, it's, what is his plan with taking this arc? Like, I mean, is he just going to walk? Because, like, if you actually look where they get the correct burial spot, it's next door to where the Nazis are digging anyway. This is not yeah. like this is eight miles down the road. Like, I mean, like, seriously, do they think they're going to get away? Because the Nazis are just like, hey, guys, um, <laughs> what's going on over there? <laughs> Who's that? What's, it's just their neighbors. They're like, guys, there's some white people taking a gold thing out of a out of a <laughs> hut. Is that normal? Like, shouldn't we be doing that? Like, surely the Nazis would have, like... These freaking, you know, the ark with the staff and the little mask thing. Like they didn't do a very good job of, like, oh, like it's it's not here. Fucking next mm-hmm. door. You just keep digging. Pro- like I've been watching enough Survivor recently to know that, like, you just you keep digging. Eventually, you're gonna get there. So yeah. you know, God or whoever buried this. Like who is burying this ark? Have we ever established this? The Egyptians. It was some they, they pharaoh, through, wasn't it?
1: Well, no. They they went through all the history earlier That's on. It right, was did, something yeah. about like the Ark was taken by somebody to Tanis or whatever, and then buried in a chamber.
0: Which, again, like, going back to my point, like, dick people with the idol, like, oh, let's put it on display. Like, this is one thing I don't get about these historical, you know, mythological creatures. Like, why do they bury shit? And it's like, oh, no, because well, people can't find It's treasure. Just, like, if I've got something rich and valuable, I don't want to bury it under the ground, even if it's cursed or not. Like, just fucking sit in your mantelpiece. If it's, Don't
1: touch it. It's fine. Well... This one wasn't actually intentionally buried because that was the other thing in the the scene with the army intelligence guys or, Indy or Marcus. One of them was saying, "Oh, they they basically took this. They they captured the ark. They took it to this city, and then a sandstorm that lasted an entire year basically buried the city." It's supposed to be like this is a curse against I do the, listen. them for taking it. I, I, I do <laughs> yeah. listen, yeah. <laughs> but like, but I mean, like. The-
0: the mummy does it better because the mummy is like flat out and says like, oh, no, don't open like the... Because I was like weirdly obsessed with Egypt for five you minutes. You must
1: not read from the book!
0: Exactly. Like I, w- I was obsessed with Egypt for like five minutes when I was like 12 and I was really into like Tutankhamun and all kind of all those things where it's sort of like, oh, like, you know, everybody who goes into a pyramid gets cursed and they die. Like, oh, freaky. This is cursed.
1: This is cursed. <laughs> <laughs> Let us get on these mummy lines. <laughs> He's a digger. Uh- <laughs>
0: He's like warning Grant, like Grant's like me. He's a "Dear don't read from the book, don't read from the book." Um, I don't know where I was going with my point. I mean, it's entertaining, but like, the uh, I do love like how he burns the snakes right now. Gotta say, he's like coating these snakes with fucking gasoline, gasoline, and he's just standing there. And then next minute, there's just a couple still dead on the ground. Like, shouldn't they be like smoking and see? shouldn't it be like a mm, yummy, you know, barbecued yeah. snake. <laughs> Like it's the '30s; it's just after the Depression, right? It's still in the Great Depression. Like they're hungry. Feed the Egyptians. Racist. <laughs> it indie. is.
1: It is a mistake too. Uh, well, I don't know if this is like a, an actual well-known fact, but it was written in the script that they would use fire and flames to keep the snakes away. But when they were filming, there's actually a, an outtake where Steven Spielberg is playing with one of the snakes, and he's he's joking because he's oh, like, is he ever. You know, "We wrote it. We we wrote it in the script that you'd be afraid of fire." But you see the light like fire, all of you are just coming closer to the fire. It's like, you're ruining my movie. It's very <laughs> like Jackie Chad, like, you ruined all our film. <laughs> so were
0: these, like, I mean, were they all real snakes? Like, because, I mean, I, I don't know no, if uh, snakes can, they, like, go on top of each other like that. I don't know.
1: They they started out with the artificial, I I mentioned that earlier. When you were paying attention to the, they started out with, like, artificial snakes. You said a lot of stuff, move. Colin.
0: You get very excited yeah. on movies you love. You go on and on and on. So, you know.
1: They 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 all kind of moved left and right. So then they brought in a bunch of snake wranglers. So so seventy five percent of these are real snakes. The rest, if you kind of look at the ones that just look very still, those are the artificial ones. But there were still like thousands of snakes on set here. Cool. Um, yeah. The, the game's over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a fight going on behind me. <laughs> so I just thought I'd make sure that all that was uh, going okay. I do, but like your point about Karen Allen, like adding to this scene where she kind of. You know, like, this is where, again, I go back to my point where it's... I don't say I'm confused with the character, but, but like, she's she is a badass. Like, she's... Again, I don't, I don't like playing this card, you know? We kind of just like a character without kind of shoving it down your throat. Or a woman or, you know, a gay person or a black person that's different than what we're used to. But, like, this is ahead of its time. Because you've got kind yeah. of her being a badass and kind of, like, standing up to this man and doing all this sort of stuff and it's never just like oh this is unusual it's a woman even in her like action scenes there's not the freaking um you know fin double take pigeon or something like that like things like that but then they just kind of ruin it because she becomes a damsel in distress but i guess the argument in that though indiana jones is kind of a damsel in distress at the end of yeah. this movie so i was going
1: to say that yeah yeah
0: so i mean i guess i'm kind of like contradicting myself so and the only real like sexual scene in this bit is a bit where old mate, he's, like, staring at her in the mirror when she's, like, taken off a top, which, mm-hmm. I mean, in hindsight, people go, like, oh, that's disgusting, it's pervy. Uh, every Marvel and DC movie these days, they've <laughs> got to have a shirtless lady. like, freaking The Meg, that entire sequence of Jason Statham and the woman just staring at him because he's got his shirt off. I mean, yeah. one tiny scene, and you don't even get to see any nipple. So, you know. <laughs> um, but I, like, I. this is, so you mentioned how I like I got this bit with the drinking because it was kind of like obviously they have that drinking scene in Nepal to kind of allude to this. So it's clever, um, but so is this not meant to be alcoholic?
1: Because no, it is. It, it's just she's assuming oh because I'm so good at this, I, you know I'm gonna beat this guy in the drinking game, and he kind of fakes her out here. Because I don't know whether he suspects she's up to them. Yeah, exactly. Like okay. this is this his family actually makes this?
0: Okay. Um but and the, the coat hanger scene hilarious. Um, <laughs> I just like because I again it's so long since I have watched this. I'm like, well, what's going on here? It is like
1: coat hanger. <laughs> um, but yeah,
0: does it is it? Do, am I making this up? Does Harrison Ford hate snakes as well,
1: or is no? It- Harrison Ford actually, um, it, uh, pretty much all the making ofs. will talk about the snake scene, and he says that. When he was a teenager, he actually kind of raised his own snake. So he was dumb, 100% so. fine with it. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> because that's like, uh, yeah, it's a thing in every movie right? the snakes are not the snake. Doesn't, does not Sean Connery hit snakes in the third one as well?
1: Uh, no, his is rats, rats, which are in the the third movie. But it, but that was something like that was important. They wanted to add a fear. They wanted him to be a relatable character. And we're going to get to more of it like in the next sequence, CEO, about how much they didn't want him to be your superhero. Yeah, and not just things like, oh, he actually gets hurt, but the fear of snakes was intentional because like we want him to be relatable.
0: Yeah. Which James Bond hates spiders. Indiana Jones hates snakes. So Jack Bauer
1: hates helicopters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Noah hates everyone because he's a racist. <laughs> That's I'm, it. I'm All good. Right. yeah, <laughs>
1: There we go. Uh, there was you know, a lot I, covered cover actually...
0: there. I probably missed over a bunch of it, but um,
1: sure. Well, it's it's, it's interesting because I don't have that much left in my notes because from this point on, it kind of just becomes nonstop action sequence. So we'll see whether we even cover the rest We're of the movie We're like just halfway
0: through the movie, though, aren't we? It's kind of like about now it's just ticked over the halfway yeah. point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, after Sala gets out of there, and of course, Ben thinks he's a traitor. (laughs) He sold him out to the Nazis. But uh, when Indy's like, Sala, Sala, and all of a sudden, he looks up and he sees Belloc there and all the Nazis. And uh, I I love Paul Freeman here with, Indiana Jones, what on earth are you doing? It's such an awful place. (laughs) And then he says, uh, Indy's like, "Uh, why don't you come down here and I'll show you. This says, uh he's gonna basically trap him down there. It's like, uh, maybe in a thousand years you'll even be worth something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do they, they say, like, mm-hmm. no, I
0: think we'll stay up here? No, I think we're good up here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I love that when he reveals Marion there and you know, Marion uh is basically dangling from that thing and she falls, and you get that thing with the the snake right in her face too, and her her just attacking Indy too. Um I, this second part of the the sequence, this is like this is where I think you're, you're a little bit more creeped out by the snakes. Like they're playing up more than just snakes here. This is where snakes are like all over And And Karen Allen basically complained, not like, Oh, oh, I'm a woman. So (laughs) she's not being a Karen. Yeah. (laughs) But she was basically saying like Harrison Ford had like pants on and a jacket and everything. And I had to film this in high heels and a dress and the snakes are literally wrapping themselves around my legs and everything. Uh, but, uh, th- there's uh, one sequence here. I think it was when Karen Allen falls and there's one of the snakes that like gets right in your face. So th- this snake, this was a real venomous snake that they had like behind the plexiglass and everything. And at one point it just got so aggressive. It just spat venom. And you just had like this, this splatter of venom all over the plexiglass. And then they started to get even more nervous and they're like, Oh, are we're going to be able to finish the sequence. We need somebody to take this snake out of here. But I mean, majority of the snakes here are not uh, are not actually poisonous, and probably mostly. In fact, uh, I think what they actually use were or they're called glass snakes, which I have to look up. Which is actually a type of lizard that doesn't have legs; it just <laughs> looks exactly like a snake. So, oh, maybe... whitewashing the snakes now can't even cast Yikes. a real snake. <laughs> this is this is the Nepalese all over yeah, again. Yeah, <laughs> racist.
0: Where's the outcry and cancellation of this then? Come on. <laughs>
1: Oh, I can't wait till we get to the next movie and all the other reasons we're going to be able a to a disabled that.
0: lizard, like
1: a man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor disabled lizard. Oh, come on. They're they're progressive. They're actually giving roles to the, the disabled here. <laughs> they're not just having some guy like yeah, but Gary don't... Sinise with blue screen socks to make him look like these legless. Don't get a
0: guy in a wheelchair and just be like, you, walk, have some fake legs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That would be great if one day a movie did that. <laughs> yeah. have some well, poor disabled guy having to artificially walk. I'm offended as an able-bodied person. I like oh, I could have that role. There's
0: not enough roles for you able-bodied could people. Snake. I am a snake. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- this sequence where the, the snakes are getting closer and the torches are going out. and uh, I-, I love you, Marion, saying, oh, what are we going to do? And Indy's like, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, it's one of the few times we actually see stress in Indy. Uh, he basically climbs up this giant statue that's in there, breaks through a wall, and then uh, as Marion comes after him, uh, he, she gets trapped in this room with all the the dead corpses or whatever, which Karen Allen said that she was more freaked out by that sequence than she was by the, the scene with the snakes. And apparently it ran a lot longer, too. Like, she was in this room. It was like a labyrinth of dead corpses. And there's the one shot which is like, it is a truly disgusting shot, as you see the giant snake s- basically slithering out of the mouth of a corpse. I'm like, oh, that's effective. <laughs> that even gives me the creeps.
0: Fun fact: that's uh, actually Ben Powell. That's uh, the that, That's the Survivor Oz Hall of ben Shame. Ben
1: Powell coming out of the mouth of Heather.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I just bit the corpse, but yeah, that makes more sense. Okay, uh, <laughs> that's where all the Ozlets go to die. That's just uh, that's the Ozlet Hall of Shame. <laughs> uh,
1: so after they come out of here, now this is one thing that I always kind of had a bit of a problem with. So this well of souls completely trapped. It's like a small wall that he breaks through. I mean, it can't be that thick and we know that there are gaps in this wall because, (laughs) but, but we know there's gaps in this wall because when Indy gets the idea to crash through it, he sees a snake climbing through a hole in the the wall. And just on the other side of this, they get out because the bricks are removable (laughs) on the outside that they have excavated. And, one of them's already completely out, and he just pulls a few bricks out of the way, and he's out. Now, if you look, there's a guard right outside where they exit this thing that's asleep or drunk or something. I mean, he, he lost the drinking game, Marian. Jamming. So they, they they had a guard stationed at this one little exit thing here, which, if there's removable bricks, why aren't they just going in there? Oh, what's this place? Like, they're they're not just looking for the Ark of the Covenant. They're excavating this entire city mm. and they have a guard station on this but nobody has bothered to remove the brick go in there and say oh there's some stakes oh what's that holder going through there yeah maybe that's where the ark of the covenant is but i do love the sleeping guard here. Oh, i can see it
0: there yeah okay i never noticed yeah. that before
1: uh so this is where um they i i think he yeah he doesn't meet up with um sala yet but this is where they they find the plane in Indies. I think Indy just theorizes this because this is one of the other theories I had about, you know, oh, what would have changed is that their plan was to load the Ark on a plane. We never have confirmation if that's the case or not, but I'm still going to say that's a possibility. They're going to load the Ark on a plane here because they have this plane running. It is ready to go. They got all this crew getting ready to take off. Where else would they be going? You know, uh, what other purpose would they have to be getting this plane ready to leave? Later on, when he finds Sala, Salah says they're loading the Ark onto a truck, which I kind of ch- always chalked up to, well, the plane's destroyed, so they need another way to get out of here. So if Indy's not there and they get this thing out on a plane, things change. They probably, maybe they do take this Hitler. We, we don't know 100% for sure, but it's at least a possibility. Uh, but uh, this is where we get the plane sequence. So this was uh, another one, like the longest, most difficult sequences. Again, they're filming in Tunisia. Everybody's overheated. Everybody's sick. Um, the two parts of this is that when Indy's trying to get the plane, uh, you have the big guy, <laughs> the big shirtless guy who comes to fight with him, who is video game one villain. of the, the video game villain, who's one of the Nepalese guys. By the way, we will see him in the next film, uh, <laughs> brown-skinned into being an Indian henchman. So this guy is obviously a favorite of Spielberg and Lucas. That's Carver's and they love henchman. <laughs> Carver's henchman, yeah. Is, is, this,
0: is this the same guy that the <laughs> Nepalese okay. guy
1: This is a different well, guy. Well, yeah, no, the... This is this is the guy who also played one of the Nepalese henchmen. Uh, the the other guy, the guy that was Carver's you know henchman slash the Wampa ice creature. Uh, was a different stunt. Oh. He was the sword guy. So oh.
0: it's so hard
1: to, you know, I can't tell these white guys playing apart. Yeah, <laughs> they all apart. look alike. White <laughs> they people, all look all The
0: same. Which <laughs> this is Dave Batista's dad, isn't it? Like, I mean, he's a bit it Dave looks Batiste-y. like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dave Batista. Did you call him? <laughs> Dave Batisti, That's we're 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 old friends. That's what I call him.
1: Batista. G'day, Batista. Um, how you doing, old
0: buddy, old pal. <laughs>
1: But this guy, Pat Roach, he'll appear in the next movie, Brown Skinned, which is another thing, pretty offensive, probably cancel that. Uh, But uh, the second part of this is that Marion gets trapped in the airplane and the pilot who's in the airplane is Frank Marshall, the producer on this movie, also producer on lots of other Spielberg movies, uh, including Jurassic, the Jurassic Park series. So the story was that the day they were filming this, all of the stuntmen were sick Uh, which and Frank Marshall was like, well, hey, you need somebody to sit in the cockpit and get knocked out or get shot or whatever and get locked in there with Marion. I'll do it. And then when he did it and he realized they were spending three days filming this sequence and he's three days locked in a canopy Hmm. in Tunisian heat. He realized these stuntmen weren't sick. They didn't want to do this sequence. Miraculously, every single stuntman is like, oh, you know, I'm feeling sick. I can't I can't. Sorry, I can't do a plane scene. The other guy, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming down with something too. And Franklin like, says, I'll do it. And then he gets inside and he's like, it is hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so there's his one cameo in this movie. Uh, the, the, this sequence is great. And this is actually the scene that uh, we, I think we even mentioned it when we c- covered Return of the Jedi, that George Lucas really wanted like the the jab of the Hutt uh, mm. sail bard scene with the, the, the Sarlacc pit to be like this. He wanted like two or three things going on at once. I can say And it. everybody's in jeopardy. Uh, but uh, he, even George Lucas says, I never pulled it off as well in Return of the Jedi as you know Spielberg did it here. Uh, and, and it's such a good scene. I mean, uh, this is an, that other moment where you really see Indy as just a regular guy. Like you said, kind of like the the cool nerd. Uh, because when he's in the fight with the, the henchman or whatever, I love the way it starts where he's sort of getting ready to punch him. Mm. And then he looks down like, what's that? And the guy looks down. So he gives him a cheap <laughs> shot, which does nothing. The guy gives him a, a tiny little punch. And, and he just sort of slowly falls. Whoa. Boom. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Marion locked in the cockpit and having to shoot it open the the gasoline trail following it, the big plane explosion uh, is fantastic. Now, have you ever heard about the, it's called Raiders of the Lost Ark, the adaptation. It was a bunch of kids that did a shot for shot remake of this in the eighties.
0: No, is it you and your so, brother? Uh, like the Batman film. I films? wish <laughs>
1: I mean <laughs> I wish. But uh th- there was a documentary made about this cuz this is something that, that kind of made it onto like uh you know convention circuit and everything during like the 90s and it's become such like a uh, you know uh, a famous thing. These kids after Rated Lark Lost Art came out, they were like 12 or 13 at the time. They were obsessed with the movie and they decided they wanted to make a shot for shot remake of it. Now they didn't even have VHS at this point, so they would go to the theater and they would watch the movie, and they'd take notes on, oh, there's this shot, then this shot, and then this. They'd have the novelizations, comic books. They would get every magazine that existed, so they could have still images. And they somehow managed to make the entire movie Raiders of the Lost Ark over the course of like four or five years, huh. every single vacation, every single weekend. And uh, I've never been able to see it, but like I think if you, there's, there's like a charge, if you pay like fifteen bucks, you could see. It. And I, I DVD, really want, I, yeah, like I've really wanted to see this for the longest time. But uh, the one sequence they couldn't do is the plane sequence because they're like, well, where are we going to get a plane? So this everything complete without the plane sequence, you know, had been bootlegged and everything and shown and had all this fame. They made a Netflix documentary about it years ago that I saw uh, where the Netflix documentary was basically these guys now in their 30s saying we want to finish this. And they did like a Kickstarter campaign to raise the money to do the plane sequence. And then they come back in their 30s so that they could do this plane sequence, which. I, I really want to find it because I mean, this is the type of stuff that you, you know you and I would do. I mean, it, it's definitely got to be better than Kill Phil. <laughs> well,
0: most bow movements are better than Kill Phil. But what wasn't there? A, <laughs> didn't they do that with A New Hope? Didn't they do like some fan, like they got fans to I, submit like every scene and they put it all together piece like a recent thing? Didn't they do that
1: as well? Yeah, I, I know that there was a um, there was a movie that came out. I think it was called like 1977 or something like that. Which was about people doing a recreation of this. I'm but yeah, I don't know sure. if that actually exists. Yeah,
0: I, I swear there was one recently where basically it was like a global fan initiative where essentially it was like everybody out there like we're going to make a new hope and it's just going to be completely created with fan clips of every scene. So like, hey, hmm. you can film, you know, the the trash compactor scene. Uh, and then, oh, yeah. you know, we'll do the, the trench run, you know, like, and and I think they kind of compiled it and put it all together. So I don't know if that ever happened, but I'm pretty sure they were trying to do that.
1: Yeah. I, I, I want to watch this. Um, well, I think maybe we should do that with I've Kill seen Phil. Some clips. S- send us
0: in your fan <laughs> fan clips of Kill Phil.
1: Do a shot for shot remake Probably of Kill Phil. Probably make it
0: better. <laughs> Complete with blowpers, please. blopers, please. <laughs> blopers. And Quentin Tarriottino. <laughs> yeah.
1: Shut up! Uh, I was have people young. heard that yet? We don't, we don't even know if people have heard that yet. Um, well, but anyways. No, we haven't
0: recorded the second one yet, so we are out next week. Um, Spoil uh, spoiler alert for the surprise episode just dropping. <laughs> Meant to drop this week, but blame our guest.
1: But uh, this is uh, this is beyond impressive. Like, I, there's a couple of minutes that you can even view on YouTube, and even in the documentary, they show quite a few of these. And like, they really got it. Like, I, I don't know how they managed to do this without the ability to have at least for the first couple of years, without the ability to have a VCR to pause and say, okay, this is what we need to do here. They managed to pull off this you know, just on their own free time, which is incredible. Uh, so this is where after the the plane blows up, the the scene with Sala where he's like, oh, so good to see you alive, my friends. And this is where Ben wants him to be like, how did they know I was in there? <laughs> Why aren't you in cuffs right now, Sala? Uh, but uh, this is where he says, oh, they're loading on a truck for Kyron. And he's like, what truck? Uh, so I, I still kind of theorize that it was probably meant for the plane and they moved it to the truck. But, you know, that's still up in the air uh, when they're kind of overlooking everything here. This is where we get that other famous line, which uh, there's dispute on whether this is improv or not, where, you know, uh, what are you going to do or how are you going to do this? And, and he says, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. Uh, Harrison Ford has always said that was an improvised line. Lawrence Kasdan has always said that, no, that was in the script. Nobody really knows for sure. I'm sure that somebody could easily Harrison's dig telling up the-, the truth. He doesn't lie. It's definitely Harrison Ford making this up, yeah, because he was making it up as he—he he was literally making it up as he was going. do not even
0: remember was in this movie.
1: <laughs> well, this is the one he remembers. This is the other? One. Oh, was that the one with the the bugs, the rats? I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, the truck sequence. So to me, this is one of the greatest action sequences of all time. I mean, if you pick the greatest James Bond action sequences, or Terminator, or any of these other like big, massive movies, you know, Die Hard, John Wick. I think this truck chase holds up against all of them. Uh, we got like real stunts for all this, you know, and Harrison Ford doing a, a good chunk of this. I mean, obviously some of the more dangerous ones he wasn't going to do. when the, the truck's going at the highest speed. He's being dragged behind uh, on his whip. There are some behind the scenes shots of him doing it where they're like starting off with him. Uh, but I mean, everything going on here is great. I mean, but I'm sure you also picked up on the highlight of this. Uh, the, the one time where the, the, the guy goes across the windshield and his face is just like, duh, <laughs> the one henchman. Did you see that?
0: <laughs> I didn't see
1: that. We, oh, I mean... you got to look for it. <laughs> the duh guy. Is, <laughs> is this like
0: before, like when he's out of the truck or?
1: I, I, I don't know. I think it, uh, it's at the beginning of the truck. Oh, no, no, sorry. I'm thinking of Temple of Doom. I think that might be Temple of Doom. All oh, right. I can't remember. No, well, no, no. I think it is this movie. Uh, do I, let's see. Did I make a note of it here?
0: I don't know. Uh, I'm uh, flicking through it right now. Yeah, like... No,
1: no, no, it is. I, I have it in my the truck chase here. There's a scene scene where, uh, I don't know whether they're running into people, and there's a guy who's right across the windshield, like, ooh, find it, and then screenshot it. (laughs) It's great. Uh, But uh, this entire action sequence is just fantastic. You got Indy. My favorite part has always been when he goes through the the front windshield, Mm -hmm. and he's hanging on the grill of the truck, and then going underneath, that's where you get the whip part. Uh, The uh, scene where he gets shot on the inside of the truck, again, like Indy. not an untouchable uh, hero or anything. Uh, And um, the, why did I have a, a, something about tosses a melon and a dog yelps. (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah. This is right at the end of it. So the end of (laughs) something I've never, as many times I've seen this movie, I've never caught this when they uh, get to the, I guess, hiding spot. So after Indy's taken the truck, they drive it into the, that fake market front where it parks, then everybody floods in there, and there's the Nazis come yeah. up. Everybody's like, hey, buy my fruit, buy my fruit. One of the Nazis, I don't remember which one, picks up a melon and he just throws it on the ground. But if you listen, when he's like, Ugh! and he throws the melon on the ground, you hear a dog go, <laughs> <laughs> he nailed a dog with the melon. <laughs> How many decades of watching this movie? And I've never caught that. It's great um I'll, I'll i'll leave it here if you just want to comment on the action sequences and then we'll kind of get to the the rest of it uh the rest of the story after this i
0: love the i love the plane bit and like that's an ugly fucking plane can i just say i, I like planes but that is a weird plane the nazis had weird planes but i i yeah i love kind of just like the weakness of indian and then just like what's that down there doink um <laughs> but i love i love this guy getting like freaking chopped up by a propeller Unlike there's just a little bit of blood. Like, I mean, what was this PG 13 or something like that? Like, come on, where's this, where's the sore version? Where's the NC 17 version of his like guts going everywhere. And it's actually a pretty small explosion for this plane as well. Like, I swear, like James Bond blows cars oh. up more when they just fall off the cliff in Dr. No, I don't know. Where Half to the gasoline
1: funeral. had leaked out of it at this point, but
0: well, there's more gas. It should blow up like cars <laughs> with no gas in it blow up. Like this is a movie. Come on. Um, but yeah, the action scene is fantastic. I, I love, I, I'm trying to find this der person, but I can't seem to find it.
1: I'm looking for it
0: too. But um, if you find it, give me a timestamp. But I love the bit, like, yeah, when he, when he falls out of the truck in the front, and this guy driving the truck, is he's Paul Hogan? I was like, is that Paul Hogan? Is
1: I that- was, yeah, even as a kid, like I had never seen the Crocodile Dundee movies as a kid, but like everybody knew of them, right? Yeah. And even as a kid, I'm like, is that Crocodile Dundee?
0: <laughs> there he is. Paul Hogan was in Indiana Jones, but you didn't know that. <laughs> His first movie role. Um, but I love it, yeah, how kind of like he goes out the front and then like the, the most, the bit that I cringe the most in this movie is when he's going under the truck. I'm like, oh God, he's going to get like run over. Um, and then I love how he just like climbs back through the truck and then basically does exactly the same thing to this guy, except he goes right under the freaking thing. And I, I swear I've seen like maybe it was like uh, again one of these things they used to have in the late 90s, early 2000s where it was just like, oh, the greatest stunts of all time, like they really did this. And like I swear I've seen like a making of of the stuntman climbing under the truck and like them having like a, a pulley system or like some sort of plank where they could like literally as he's climbing under it. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's very living, uh, not living down. It's license to kill, isn't it, Colin? Mm-hmm. Um, I did
1: find it, uh, by the way. I, I, I've got this he's not on He's listening Disney to Plus. me. I
0: mentioned it's license to... to kill. So he's like, he's. Completely oh, I no, not I, I, to I me.
1: intentionally <laughs> blocked it out. Uh, it's around 124. So there's the part where the truck drives underneath. I don't know if it's like a construction crew and uh, it knocks a bunch of people over and that's where the guy hits the windshield with the expression.
0: All right, so 124 exactly or yeah. around there?
1: Uh, oh, I mean, it's, I, I'm looking at this 124.18 is where Disney Plus has it.
0: Okay, I'm looking. Which I want
1: to complain. Disney Plus, maybe this is just Canadian thing. No. They've promoted <laughs> <Okay>. like, you <laughs> see <laughs> it? <laughs> so, I mean, like. It's almost like he
0: climbs on the window that like, goes, who? <laughs> and <then he's> like... <laughs>
1: But yeah, Disney Plus, you know, added all uh, the. They are supposed to add uh, Young Indiana Jones as well, which I mean, I have, I, I literally have my stack of all the Young Indiana Jones DVDs right here, and yet I'm so disappointed that at least in Canada they didn't seem to add the Young Indiana Jones today. But why, uh,
0: why is it on Disney Plus? Why is it on Paramount Plus?
1: uh they they license it. So I mean, that's the whole deal. Even with the original Star Wars trilogy, is that. Disney owns Lucasfilm and Lucasfilm owns the rights to this but because of distribution rights Paramount had it now I don't know whether with Indy and uh Disney they just decided we're going to pay Paramount for it but if, if I were Paramount I wouldn't give that up because even last year when I had Paramount Plus for a couple months they had the Raiders uh movies on there so it must be something where Disney just said listen we got the new movie coming out we're gonna pay you I don't know, $6 million to have rights to this for a year.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, look, the only streaming service I have is Paramount Plus because I get it free through work. Um, so, but I I mean, I watched this on the versions that I may or may not have had on my computer. Um, so <laughs> that were, of course, legally obtained through ripping it from a DVD. Um, but yeah, I mean, great, great chase sequence. It's great. It's, but they is this, am I mistaken They don't use the theme here? This feels like a very... Missed opportunity was, where they should no. be using the, like when he's going, like it's kind of like in a James Bond movie, how there are moments where like James Bond theme. like yeah. say what you will about license kill chase. There is that moment where they use the theme and it makes it cooler. Like to me, when he's under the truck and maybe they do, maybe I didn't pay attention to it, but when he's climbing under the truck, that's where we should hear a da 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 da. da. And he saves himself with the rope, like, under, like underneath. That's um, a, that's a theme moment. That's a,
1: Yeah. I'm trying to run through it in my head because I mean, I used to listen to all of these soundtracks like on repeat over and over again. And this truck chase sequence was like my favorite piece of music on it. But I I, I swear there is at least one moment, maybe closer to the end where it goes to just really briefly.
0: Is it the second? It's the third one with the train, right? Is yeah, climbing on the train. that's the
1: opening sequence of the train so, uh, in the third one. That
0: was uh, the video game. I remember, like, oh, I think it was Sega mm-hmm. Master System as a kid. Um, like, I used to play that when it was so hard. Um, yeah. But I loved it. Um, and I think I used to play the Raiders of the Lost Ark video games. but They were always really hard. Like, I know we talked a lot about that back in the Jurassic Park episode. Like, sort of the, the shitty, you know, 2-bit, um, 16-bit, whatever they were, mm-hmm. video games back in the day. But, like... People, kids these days who look at like the video games we played and we're like, oh, that would be so easy. Oh. Fucking play them, mate. Like they are it's hard. It's true.
1: Uh, we got um, we we originally got it because Golden was added to like the Nintendo subscription Nintendo online subscription thing. Uh, but now Jamie actually got me a physical copy of Golden on N sixty four. So I mean, I'm playing other games on this, and you basically choose Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Game Boy, and I swear, every time I try to play this, it's like five minutes into a game. I'm like, uh I'm not doing very good. I'm going to choose a different game. I'm going to choose a different yeah. game. But like, even the Indiana Jones games, like I have, I still, I still own. Let me see. There was Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine, Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, Indiana Jones: The Staff of Kings. So the ones that were made, I'd say, post 2000, when you had like the 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 newer consoles, like the Playstations, the N64s. Those games I have no issues with. (laughs) Lego, the Lego games are easy, but yeah, you go back to the original like side-scrolling games, they're impossible. Because there's a Lego Indiana Jones, isn't there? They did that, didn't they? There's two of them.
0: Yeah. I've got, I actually, which I've not played yet. I've had it for about six months and not played it yet. I've got the Skywalker Saga, the the one that they did of all nine episodes. Oh, nice Lego one. I haven't played it yet, but um. Yeah, that's the thing, like, going on a tangent on video games, but, I mean, video games are easy now, let's be honest, mm-hmm. because they kind of spoon-feed you to get you through them. Like, I haven't gotten Jedi Fallen Order 2 or whatever it is yet, but, I mean, I remember the first one was great, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't exactly hard, <laughs> like, yeah. um, so I think kind of that's the thing with, like, these old-school videos. I'm time of recording this, I'm going back to, back to Tassie for a week in a, about two weeks, and I'm going to see if I can remember to bring my little emulator thing, which has like all the old school video games on it. So I'm sure that's got Indiana Jones and all that on it as well. So uh, maybe I'll have to take a trip down memory lane to play it. But um, tangent aside, great sequence.
1: And Paul Hogan's in it, which makes it better. I mean,
0: what a man he was finished building the Sydney Harbor bridge and he, he's gone on to be an Indiana Jones. We talked about that, didn't we? He helped build the Sydney Harbor bridge.
1: Yeah. I think, I think he did mention that. Um, but, uh, yeah, th- th- this this next scene is one that always confused me. So this is where they're getting onto the, the boat that's going to shuttle them. Yeah, i the be confused about this, too, actually. The, the captain, right?
0: No, just this whole sequence of like, huh? Like, how do they do the switcheroo? Or am I just dumb?
1: Oh, that no, see, I, my, my confusion is, I, I don't know. We'll get to your confusion in a minute. But my confusion was uh, the captain of this boat. The way that he's introduced, it's like you're supposed to be suspicious of him. Like, it's filmed where you see him, and it's Indy and Sala and Marion have a conversation in the background. And then when Sala calls him over, he has this look like, he. Hey, hey. And then when he gets there, Indy's being introduced to him, and he's very pleasant. It's like, oh, my cabin is your cabin. You know, you are my guest. And Indy's not even saying a word to him. He's, like, slowly shaking his hand, like, I don't know about this guy. Uh, it's almost like you're supposed to, I don't know, suspect that this guy is going to be a villain, but... Maybe that was the case, but then later on when we get to the scene with him in the Nazis, I- I'm like, okay, there would have been an easy way to make this where the audience is suspicious of him, but then you have the reveal later on. It-, it could be that I'm just reading too much into this, thinking that this guy's supposed to be you know, at least a-, a tool to fool the audience as it being suspicious, or maybe it was never the case, I don't know. Uh, but this is where Marion uh, almost has sex with Sala.
0: <laughs> well, who doesn't?
1: I mean, he's a married man too, you know. And she oh. not only not only is he a married man, but she knows it here because she's like, "This is for your children, this is for your wife, and this is for you." And then <laughs> does
0: it stop some people? I mean, you we, know.
1: we know that, <laughs> but uh, he he definitely gets an erection here because um, <laughs> he perks up and he starts singing opera again. Or <laughs> British daughter da, da. again, John I mean, Davies. Just that's just he's not acting. oh i just i really want this guy to make an album like seriously what a singer why do we not have him singing in other movies let's have him singing in sliders with jerry (laughs) o'connell jerry o'connell had one brief singing scene in jerry Maguire, so you could these guys could have done a musical together uh,
0: (laughs) he could have been like oh (laughs) Oh,
1: (laughs) well i want the next movie which i don't know if you remember the next movie it opens with uh, a musical number of like anything goes. I wanted it to open with Sala, where it's like anything go. I really do not remember
0: that about the next movie.
1: <laughs> oh, you're gonna have fun. Is this short uh, round? <laughs> uh, no, no, that would have made it even better than John Reese Davies. Uh, <laughs> Ca- anything go. <goes. laughs> Academy award winning short round. Oh, <laughs> uh, when Jamie and I were, I've, I've already mentioned this to Ben, but like we've watched Temple of Doom already. And uh, I don't know how many times, every single time he's on screen, I'm just like, Academy Award winner. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Harrison Ford has only been nominated once in his career. When did he get nominated for? I said, Uh Witness, which would have been, what, like the 80s. I don't even remember if I've ever seen that movie. But that was like, the movie was like an undercover cop in an Amish colony. Mm. Uh, but that was his only nomination. And it's funny because when, when we were watching it, I was saying, Academy Award winner, Kihi Kwan. And I'm like, Harrison Ford's number one. How? She's like, how is Harrison Ford number one? And then I started to think, I'm like, he was nominated for Witness. I'm like, what else could you say he could have been nominated what? for? Like Six Days, Seven Nights?
0: Hollywood Homicide? Well, I was about to ask, why not The Fugitive? I mean, Tommy Lee Jones won an Oscar for The Fugitive. Seriously, yeah. why wasn't he nominated for The Fugitive? Because that always baffles an me. An argument could have been made, yeah. That he didn't and that
1: mo- The Fugitive got nominated for Best Picture that year, too. Great movie. Why have we ever done The Fugitive? Oh, amazing.
0: Yeah, I used to watch I just watched it death. last
1: year. I love uh, it, and you know what? It's the 30th anniversary this year. We really missed out. But damn. Uh, well,
0: we actually but, technically we haven't done anniversary month yet, have we? So uh,
1: <laughs> oh, there's still there's still they're telling me there's a chance. Uh, but uh, now we get another one of the most famous scenes in the movie, the the love scene of the movie, <laughs> the only love scene of the movie. If you think about it, uh, I think home. Sala, Sala has gotten about as much action as Indiana Jones up until this point. Uh, but this is uh, where Indy's coming in, and you know he's. Exhausted and and sore, and he's lying down in bed. And everything that Marion's doing when she's trying to help him, he's like, ow, ow, ow. Uh, Waxing with a mirror? he's masturbating in a mirror. What (laughs) wax him with a mirror, Oh, wax him. Okay. (laughs) Masturbating into the mirror. I don't know what
0: you were doing five minutes before this episode. I I wasn't doing masturbating into a mirror. What are you talking about?
1: Definitely wasn't me. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Oh, Ben got really angry.
0: Sorry. Queensland scored another try. So they're going to win. So I'm not, I'm not meant to be going for them because I'm, I don't live in that state anymore, but I'm going to win. I was
1: wondering if you just forgot to turn off your TV. You're watching the reflection. That's actually quite smart.
0: State of origin. So this is like a big deal. Uh, it's like, uh, I mean, the entire country gets behind only two states. This would be like if all of Canada were like, yeah, Ontario versus Quebec, I'm going to choose one of them, even though I've got no bearing on either state. Yeah. I live in New South Wales, but I'm going for Queensland. So go for me wearing a Queensland jersey to work tomorrow. I'm probably getting abused. But anyway. Abused? <laughs> it's very uh, very tribal, Colin. So I'll probably get stabbed at work. Tomorrow. Get out of the Thank office!
1: Do something in front of a mirror to you. That sounds like... Uh, but uh, yeah, she does whack him with the mirror here, uh, and you, you get that that way they cut to outside the boat, or ah! she's like, did you say something? Uh, but I, I love here where she's trying to help him, and she's like, where doesn't it hurt? And he's like, here, and he's pointing to his elbow, so she gives it a kiss. He's like, here, points somewhere else, gives it a kiss. Then he starts getting closer and closer to his face. Here. I love the one part where he's like, this one's not so bad.
0: <laughs> Jamie tries to do that with Colin, and
1: Colin's like, oh, God, I'll get a Band-Aid. Jesus, ew, well, I'm not was, touching that. I was going to say, the first part of this is very much me and Jamie. Like, I it, it may shock a lot of people who listen to this, but I really don't like to be touched. <laughs> it doesn't I, shock I, me. <laughs> and, and it's actually that just I'm, I'm extremely ticklish. So, like, if somebody were to, like, poke me, tap somebody on the shoulder, right? I'm like, "Yeah, stop it, stop it, stop it. I don't know how many times I'll be to Jamie. Like, stop tickling me. She's like, I'm not tickling you. I'm like... I'm being tickled, so you're tickling me. She's not tickling you. She's trying to get it on. <laughs> she's like,
0: Colin, if I touch that, it's not tickling you, all right? It's, you're oh. meant to like that.
1: Uh, the only time we ever had children was the times where I didn't. She's like, well, where doesn't it hurt? And I'm like, well, here. And I didn't say everywhere. <laughs> if I say everywhere, there's no children coming. <laughs> I know every time
0: you bring this up, and I've always like, I, I hugged you, didn't I? I think I hugged you.
1: I mean I I could I could deal with it. Yes. But mom, that's, that's a, people's
0: reaction to a hug well, from it, me. It's I just can the thing deal it,
1: with it. I it it's more so the unpredictability of touching, right? If you know somebody's <laughs> going to like No, seriously. How badly if, if, were you abused yeah. as a child? <laughs> no, it's like it's like if, if Jamie if I see Jamie and she's going to put her, you know, hand uh, grab my hand or something like that, I'm like, "Okay, I can prepare for this." But it's when somebody comes up, especially from behind you or like beside you, or, or you just, you're not What's expecting it. Like, no, like it, it, on days where I'm working from home and I'm like working at my computer, Jamie will sometimes come up, she'll put her hands on my shoulder, like massage, <laughs> and her. I'll instantly, I'll instantly text up. am like, I'm working, I'm working. And it's like every single, I'm working, Jamie, I'm working. So I just how, like, whoa. Uh,
0: how has I, your I, marriage I, lasted for a <laughs> decade and mine lasted for 80 days? Like I just, I don't, I, the logic of this makes no sense.
1: I have I'm very sensitive to touch. So yes, this is the way it is often with JB. I'm like, oh no, no, no.
0: Clearly, um, clearly, this is where I went wrong. I don't don't be touchy-feely. Just you know There just, you go. Yep. Okay. Try it next time. Don't have sex <laughs> um or have sex with other people outside of your marriage. That's generally how it must work. <laughs> okay. Taking notes.
1: Uh but uh the, the famous line in this, uh the one that I I think so many people forget. As the Indiana Jones series continues on, is the one where she's uh, saying something. He says it's not the years; it's the mileage. That's an extremely important line because even in this movie, that is their not indestructible hero. He's a guy who's you know they're already addressing the fact that he's older, or he's middle age or whatever. He's and now you add to that that he's like it's the mileage. He's like I've taken some abuse and when people complained even around King of the crystal skull and certainly now at dial of destiny but oh he's a little bit old to be playing indiana jones i mean i always have the same thought in my head like it's not the years it's the this is the, the character started as he's an older kind of beaten up you know action hero he's supposed to be hurt he's supposed to be you know grunting and then oh uh, oh my sciatica you know <laughs> he's, always, he's he's an older you know even here he's an older beat up guy and that's kind of a point, but it is such a famous line, and you, you get the moment where he falls asleep right as she's about to get some, uh, which I'm sure this happens with me, Jamie. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, I was going to ask time, you a we'll...
0: question, but you probably wouldn't answer it, so it's fine.
1: Has <laughs> <laughs> that ever happened to you, Colin? <laughs> I mean, I, I'll say if if, if if you're asking what I think you're asking, I don't fall asleep if there's any noise or movement. I mean, oh, if, if I'm noise trying movement. to, I'm intrigued. But, if if i'm let's just say last night if i'm lying in bed trying to sleep and jamie's already asleep and she does the small thing like just rolls over if i were drifting off i would be wide awake at that point so i mean jamie often gets frustrated with me because i'll be like waking in the middle of the night oh, i'll I be she does <laughs> not not that area i'm sure 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 she gets frustrated in that area too but uh it'll be the middle of the night and i'll be like nudging i'm like jamie are you ever gonna stop moving and then the next morning she's like Colin, I literally like moved my leg, and you were like, "Stop moving!"
0: <laughs> and yeah, meanwhile, I'm a, wow. this
1: happens, and I'm awake for like an hour and a half afterwards because somebody moved. Uh, we we're talking about getting a dog now. Oh, and that's exciting! The, oh, and we actually have one. We've applied for adoption for a we're real dog. Both, I'm hoping a like, real dog, not like yes. one of these
0: shitty little fucking rats
1: with legs. No, we're we're actually looking. We're looking at beagles, which a because uh, snoopy is a beagle and my kids are obsessed with snoopy especially and my Catherine. kids are a beagle as well <laughs> be- but they've specifically asked they want a beagle but yeah you know, that dog's it's it's like in between you know it's medium yeah,
0: size look, beagles a smaller side go I, I'm, I'm not like i just i don't get these idiots who get small dogs they're not dogs i'm sorry oh, and
1: some of the ones jamie's showing me i'm like that's a tiny dog i'm they're like hey our kids are gonna step on it because they don't notice it and b it's going to be able to like slip into every little f- cupboard and drawer we have oh. and i don't want that
0: it's like 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 yeah. labrador size is my type of dog but like a beagle i know is smaller oh. than a labrador but like a beagle at least is dog-esque whereas like a fucking yeah. chihuahua or a pomeranian like fuck off
1: yeah I, I i'm sure i mentioned this before the first dog i ever owned like my family had had dogs but first dog that was my dog was a rottweiler so yeah. I mean, I like big dogs, but I don't want a big dog that's going to crush our children. That's the main I, thing I'm thinking about. I
0: like. It's been a while since I've had a dog. I'm obviously more of a cat person, but um, uh, English Springer Spaniel are the dogs that we grew up with, and that's when I get into a position when I can get a dog. That's that's the dog I'll get. They're my dogs. I love English Springers. They're so cute.
1: Uh, well, one of the dogs that Jamie was like, oh, see, this one actually looks really nice, and they give you personality write-ups because these are older dogs that you know you know what you're getting, and it says. Prefers to sleep in bed with its owners. And then Jamie was just like, that's not gonna fly with you. I'm like, no, oh, I'm already dealing with enough with you. I I'm, need excited. Another person
0: I'm excited for you to get a dog. What are you gonna call it? Can you call it Ben?
1: Well, I mean <laughs> I'll we'll call it ben. Bad ben. Ben did a shit in the rug. <laughs> that's why I'm calling my no, cat actually, Roger Moore. I kinda wanna call it Ben though. I mean call because it we're looking at a but because we're looking at adopting adult dogs, it'll already have a name. But uh, we asked Casper if, if you were to have a beagle, what would you name eagles? Beagle's the beagle. <laughs> well, that's a great right. name. Beagle's
0: the beagle. That's <laughs> kind of cool. You can get like a freaking Rottweiler and call it Beagle's. Why not?
1: <laughs> oh, that would be that would be great. I mean, name it your cat doggy. Name your dog Catty. You know, hi, or doggy. Kitty. <laughs> call hi doggy. Call it doggy. Doggy. So, yes, I...
0: Call <laughs> it hi, Mark. doggy. Oh hi Mark. <laughs> Call it Keanu. So that way then Jamie can be like, oh, I'm going home to play with Keanu.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually really want a dog I can name now. Uh, anyways, so the boat, the next morning Indy wakes up, the boat stopped or uh, Marion's asking why the boat stopped. Indy says he's going to go find out. You go out there and that's when you see the Nazis aboard. And now this is where, if this was the intention to have you suspicious of the captain, which I really got to think that was because of the way he's introduced with like this, this kind of, you know, ominous framing and then Indy in the background not really saying anything to him. And all of a sudden you have the Nazis on board. That would have been great. But like the problem is is that it's so quickly revealed here where the Nazis are like, tell me where Jones is, and he's like, I killed him or whatever. They basically end up getting Mary in here. Indy's hiding. They're looking for him. They've got the Ark, but they can't find Indy. And then the captain here is saying, you know, uh oh, if if uh you know you you want the Ark, take that, but uh leave us the girl little uh you know basically prevent some of our losses on this trip. It'll amuse my men. And then you have uh, uh, them calling him savages and everything. And of course, Belloc wants Marion. So he takes her. But I really just kind of wish if there's, if this was the point, I think the one mistake of this movie is having that scene where the captain says he killed him because that tells you this guy's not. And I imagine the suspense would have been so much more if the boat stops and they're on there and Indy's like, he sold us out. How could he? And then you even have the captain saying, leave us the girl. And then they say they won't. And because you even have the other scene after this where um, they're saying after the Nazis have left and they're saying the captain, well, we can't find Indy. He goes, keep looking. Like, it it still almost seems suspicious. But then you have that moment where you see Indy outside swimming on the submarine, which that's the biggest mistake in the movie. How does he get on the submarine when it's already going down? He doesn't open the door when it's underwater. uh, And I don't think you can open them from the outside. But then you have the captain smiling and everybody cheering, yay. Like, it just seems like it's poorly done if you wanted this to be a suspicious thing. And there's enough things there where I think it was meant to be suspicious. But uh, Indy now inside the submarine, you have him uh, knocking out the guy, which I feel bad, like he basically punches this guy a couple times. But it's got to be, I don't know, at least a couple hours before they get to where they're going. So where is the guy who just wakes up in his underwear? Or how does nobody spot the henchman? Oh, and it's. A- Greg, not
0: again. <laughs> He picked the right one. It's like, oh, fucking Greg in his undies again. I'm sick of this. Tell Hitler I'm having words with
1: him sober this guy up Tell him to get some pants on uh but but my favorite moment is harrison ford's performance is very underrated in this movie uh when the other nazi finds him and he's trying to put on the shirt that's too small and he's combing his hair and the guy's like oh look at it i just want to imagine what his other nazis saying. he's like oh what are you craig look at this you're <laughs> <half drenched." laughs> comb your hair and t- tuck in your shirt and tie those shoes and the way Harrison Ford's just sort of shrugging like yeah yeah I know okay all right and then all of a sudden he just like knees into the groin that the hat flips up and he puts it on um they uh the next sequence here after they kind of land in the ship they've lining up there they're basically saying that they want to test the arc before take it to Hitler so this is why I think that It wasn't always the plan to come here, you know, on uh, a truck or a boat or wherever they're 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 literally making this up as they go, because let's say they originally wanted to load it on the plane. Then they originally loaded onto a truck and now they're on a submarine just because that's where they were going to find the boat wherever they're landing here to open the arc was not the original plan because you weren't going to get to this unless you were on a submarine and the plan wasn't originally the submarine. So uh, let's say they might have been taken to Hitler, but eventually they're deciding okay well uh we're going to do this and you have the one moment with like Dietrich the the other the the really evil Nazi guy where he's saying i'm uncomfortable with this jewish ritual or whatever. Spielberg wanted to include that to at least have like one moment about you know the the references like the holocaust in there with the Nazis which most people associate. Um it's not like it's necessary. I mean it wasn't like that was the only thing that the Nazis goal was in the war, but Still, it's like, I think people would be questioned, especially with Spielberg directed, the guy who would go on to Schindler's List, people would really be questioned if there wasn't one moment of anti-Semitism in these movies. Is uh, he Jewish, is he, Spielberg? He is, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, the whole reason he made Schindler's List was for that. I mean, I, I think the same thing with Munich. So <laughs> it, now I would kind of look back on that. I, I think, you know, if he had never made schindler's list or munich you wouldn't even think twice about it but uh especially after the Mins, you know all that empty anti-semitism in the fablemans uh but imagine the fablemans without anti-semitism you know it would be like raiders of lost ark without it but um uh, the, the one moment where the swastika burns off of the the crate like that that's it, it's a cool shot and it's the first moment where you actually get the hint that hey there might actually be something serious with this and i think where temple of doom we're gonna get into next week where temple of Doom. I think goes wrong is that the supernatural part is too obvious and it's too in your face. And it's, it's not as, it's not as I guess, understated as it is here in Raiders of the Lost Ark here. It's like just the thing burns. And then you still don't know, like the audience has no clue that this is anything other than a box, you know, maybe containing some rocks and sand it, until you get this one moment. And even the music cue there is like, Oh, something bad's about to happen. Uh, so they Lining everybody up, they're marching single file to do this ceremony to open the arc. Uh Indy's in the back, still with his too tight shirt. Uh then he ducks out and then uh, where does he get this rocket launcher from? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a Nazis. Greg had one. Greg had yeah, this was his strapped undies. to Greg's holster. <laughs> Tucked in his undies. Uh this is why everybody's assuming Greg's up to no good. It's like, look what's in his underwear. No, it was just a rocket launcher all along. A lot uh, of <laughs> Very large Greg Dong, uh, Greg but dong. <laughs> the Greg Dong. <laughs> now that's a Greg Dong. <laughs> that's a T-shirt. That's a Greg Dong there,
0: and that's uh, a Greg Dong. <laughs> dun, dun,
1: dun, dun. Where's your sound effects? Come on! Oh God, I don't know. Where's that one? And that's a Greg Dong. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Indy overlooking the the canyon here with it. And this is like one of the best line deliveries in the entire movie with Belloc, uh, where he's basically saying, it's like, you know, give me the arc or give me the girl and I'll blow it up. And you just have him, Jones. (laughs) it starts low. is very much like Spider-Man, (laughs) J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, He's basically threatening to blow up the arc if uh, he doesn't hand over Marion or whatever. And everybody's holding their guns on him. And this is where Belloc's like, no, no, okay, do it and he's basically calling Indy's bluff and this is another small detail in the movie I love he he basically plays to you know Indy as his peer as his equal and this is why I I I almost wish that they had had a little bit I'm not saying this isn't still a great movie but I I could imagine that it would be even just slightly better if they had done a little more with this whole we're equals thing uh because he plays on that and he's saying you know you you want to know what's in here as much as I do you know how important this is and so Indy doesn't the next so the next time we cut to them they're in uh this area where they got the cameras and everything in indian marion are tied up at the stake uh and they do the the whole arc opening ceremony here the and, arc, opening uh, ceremony. arc opening ceremony i declare <laughs> open the arc <laughs> of the 88 bc olympiad <laughs> ah, ah we know ah. it's gonna be a little bit more fun when they do the arc closing ceremony and it always is giselle
0: walking in for her <laughs> final ever walk as the arc gets opened
1: I just wanted the Nazis on treadmills during the ARC opening ceremony.
0: (laughs) Imagine all the people (laughs) opening the ARC. Uh,
1: Now, this sequence is great because I think this is partly where the idea of what does Indiana Jones do comes from. Because the climax happens, he's literally giving himself up. I mean, I don't think anybody would ever really come to that conclusion of He doesn't accomplish anything in this movie if it wasn't the fact that, like, the ending happens and you think, okay, but they would have gotten the arc anyways. But this is, I think, the main point uh, outside of Marion dying earlier on that's missed about what Indy accomplishes in this movie. Uh, So they open up the arc, and what's inside? Sand that's coarse and rough and (laughs) irritating, and it gets everywhere. George Lucas's love of sand starts here. Uh, and I love the, the differences between the, the Nazis and I'm mean, bell basically like devastated. And then you get the other guy who's like, I knew there was nothing in there. Uh, and then all of a sudden you start to hear this thunder rumbling and everything. And then you get that, that smile that comes across Harrison Ford's face. It's like, they don't know what they're in for here. Uh, now how he knows to keep the eye shut, because even at the beginning of the movie, when he's opening up the book and he's showing like, what are those beams coming out of it? I don't know. Lightning fire, the power of God. Uh, it's not like he says, yeah, the only people who survived that were the ones who kept their eyes shut. Uh, he shouldn't know this, but he tells Marion specifically, no matter what happens, don't look at it. Keep your eyes shut. Uh, Visions based where you start on to- movement. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Clever, girl. <laughs> keep
0: absolutely still. Visions based on, it's a Unix system.
1: <laughs> I know this. <laughs> they o- they, o- they open up the arc. They're pulling out sand. And then all of a sudden, the bottom of it. It's a Unix system. It's an interactive (laughs) (laughs) CD-ROM. They just open it up and all of a sudden the Raptor's face comes out, (laughs) Alan. I really still want a t-shirt that says it's an interactive CD-ROM. I mean, I've got the Unix system shirt.
0: Um... (laughs) That one the best one ever was like, it's a Unix system. I know this clever girl. And she gets a university degree. Still the best one.
1: Uh, but yeah, we start to see other stuff happening inside the arc. It's not just sand anymore. You're seeing like light inside of it. And this is where the ghosts start coming out and they're swimming everywhere. And even Bell looks like, it's beautiful. Cause at this point it kind of looks like all, you know, angelic and everything. And all of a sudden it just goes bad. as the, the one face comes up and then you get John Williams music right here. Is... It's like very cycle. Like... Uh, it turns into like a ghostly face and all of a sudden it's chaos everywhere. And, People are, you know, melting. And th- 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 so this movie, the first screening, it got an R rating. And hmm. the reason it got the R rating was just because of Belloc's head exploding. So the other guys, I think the more effective effect oh, is like to- Tote's face melting and Dietrich's face melting here. And I just love even just the the, the panic in Harrison Ford's voice is the, it's like, Paper your eyes shut. Him or Marion are being swarmed by the stuff but not looking at anything because the textbook said don't look at anything, apparently. Uh, and... Then you get Belloc, who's just screaming, and then his head explodes. Now, if you watch that part of the movie, there's very artificial-looking flames that are in front of his face. That's what they had to add in to prevent an R rating because the head exploding got them an R rating. Adding the flames in front of a head exploding wow. gets you a PG. <laughs> wow. And this is pre-even PG-13. It's just bizarre how that happens. But uh, basically, once everybody's dead here, you know, the cameras that they were filming this thing have been shorted out by the lightning uh everything goes back in the arc and then the cover comes on and then india married okay now this is where i think it's important uh as we go into the last scene here where we're back in the states and marcus and india are meeting with the army guys and uh I-, I love the abruptness of them here too where they're going over okay and then this and then we're gonna do this and then this and then they're like what's the matter you're not satisfied with your compensation package and it's like oh the money is fine but the conditions are like unacceptable you know the the arc is a source of unspeakable power, it has to be studied. They're like, well, we have top men on this. Is Oh, really? Who And he goes? Top men. And they just sort of leave it at that. Indy comes out with Marion. he says, oh, they don't know what they're getting into. They don't know what they they have there. And then you just see the ending that it's like they're literally not even studying this. They put in a crate. They filed it away in a warehouse that we're going to see again in a couple of movies. And they put it in the back somewhere. It's this great pan out and it's, it's this nice little twist ending. Now, this is what Indy accomplishes in the movie he was there to take the Ark away because if the Nazis open this thing and they all die, somebody else is coming by and they're getting it and they still have the Ark. So Indy getting it, and it's not even technically Indy that does it. I mean, in the end, Indy actually wants somebody to study this thing. And the the, the government has the even better idea, let's lock this away somewhere and never open it again. Uh, but without Indiana Jones in this movie, Marion dies, and the Ark is probably discovered by the rest of the people who are still on the boat, who are going to come and say, whatever happened to these guys? Greg, can you go fetch them and see (laughs) where
0: Belloc and the other guys went? But if they're still there, why didn't they just come and kill Indy? I think they all die here on the island. Because how the
1: hell... But even if it's not the guys in the submarine, though, somebody is going... This thing's out in the open. It's the middle of a clearing somebody's going to eventually wander by here and say, that's a nice box. And then they open it up and they have all this power or whatever. But, uh, but the point of the ending is that they get it back and they lock it away, which is where it should be. Whereas I don't, know, Greg's going to come by and find this thing. And all of a sudden he's getting well, like
0: unlimited power. I will say the big bang theory debunks that myth as well, because they say exactly the same thing. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like if Indy's not in the movie, then they never would have gone off the Island and they never would have saved the Ark. And they're like, ah, oh, yes. And then they're like, well, no, because Indy wanted to put it into a museum, so he couldn't even get that right, and they were like, "No." Yeah.
1: But no, that that's true. But the ark is discovered by somebody else, probably Nazis, or or worse yet, it could be I it mean, could that's be a you know, what random... if. I mean, it could be discovered well, by Jesus. What if, I don't know. It, it could be it could be 20 years later, but this thing's out in the middle of nowhere, and it's going The only reason the ark hasn't been used and hasn't been opened is but, because it's been buried in the ground.
0: The question I would ask about that. A, Indy's guessing, don't don't look at it. Don't look at me.
1: Don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, if he doesn't
0: know that, he dies. So, therefore, it happens anyway. But, like, my question is, how do you get power from this box? Is it just because the Nazis are evil so they won't choose them and it just kills them? But, like, if Indy had opened it, would he have been like, oh, unlimited power?
1: Like, I, I don't yeah. get it. Well, no, that, see, that that's another interesting point because, uh we saw it burn the swastika and obviously this being like the Jewish relic you're going to assume oh it knows the nazis are bad or whatever but well, they didn't um, killed any
0: Jews at that point Hitler was still fine in, in, in 1936 yeah, no, that,
1: that, especially the soldiers like did they know that so yeah I mean, does the ark pick and choose who it kills uh in that picture are they opening up maybe it is racist yes maybe this is the noah again this should be 19 if this is 19 if this is
0: 1945 yeah fucking burn the shit out of the nazis (laughs) but like fucking hitler was like man of the year on time magazine in like the 30s he was a good leader until he went a bit whack job crazy and killed some jews like i mean yeah like don't do that is the olympics
1: this year this is
0: the year of the olympics too olympic year jesse fucking owens yeah. I mean, he's Hitler was racist against him, but I mean, like, you know, he still hosted him. But he, the box doesn't know that
1: yet. You know,
0: like the Ameri- I'm just, I'm reading this book at the moment and the Americans wouldn't even let black people in the Olympics in like St. Louis. <laughs> you fucking Hitler let them in. No one talks about that. Progressive Hitler. <laughs> there you go. I mean, he's racist against them, but it doesn't matter. He still let them in. He let them in to be racist against them. he was halfway there. Yes. all uh, uh, oh, right. Uh, so
1: that's the end of the movie. Um, <laughs>
0: Ben defends Hitler. Uh <laughs> He was a good leader until he went crazy. Like everyone knows that. That's a, what you're talking to? I was taught that in history. My history teacher said Hitler was a good everyone leader. Everyone knows Hitler
1: was okay.
0: But like I mean he got shit done. Like I mean
1: I mean it is like yeah it, it's kind of like I was saying with the uh, you know the the whole thing about the oh I'm not comfortable with this Jewish ceremony. Like they included that but like there was more to what the Nazis did than just, you know, eradicating Jewish people. It's just yeah. like the Civil War. People look back on the Civil War. Like, it was all about slavery. It's like slavery was one part of it. You yeah. know, there was there was a whole other issues that people don't bring up that these wars are built on. And in fact, there's, there's an interesting um uh, the young Indi- I'm going through all the young Indiana Jones episodes right now. And there's one where he's just started in World War One. And there's this great scene where. He's sitting around a table with a bunch of other soldiers and they're trying to explain, so why are we fighting this war? And he's like, all right, this salt shaker is Austria. This one is Germany. And he's starting to explain this country assassinated Austrians leader. So they retaliated, but then this country wanted to protect Serbia. And in the end, it's all like, so we're fighting this war because of Serbia, a country that nobody knows exists. And they're like, Kind of, yes, like how convoluted it is. <laughs>
0: well, at least nowadays we know that Ukraine, good, Russia, bad, but we don't go to world wars over it. So um, <laughs> maybe we will. Uh, tune in next year to World War III. Um And I'm not defending Hitler and I'm not defending the Nazis. I'm just saying to get to a level where you can yeah. kill 6 million people, you've got to be oh. get some power. Like I, I can't and- just walk into Canberra tomorrow Like, sup, Albo, how you doing? Um, I'm the prime minister now. Fuck off. And by the way, we're going to kill all the New Zealanders. Like, that's not going to happen because that's not how power works. And And that's not how I work.
1: And if you did do that, I'm going to assume that people like me and Noah and Nick and Rocky and Jared, we're not 100% going to be grouped in. Oh, they deserve to die, too. Um, Nick is in. Okay, so Nick's definitely not in there. <laughs> he he but did by association, because like all these Nazis that are being killed, they don't even know about Hitler's you know master plan of or you know exterminating all the Jews. They don't even know about that. So like, why do they deserve to die? They're just they're just Greg carrying you know rocket launchers and serving their country. <laughs> and I'm sure like I'm sure Hitler like when he's off
0: there like oh I hate the Jews, I hate the Gypsies, I hate the gays, I hate the disabled. Like you know I'm sure when he's doing that, it's like Greg. Oh, fuck, you're a disabled Jew. Yeah. So you can stay. You're okay. Just go hide in the closet with Anne Frank. That's fine. And, like, like that was, like, I'm sure, like, Kit had a few exceptions, right? Oh, Jenny in accounting. Yeah. She's disabled. Damn it. Oh, Billy, he's gay. No, I like Billy. Oh, no, and I got that
1: one third cousin who's got like the gimpy leg.
0: Yeah, like I mean, you know, so he had a bit of a heart.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> Hitler had a heart? T-shirts on the Oz Network store. No, <laughs> Hitler had a heart.
0: No, I'm not saying like. Oh, I did say that. I, I, well, I
1: it's <laughs> like. There's a there Stop was a movie that was tangent. made. I, I'm tra- I, I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. There was a movie that was made. Was it about That's Hitler? You? but it was about like Hitler in his youth as an artist. And the movie presented itself without getting into any of his like radical views or anything it was just like Hitler, the artist. And the idea that was like, hey, a- not everything about every evil person is evil. And imagine if this guy had just explored this instead. It was it was a biopic, everything they were showing is true. It's not like, oh, an alternate take. What if Hitler had gone and become an artist? But they were just showing at his youth at one point, this was a revered guy. And if you take out the other things, it's like he was just a real, person. George Lucas, his idea of Anakin Skywalker, Was going back to the prequels like, what if you showed Hitler as a child? Hitler wouldn't be saying, "I want to blow up all these, you know, uh, droids or whatever." Hitler would be maybe a nice kid who wanted to fix things and get it on with an older lady.
0: There's there's two things on that. It reminds me of that um, in the South Park movie when Satan's singing up there with the (laughs) sun. and he says that line where he's like, um, without was it without the Without evil, there wouldn't be good, so it must be good to be evil sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Up there, there's so much... Oh, I love that song. Um, But, like, it's like that whole conundrum of, like, if you had a time machine, would you go back and kill Hitler as a baby? And I think it's Ricky Gervais as yeah. a stand-up. He's like, well, no, it's a baby. Like, of course you wouldn't kill yeah. it. I mean, I would. Like, fucking right <laughs> to hate babies. But, like, at the, at the end of the day, again, it's the whole butterfly effect. Like, if you kill Hitler, sure, there's going to be another Hitler. Like, I mean... Yeah. And y- y- people are dicks. Like Well,
1: the the whole reason Hitler existed and, and uh, I was it um all quiet on the western front actually had a scene about this like the whole reason Hitler existed was because of how the Germans were treated in hmm. the end of World War One. You know, Absolutely. there was legitimately, there was mistreatment of even among the other countries, the way that they came. It's not like World War One ended and we defeated them. There was peace talks. And in the peace talks, the Germans were very much mistreated in some ways. Yeah, very much and so. that unfortunately led to just like the way the Taliban came about because of how the, the, the people were helping Afghanistan 10 years earlier. And then 10 years later, it actually leads to something more evil. So yeah, that's 100% the root
0: to like all evil, you know? Yeah. And, and, and again, not defending the Nazis, not defending the Russians, like whatever, we're on the certain side of it. But like, if we lived in Russia, if we lived in Nazi Germany, you know, we're going to be thinking we're good and that we're doing the yeah. right thing. So, wow. The odds network gets deep and political. <laughs> we know how that usually turns out. The point is this movie ends well. Um, They fuck on a boat the whole mirror thing's a bit like masturbating in a mirror shore. Yeah, I get. So I get. Okay, so they're on a boat and then a U boat turns up and is like, hey, boat, we're Germans. We want the Ark. And then do they kidnap Indian Karen or do they sneak back onto the U boat? No, they kidnap Ooh. Karen, the German. They,
1: they, kid, they kidnap Marion, yeah. They take her and the Ark, they load it on there. Indy's hiding, and then as <laughs> the submarine's going under, Indy somehow manages to board it.
0: How do the Germans know they're on the boat?
1: Uh, I don't think it's ever said. I mean, Sala! He did sell them out! Who else would have known? But but the, the, no, that's... Because yeah, you, you're saying, oh, well, how did they do this without Sala? And I'm kind of looking at the captain of the ship here, like they were trying to set something up, you know, even if it is supposed to be just to fake the audience out. Yeah. We really need some type of explanation as to how they, they keep you know, getting one up on them.
0: Yeah. I don't know, but, um, Area. yeah, <laughs> I love that. that's actually a very good point. How does Indy get a rocket launch? <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. he's just like standing like,
1: Oh, I'm going to blow it up.
0: And they're like, no, you won't. You're all right. Yep, I won't. Oh,
1: you
0: <laughs> like, got me. <laughs> which, the one thing I will say about this movie, like, it kind of, like, great movie, but it kind of goes from zero to 100 really quickly when it's all of a sudden, like, we're going to test this out. Now they've got this, like, massive, like, live and let and die style voodoo ceremony of all, like, oh, la, la. Like, why don't they just go, he's good. You want to open up here, Greg? Oh, Greg's in yeah. his undies. <laughs> like, why do they need to, like, go to this, it's- like, rock and open it up and be all like, oh
1: i mean it's it's belloc the the archaeologist historian who probably would have thought okay you got to do this the proper way
0: he's just a fucking diva like he's a fucking yeah. like <laughs>
1: he's got his headdress and everything
0: he's like fucking britney spears janet jackson madonna like <laughs> put on a fucking concert a bit of a spectacle you know like i mean god just open it up just be like oh cool well fucking there was indy you want to open it up here yeah sure right let's fucking go in there which i mean gotta say and let's let's go into the other side of things nazis bit dumb because like why does it take them so long to be like hmm why don't we open it up first before we give it to Hitler I mean Hitler like had people like eat his fucking you know brat verse before he took a bite of it and stuff like because he's fucking Hitler everyone wants to kill Hitler even in 1936 people want to kill Hitler even non-evil dictators like Joe Biden people want to kill him (laughs) because he's Joe he's not a dictator but like he's a president (laughs) but like people want to kill him they don't need to he's going to die soon he's old but like like, there was a thing recently about, like, oh, the FBI stopped a, th- th- a plot to kill the Queen in, like, the 80s. Like, people always want to kill, like, leaders because sure, I'm sure people want to kill Trudeau. You want to kill Trudeau. You don't like Trudeau, do you?
1: I think anybody likes Trudeau in Canada. They <laughs> just keep electing them. <laughs>
0: I like Trudeau. I wear my socks to him the other day. So
1: you know. I still remember the one. I, I, I don't know if it's on this podcast where I've told the story where there was uh some person coming to door and uh they're like hi we're here for the liberal party it's like now, now before we even say anything like now i know a lot of people don't like trudeau and that's okay <laughs> and we're not saying that he should be kept so in his prime minister but now is not the time because this candidate is so much better even the liberal people are coming to your door saying we know you don't like him <laughs> so canadian only in
0: canada would you have oh sorry <laughs> hey, that our leader isn't that good but our, our person below <laughs> is pretty good in australia it's like no they are good no matter what i don't care what did. <laughs> fucking vote them america I not need to get it started but um i mean this whole like again i'm picking apart the plot holes here because like so this is meant to contain the ten commandments right or is that just mm. the the theory
1: yeah no that's supposed to be like because the, the, indy says uh so the the ten commandments that came down the actual ten commandments were stored in this thing and that's why they built this giant you know box for it
0: now i've spent this episode maybe slightly defending hitler not defending Hitler. Just saying that Hitler had had a heart. He had, he had, he had a heart. All right. Now I feel what I'm about to say is probably more offensive. Okay. If you are religious, skip through the next few moments of this thing. Now, some people would say religion's a mythical thing. So why do we hear and people? Oh, aliens, aliens! Oh, it's so shit, and oh, it's crap. King of the Crystal Skull. You're literally doing this whole movie on that's where the Ten Commandments were kept. Like, I'm an atheist, so to me that's as believable as aliens so i don't get why this is not looked down on by well
1: you know non the reason we'll get into it more next week i already sort of said it but like this movie even indy said at the beginning like you know uh if you believe in that sort of thing like he says that when he's describing at the beginning and the the use of the arc and i think this is why people have as many issues with the later movies. The use of the Ark in here, it is much more subtle. It is the fact that you don't see anything supernatural until it's here. You never get confirmation was in there. It's not, if you open it up and you saw thou shalt not open Ark, you know, Mm -hmm. you know it's Ten Commandments. For all we know, this is just a box that has some type of magic power in it because we see sand and then we see ghosts come out of it. It's not like we ever see the Ten Commandments. Whereas when we get to especially Temple of Doom, it's like, these are magic stones that that give you power to take over the world. They show you so early in the movie and throw multiple, points of the movie is like these stones can do this and they can do this and it's like it's so over the top and even in last crusade they they try to keep it a little bit more subtle like this one but then you're like so that guy has been alive for thousands of years like every other movie following this goes a little bit further and like oh the, the the crystal skull can do this and the 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 holy grail can do this and the the sankara stones can do this they do keep it a lot more grounded in this one which is i think why people have less issues it's, with raiders it's
0: still they open a box and ghosts come out of it it's ghostbusters yeah,
1: like i mean it is and, and and like that's kind of the style like this is the whole style of like those 30s 40s 50s movies or even like the mummy right yeah. you know but i think it is so much the fact that this one just doesn't make anything obvious until the end of the movie and even at the end it's left ambiguous. It's like, so what did you just see, or what did the audience just see?
0: And th- and that's not me taking away from this movie. It's just it annoys me when people want to complain about something, mm-hmm. yet realize that well, hang on a minute, they, like we did that in the Star Wars movies. Like we defended the prequels, and we yeah. kept pointing out, like, well, hang on a minute, this was in the original trilogy too. The comparisons mm-hmm. between Anakin and early Luke are so on point. Like, I mean, they're the same person. They're whiny, they're annoying, but you love them still. Like, you literally have them opening a box with ghosts coming out. Now, okay, take my comments about religion aside. Ghosts and aliens are definitely on the same page. That is something that you ask people. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in aliens? Most people believe in one or the other. I believe in aliens. I don't believe in ghosts. Are these?
1: Wait, you're saying it's a one or the other? So most people are like, aliens well, exist, ghosts do not? <laughs> uh,
0: most people I talk to will generally have one or the other. I know that you can believe in both, you can believe in none. I'm not saying it has to be one or the other, but like, I mean, what are you? Like, I know Noah's anti ghost. That's a whole other rant. Listen to the best of I think, I think, last we, we, year.
1: We talked about this. I there's See, I've watched a lot of stories on like both, and you can chalk up most ghost things to natural phenomenons. And the fact that so much of it is like, in the middle of the night, I woke up and I saw this ghost. I'm like, there have been plenty of times I've woken up in the middle of the night and I thought I saw something and I'm still half asleep. Then all of a sudden when I wake up a little more, I'm like, oh, I was half asleep. But there's other things like there's certain type of like electromagnetic things. Like a lot of times when they're doing these, they're like, oh, we actually found that there's a body of water far underneath the earth. And then that's creating this type of effect or whatever. But uh, people seeing, I don't doubt the people who see them. It's just what is the explanation behind it? But what one other thing, as far as like the unbelievability, un- like I'm 100% with you. Com- don't complain about aliens if you're not going to complain about everything else prior to this. But even when it comes to nuking the fridge, mm. w- wait until we get to next week. There are just as unrealistic things that happen where I'm like, how did anybody survive that? In fact, I will argue there's an even more unrealistic thing that ties in the whole supernatural thing. Uh, when we get there, the, 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 the movies have always been like this. It's just another example like Star Wars or any of these other long-running franchises where – People grow up, they get enough of a brain to pick apart the plot holes, but they don't get enough of a brain to be like we're being right now and saying, it's fun. It's meant to be fun. You can pick apart plot holes and not say this is a problem with the movie. The movies were always fun. You just were a kid and too dumb to realize it.
0: All right. I'm going to isolate that quote. And next time he talks about (laughs) Die Another Day being shit, that's a quote that is going to be played forever and ever. It's fun. All right. You remember it. Nobody cares about the plot holes. Um this end scene fucking freaked me out as a kid. Like I it's funny yeah. it's funny rewatching this as I said I keep saying I've been probably about fifteen years since I've watched these. I do remember like the the bit where um Marion's like with all the freaking bodies and shit like freaking me out and the snake and all Because I, I used to have a real fear as a kid of skeletons, like skulls and skeletons. That was like my thing that freaked me out and terrified me as a child. But this was the bit that always like fucking got me. And even like I mean there's something endearing about 80s practical, ghoulish special effects. I think we talked about like with yeah. Night of the Living Dead and all that sort of stuff, didn't we? Day of the Dead, whenever we did those back in the day, where it's sort of like, you know it's fake, but it's still kind of freaky. Whereas mm-hmm. like, I mean, I I've, I always talk about how like sometimes, oh, I'm bored, I'm going to watch all the Saw deaths. I don't, you know, if I've seen the first two Saw movies, I don't. I've never watched the rest of them. But like, there's just something sometimes kind of ghoulish and cartoonish about watching all these graphic, like, body maiming and guts going everywhere. Whereas like this, like, in hindsight, it looks pretty rubbish, but like, it's still freaky, like, face yeah. melting and the the. I mean, that's that's every time you see the evil bald Nazi guy, like, you just you just picture him, Nazi guy with glasses, mm-hmm. and you just picture him melting. That's all I remember seeing. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's freaky as all hell. Um but what year did Ghostbusters come out? 83? 84. 84. So I mean this like it's been a long It's been a long time since I've seen Ghostbusters, even longer since I've seen these movies. But I remember those special effects going, Oh, that doesn't really hold up very well. This is what, before Ghostbusters, and this holds up better. Mm-hmm. Even though I'd say like some of this doesn't hold up, but I mean for a nineteen a movie in nineteen eighty one, it does look pretty okay. So and then mm-hmm. the ending um, I like the sudden ending. Da, da 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 da. And this is a movie that, like, a big blockbuster hit that doesn't need twenty minutes worth of credits. So, yeah, good job, George and Stephen. Well done.
1: Uh, so critically, let's do that first. Um, I, I didn't just... realize
0: he's got nominated for Best Picture. Sorry to jump in, but yeah. I, I didn't realize he's got nominated. And cause Star Wars did too, didn't it? So there are movies I didn't this ever realize got nominated of... for it.
1: Jaws, Star Wars, Close Encounters, this and E.T. A new E.T. All E.T. Over a few years period got nominated and then you just have nothing of blockbusters up until uh what like Avatar. Um unfortunately, the Matrix uh,
0: didn't get nominated. I feel that baffles me. Come on.
1: Yeah. We talked about that and lots of other movies that could easily have been nominated for best picture <laughs> if it had been in the 80s. Um so critically, uh this movie is Good. Uh, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so I would have thought, honestly, it would be closer to 100, but still, that's not bad. Um, is it the highest uh, of all of them? Oh, good point. Let me check. Uh, you check that. I will, Colin. I will. Fine. To- <laughs> uh, so um, critic response to so some it of is. the reviews here. Rot- it's the Ooh, highest. So what's the, that ruined what's
0: I, the- I've already seen the Rotten Tomatoes for dollar Dial of Destiny. That's not good. Um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, 93%, uh, well. 85 for Metacritic's, The next best is Last Crusade with 84. Uh, Crystal Skull, third on 77. Uh, Temple of Doom, 76. And Dial of Destiny, 51.
1: Well, let's also remember that last jedi got like universal praise uh from captain marvel uh i think <laughs> universal praise in and all fairness it's remembered. only got
0: this based on 37 reviews whereas all the others have got like yeah. 100 and 300 so you know it's
1: early days uh so for raiders roger ebert said uh it was breathless and incredible breathless and incredible his partner gene siskel uh, said it was as entertaining as a commercial movie could be. That almost sounds like a knock. It's as entertaining as a commercial movie can be, <laughs> but it's the kind of movie that makes kids excited about cinema. Uh, negative review here. Um, we have oh, this this one's actually quite amusing. So, Pauline Kale, a reviewer who is kind of notorious for just trashing anything that is, um, popular, I guess, uh, criticized the performances they were stilted and heavily scripted. She singled out uh, Paul Freeman, though, praising him. um, And (laughs) then, oh, I forgot to mention this. However, she did point out a fly crawling into his mouth. Did you catch that part?
0: I saw it on the Honest trailer, uh, but I didn't catch it when I was watching it in the movie.
1: A fly basically lands right in front of his mouth, and then he opens his mouth, and you never see the fly again. So it's like, Paul Freeman just swallowed a fly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But George Lucas then, when he made Willow a couple of years later actually named the villain General Cale after Pauline Cale for criticizing. Kind of similar to like uh, the Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie where you had Mayor Ebert and his <laughs> advisor, Gene, or something like that. Uh, another uh, reviewer actually gave it a fairly positive review. Um, uh, what's his name here? Klain. They just identified him by last name. I can't see his first name. Uh, he actually Greg. praised Harrison Ford and Greg Klain. Yes. He praised Harrison Ford as being riveting and said it was his career highlight. Uh, but later on, he called Tote—that's the the glasses uh, melting face Nazi—as one of the most offensive Nazi stereotypes seen in cinema uh-huh. since World War II. <laughs> is, is there an offensive Nazi? Nazi stereotype? <laughs> I'm offended.
0: Like, like honestly, like if you, that's yeah, how can you like? I know we spent a good portion trying to defend slightly—we like, were defending Nazis. You know what we're talking about. But like, like, is anyone ever offended? Like besides white supremacists? Yeah. Like, oh, that yeah, was exactly. very like,
1: how Are you going to worry about a Nazi being offended here? Uh, audience reviews, though. I mean, obviously, this movie is it's in like IMDb's top two hundred uh, or whatever. Let me see where it's actually sitting at on the list. If they still show that, uh, ranked number fifty-six on IMDb's. No, that's uh, something else. Who keeps turning off the <laughs> lights while I'm down here?
0: <laughs> Casper, he's, he's getting uh, you to go up. <laughs>
1: It doesn't. It, it. It. I think that was a different thing. But eight point four on IMDb. Uh, there are some idiots out there. Some one star reviews. Uh, I, I always like to go for the ones that are just so brief and to the point. Uh, Dennis Elkin thirty three <laughs> commented. The the only reason I watch this movie is because it's high rating and it is supposed to be classic. This movie is so bad. <laughs> Stop turning out the lights. <laughs> I like. um the uh, uh,
0: Alirazamiani73059, one of the most illogical movies that I've ever seen in my life. I'm really surprised that this movie is in the top 250 of IMDb. I can't understand why this movie is so much attractive for people. We have many adventure movies that definitely they are better than this. I think <laughs> just because of the name of director, this junk movie paid attention. <laughs> Don't waste your time on this absurd movie. This is just suitable for
1: infants. I, I'm finding a lot of people who are giving it one star and they're giving positive reviews like Elizabeth 328, uh My Boyfriend Made Me Gain a New Enthusiasm for it. It's a really fantastic movie and it's one star. The best of the bunch by Johnny 143. This yeah. is it, folks. It doesn't get any better than this. Learn your numbers, people. <laughs>
0: what, was that, what was that one where it was like, uh, I think this movie is great. I give this ten out of ten and I
1: giving it like yeah. nine out of ten.
0: Single <laughs> yeah. of I ever when... watched. Wow.
1: For a movie with this many reviews, like, I don't know, what what's the... Uh, Only 10 one-star me- reviews. Only 10, 1,000 reviews and only 10 of them are only one star. So, and, and two of those are pos- Two of the 10 are positive. <laughs>
0: 523 are 10. So, like, I mean, I, I know we never do this. Like, what? what's a seven-star rating of Raiders of the Lost Ark? Like, I mean, <laughs> a good film, but nothing more by r 96 sk Raiders of the Lost Ark is a good film, but nothing more than that for me. Harrison that Ford. like.
1: Good film in quotes. Harrison Ford does a
0: sterling job as Indiana Jones, <laughs> even if his performance does constantly remind me of Steve Martin for some reason. John what? Rhys-Davies, who I like in James Bond's The Living Daylights, fits in well as Sulla. Apart from those two, I don't think any of the others have anything major memorable about them here. I would have liked to have seen more of Ronald Lacey's tote. The adventure, who wouldn't? The adventure side is enjoyable, though everything else is missing a spark in my opinion. A lot of the plot devices are convenient and predictable. The special effects are solid, though, as is a score by John Williams. It makes for a fun watch, even if I did expect better. Seven out of ten. Okay.
1: <laughs> At least he got his rating right to match what his write-up was. He did. Uh, the uh, box office for this movie, so there actually words not that. Or? Uh, oh, yeah, let's do Plucky Words first here. Uh, Sorry. I'm sure we're going to find some about pedos in here. or uh, and gagged. Month. Uh, Oh, Bound and Gag Whip Month. Read that one for me.
0: I've got Bound and Gag. Surely um, Fifty Shades of Grey. No, Ghosted June John Week, Mother's Day. Okay.
1: Female Student in Love with Male Teacher Month. Oh. We got Raiders of the Lost Ark House from 1977. The Girls of Huntington House. And Junjo Narashi Aijo Kurashi. I'm guessing that's a Japanese movie. Uh,
0: Muslim um, Woman Dress Month. We could do Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) Caffar Newam, The Kingdom, and Shaft.
1: Uh, Did you go through Bound and Gag Month?
0: I did, yeah. Woman Bound and Gag Month. Hit with a Skillet Month. (laughs) I've always wanted to do Hit with a Skillet Month. We could watch Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Friday the 13th, Chocolat, or Jamesy Boy.
1: I'm actually dying to do Melting Face Month, but we've already done three of the four here. Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Evil Dead, Terminator 2, and From Dusk Till Dawn. You weren't on From Dusk Till Dawn, though, but I wasn't. Oh, still talk melting faces. Okay, I've
0: got two here. We can do Holding Shoes in Hand Month, featuring Raiders of the Lost Ark, Monocle D'Amerikic, The Red Shoes, well, spoiler <laughs> alert, and Muddy Shoes, spoiler alert, or my favorite, Kissing While Having Sex Month, Colin, you should try that next time. The two could be done at the same time? The Fast and the Furious, Ted, Titanic, and where the Crawdads sing. What are we doing when the Crawdods sing, Colin? Based on you the worldwide Crawdod.
1: phenomenon. You keep calling it Crawdads. What are is it? Crawdads? Oh, fuck. I don't give a shit. Like, it just, it's I, like Armenia, Armenia all over again. It just baffles
0: the crap out of me whenever I like see that trailer. Based on the worldwide phenomenon.
1: I'm like, fuck, I've never heard of it. We we did watch it. it. It it's actually not bad, but it's one of these movies kind of like um uh Book of Henry where it gets to an ending and you're like what type of <laughs> ending was that? Like what did I just watch? It's just bizarre did when it gets craw-dad, to the
0: ending. Dad crawl dod crawl dad
1: sing? Crawl
0: dad uh, did I sing with crawling what's it? I don't fucking know. What is it about? <laughs> is she like a, a forest woman who like fucks a
1: yeah. guy or something? There's like a murder trial in it. It's 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 not bad until you get to the end. Um. Yeah, you know, I, I just want to say, I keep forgetting we're doing Dead Duck Month, but I'm so excited for Dead Duck Month.
0: <laughs> I found so what we're doing like 1900, right? Is that one that goes like four hours or six hours or Yeah, it's like, like a that?
1: five hour movie or something, which
0: has got like Robert De Niro, and you see his doodle in it. Um, but. I I was
1: looking through it like
0: there's full on like Robert De Niro Dick. Um like there it is. Jamie's gonna love it. But She's I She's gonna be watching this one. I found like one like the first it's in two parts. Like the first half I think is like got subtitles. I think it's Italian or something, but then the second half I've got doesn't and I cannot find a subtitle version. So I think like one uh, half of this movie we're gonna be like, eh, hey, pizza. <laughs> like, that might make it more fun. It could, but yeah, you, you get to see his dong in it. So, have we ever done a movie where you full on scene doodle?
1: I I don't know. I mean, it, can, can we see uh, full frontal male nudity month <laughs> anywhere I think on IMDb? We
0: have. We've have talked about someone's dong before, haven't we? We haven't done. Oh, um, so we
1: talked a lot. We talked a lot about dongs. Are we gonna
0: do wild things? so We can see Kevin Bacon's dong.
1: Oh, uh, there was um talented Mr. Ripley with Jude Law's dong. Uh, there was a lot. Uh, any given Sunday. I, I don't think that um, Jamie Foxx shows his in there, but there was a lot of dongs in that movie.
0: We, we need to do, um was it getting Sarah Marshall? We can see Jason Seagals. That was very awkward when I watched that on a plane recently and uh, I've got this scene of him standing with his doodle hanging out. And I'm just like, oh, skip, <laughs> skip, skip, skip,
1: Uh, Let's go with the box office now. So expectations were that this movie would be a hit, but it wasn't like massive, massive expectations. I mean, this was the summer that Suicide Superman Squad. 2 was coming out.
0: We saw a doodle in Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. The Did sui- we? Yeah, the in the background when that guy gets like murdered in the village, you see his dick.
1: Uh, uh but yeah, Raiders <laughs> sorry, comes I'm just out throughout to say, <laughs> what movies did we see a doodle in? Uh, Raiders comes out the week before Superman 2, which was the movie that was expected to dominate. I mean, this still made a ton of money. IMDB is kind of weird in that you can't find a lot of things prior to 1982 for or sorry, not IMDB, Box Office Mojo. Uh, so they only have the movies that opened during this year. So Raiders did open first of the box office, $8.3 million. The next closest to number two, History of the World Part 1. I think that's a Mel Brooks movie, 4.7. So, I mean, did good opening. Did they just opening, remake but... that?
0: Didn't they just uh, done they, a...
1: Well, they did a sequel, a TV series sequel to it. Yeah. I've never seen the even the original. Uh, but when you look at the following week here, Raiders uh, drops to third place, and Superman 2 opens with $14.1 million. The cannonball run opens with 11.7 so this movie was outgrossed the following weekend 8.3 for this bigger opening weekends for both superman 2 and the cannonball run uh the following week but then raiders just keep sticking around after that and in the end it ends up as the highest grossing film of the year by far uh number one for the year with 212 million next closest was on golden pond with katherine Hepburn. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) great movie too but uh, 119, I wouldn't have thought on oh, Golden Pond made 119 million dollars. That's crazy. People love Superman ponds. 2 and uh, uh, 108 million for Superman uh, 2. Other movies, Arthur, just under 100 million, Stripes, The Cannonball Run, uh, and For Your Eyes Only, $54 million. I, is, I don't even know. Is Never Say Never Again on here? This was, uh, no, no, sorry. That, that was Octopus. Yeah, that was the Battle of the Bonds the following year. Uh, and Cherries of Fire uh,
0: beat it at the Oscars, right?
1: Yeah, Chariots of Fire won Best Picture that year. Never seen um, it. What else was nominated? Reds was nominated. Oh, I had this up uh, a second ago. Uh, me too. I can't find
0: um, it. Uh, on Golden Pond uh, in Atlantic uh-huh. City.
1: Uh, Raiders, I mean, you can make the argument, could this have won Best Picture? Chariots of Fire is an amazing movie, but uh, I, I have a feeling that, like, if you are going to award a block, if I personally were to say, this isn't even about the year, whatever it's competing against, irrelevant to that. But if you take the movies, those blockbusters, uh, Jaws, Star Wars, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, E.T. and Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think Raiders would be the one that would be like least best picture worthy. Because I mean, it is it's a it's a very solid, but it is very much a throwback to old school style of movies. And I think it's a perfect throwback to this one of my favorite movies of all time. But. Is it a groundbreaking movie, the way that, say, Star Wars or Jaws, movies that changed everything? This sort of just sort of brought I, back an old school style.
0: I get that, but I think the argument now that everything, ever all at once won. Like, yeah, that's groundbreaking, but that's a bit of an adventure kind of action, like, you know, quirky type of, you'd argue, oh, a bit blockbustery. Like, I mean, I think kind of like that's going to change things. With that simp- in mind.
1: No, I'm just simply saying if you take the that era of the blockbuster being nominated, like Jaws, Star Wars, hmm. Close Encounters, E.T., Raiders. Of those movies, which one do you think is Star the le- Star Wars is OK? That should have won Best Picture. Yeah. Whereas with and this isn't even about whatever is competing. Forget about what it competes against. those years. Raiders of the Lost Ark. If Raiders of the Lost Ark wins Best Picture, you know, it's going to be because people love and enjoy the movie. It's not because this is the most well-made film ever made. In fact, yeah. part of the appeal of this movie is that it's not. The type of thing that necessarily, you know, is a best picture winning. It's not Oscar bait in any way. It just, uh, it just there are flies in
0: people's mouths, you know. It, but it really does like make you think how the Oscars work sometimes. That, you know, I'm not taking away from Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it is one of those movies that, you know, some people probably like me didn't realize it got nominated for best picture. Like it's it's just not mm-hmm. a film that screams that way. Whereas you look at The Dark Knight, which is the famous one, which the reason why they extended it right because that never got nominated for best picture. I mean, how Black Panther gets nominated for Best Picture. Like, it's. And again, like, I I know we started this campaign a couple of years ago when we did The Matrix, but it baffles me that The Matrix didn't get. Like, how does Black Panther. Nowadays it would. Like, oh, fuck yes. It's like, it should have been nominated. Whereas, like, I may be an unpopular opinion doing this month. And I, I don't, I can't remember if the matrix made your top 50. I know Raiders didn't make my top mm-hmm. 50, but the matrix did. I think the matrix is a better movie than Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I think it's much worthier of being nominated for best picture than Raiders of the Lost Ark. It still amazes yeah. me that it was not nominated for best picture yet. This was, and again, not to take away from Raiders of the Lost Ark. I've not seen any of the other movies that was nominated up against that year, but Tootsie was nominated the year. Tootsie. <laughs> How is I've never like isn't that just like the older Mrs. Doubtfire like yeah I could put an argument for Mrs. Doubtfire being nominated when we do that next month but anyway
1: I, I, this isn't even me saying oh this shouldn't have been nominated like because again you also have to factor in what else was out that year oh we talked about Ghost that, was we? nominated for Best Picture yeah apparently wow but but like you have these ones where they're nominated in the movie and you know it's not gonna win you know um, Top Gun Maverick got a lot closer than I think anybody expected oh, but that's kind of like movie. Top Gun Maverick. We're nominating it, and that is its reward. We're nominating a movie like this, and that's kind of what I think Raiders is. It's like, hey, we're not going to give Raiders Lost our Best Picture, but it is such a good movie that we have to at least give it the nomination. And, oh. and I'm glad they did, you know, because it is cool to see movies like this getting nominated. Just can we just
0: take a moment to just Top Gun Maverick? Props I never to seen that movie. I
1: want to watch it right now. You know what? <laughs> what a Jamie, movie. Jamie collects mugs. I mean, I don't drink coffee at all because caffeine i'm a baby when it comes to caffeine uh but uh she found a top gun maverick she found two things one is a top dad mug which was supposed to be for father's day but she gave it to me now just because how much i love top gun uh and it's in the top gun logo and the other one was a top gun maverick like an actual really fancy looking top gun maverick mug um, I took the Top Gun Maverick mug to work, and then I brought tea with me just because I'm like, I want to show this off. And I don't want people to see me drinking from my Top Gun Maverick mug, so I'm gonna drink tea at work just so that I can drink from oh, it.
0: I want, I, like, I'm so glad Brendan Fraser won an Oscar, but like, I think Tom Cruise is the next one that would make me the happiest.
1: But you know what's weird is that Tom Cruise has been nominated what, like, t- two, three times. He's been nominated triple the amount of times Harrison Ford has. Mm. And again, like, what you could you nominate Harrison Ford for? But like Tom Cruise has been nominated for an Oscar 3 times. I mean he should have I think he should have won for Jerry Maguire. He probably should have won for Born on the Fourth of July. He probably should have won for Magnolia. <laughs> Who else is daring enough to do something like Magnolia at that point in their career?
0: Bradley Cooper as well. Like when that guy's been nominated. And what's um what's a what's the face um Amy Amy Adams she's been nominated about 9 Renneman. times, hasn't she? <laughs> Amy Brenneman. I mean Glenn Close. <laughs> Next year Glenn Close and Tom Cruise Best pit oh, best picture.
1: <laughs> That's the yeah, movie. What what is the movie? We are just filming Tom Cruise and Glenn Close. Okay, so what's the dialogue? No talking? Yeah. Just their faces. Keep keep going Two hours. Keep
0: going through the thing because I know we did this about last year, didn't we? Where we were kind of like, Oh, what are the Oscar favorites? This is where we discovered. Brendan Fraser? Like we remember last year when we all of a sudden discovered that? Oh yeah. I'm trying to see if I Google it now. Who's who's in line right now for Best Picture if you uh wanna Who's up.
1: in line for Who is in line for Best Picture? Oh, you know well, Who be, is your floor? <laughs> be,
0: be, actor in a leading role right now apparently is Paul Giamatti, uh, Andre Holland, whoever that is, Jonathan Majors, Lakeith Stanfield, the esteemed, and David Strathen. Oh, I like David Strathen. Um, oh, and great. Alternates: Bradley Cooper, Leonardo DiCaprio, Coleman Domingo, Anthony Hopkins, and Cillian Murphy. Act- oh, Oppenheimer. actress right now. We've got Fantasia Barrino, the esteemed Annette Benning. What? Um, who is Fantasia Barrino? Do you know who that is? I- she
1: was an American Idol winner. The same year as Je- she beat Jennifer Hudson. I thought Jennifer so, Hudson. Won. Wow. No, she she was eliminated very early. That was kind of the controversy with her.
0: Uh, Greta Lee, Kerry Mulligan, and Emma Stone. Uh, others on the list are Emily Blunt, Ryan Destiny, Sandra Hula, Margot Robbie for Barbie. I can't believe Barbie's getting talked about. <laughs> Uh, supporting role, we've got Coleman Domingo, Samuel L. Jackson! Yes! Imagine him winning one. Uh Brian Tyree Henry, Wagnamora, Jesse Plemons is up there again. Willem Defoe's oh. on this list again for alternates. Matthew Good, Corey Hawkins, Ryan Cosley, fuck off, and Barry Kogan. An actress in supporting role. Danielle Brooks, America Ferreira, Lily Gladstone, Taraji P. Henson, and Devine Joy Randolph with Penelope Cruz. Ooh, for Ferrari. Uh, Andrea Ellis. Uh, Jodie Foster, oh Jodie, Clara Foy, Vanessa Kirby, and Moonswung, uh, I've never heard of half these people.
1: <laughs> well, you will buy next year, guaranteed. Yep. Uh I am 100% buying this movie. Uh, I'm going to spoil it right now, I'm buying all four of these movies. Uh, and I have bought multiple copies of all four of these movies, so you can save yours if you want, but uh, these are all going to be buys for me.
0: I'm excited to see that Ferrari's uh, just outside on the alternates list for possible best picture. Uh, mm. So uh, I'm looking forward to covering that. Um, oh, it's a buy. Yeah. Look, I think, again, at the top of my head, I remember enjoying all of these. So I I could not see myself not buying all of these. Um, again, Kingdom of the Crystal Salt, literally seen it once. And I remember liking it. But I don't know what my opinions are. Um, but yeah, I, I never remember any of these going like, oh, I didn't like that one. I didn't like that one. I think in all seriousness, I think the first three always gelled in together. Like I always remember liking the first and third and the second one being a bit weird. I think, Mm -hmm. but for some reason, I just, I feel I always saw the second one the most. I always feel Temple of Doom was always on TV or something like that. But um, anyway, bye for me. Yes. And is this going to be your number one at the end of the month? Did you just say that? Was I not listening? No. Another one will.
1: Temple of Doom. (laughs) Exactly. Blast Crusade. Uh, Getting to uh, Temple of Doom. uh, This one I've already rewatched. It is... I think prior to King of the Crystal Skull, this was the one was like easily, oh, that's easily the weakest Indiana Jones movie. And now most people say King of the Crystal Skull. I kind of make the argument. This isn't even about my personal rankings. I kind of make the argument. I'm like, everything people complain about King of the Crystal Skull, it is even more <laughs> in your face, and even more Roger Moore in Temple of Doom. So if there are people who are like, I love Temple of Doom, but I hate King of the Crystal Skull for all these reasons, go watch Temple of Doom again. It is really bizarre it is the darkest movie by far but that comes after the first hour of it being like almost a comedy and it just has this weird shift in it uh jamie did not like this we actually watched this last night just the getting excited getting ahead of schedule get in the mood yeah and uh she was like oh yeah i'll definitely watch that and then all of a sudden when she starts she's like wait is this the one with the slave children and the bugs i'm like yeah She goes, oh i hate this one I'm like, no, it's still good. She goes, I would rather watch the Aliens one than this. But then she said, but and then as soon as Harrison Ford appears on the screen, she goes, I'll watch it for the eye candy. She left it at that. He's so a very attractive at least man. This.
0: Can we just say that?
1: Oh, absolutely. What a what a man. Would you rather him
0: uh, or like peak Sean Connery? Like,
1: oh, that's that's too tough. Peak Harrison Ford. Or peak Sean Connery. I think Harrison Ford would be gentler. Yeah, but where's
0: the fun in that?
1: i don't like to be touched so i want somebody gentle (laughs) so
0: you can have harrison for the tenderness and i'll have Sean to boot the (laughs) shit out for me nothing wrong with slapping a man every now and then (laughs)
1: uh you don't remember much about this one
0: no i uh, maybe i like no i think this is one i remember because this is like the bridge right like the rope bridge and then there's like the 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 sheep brains or all the gross food bit Mm-hmm. Um I look, actually I think did we talk about this in Octopussy? I think I would always get Octopussy and Temple of Doom confused because there's India. so many things around them that I feel like there's similarities. Um and when
1: what came first? The Chicken or the egg? Octopussy was the year before this. This is 84, was it? This is 80 Temple of Doom's 84, Octopussy was
0: 83. What year's is last crusade 87?
1: 89.
0: Oh 89. Oh okay. Well, I was alive then. Cool. <laughs> you um were. but yeah, no, I like for some because Raiders, I remember, like, the face melting and kind of, like, the, weird, like, the stuff about Raiders I remember. Temple of Doom, I can, I can picture so many more scenes. And then Last Crusade, I swear, is the one that I, like, forget the most, but I think I used to love the most as a kid. So, again, it's kind of that weird thing of, like, y- your childhood comes back to you and watching these films and going, like, yeah, like, it's like when we did 007 and there were so many of these bomb films that I had not seen in forever, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this, I remember this, I remember this. So, but, like, I can picture more Temple of Doom in my head. Um, cause I remember the blonde woman screaming a lot. I remember short yeah. round. Um, there's a plane in this one as well. Isn't there like a plane chase or something? There's a crash sequence. Yeah. crash. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but, um, I, I remember like, again, I, as I keep saying over and over again, I don't remember disliking any of these films. So I'll be intrigued to, to see what I think about this, but I'm hosting it. So you are, I am. I get to host the you aliens love. one. You do.
1: I, I this? about this. Have you
0: seen the Shia LaBeouf in a weird... song? What? Do you, you know the, the the famous like getting murdered by Shia LaBeouf? Da 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 da, da, da Shia LaBeouf. It sorta of rings a bell, oh, but like I, I don't it really to you. know. We're gonna be singing that song uh when we do that in a few weeks.
1: In a weird way, I kind of wish that I was hosting the other two, you know? Because uh, uh, I think those would be those would be fun. But uh yeah, we'll be back next week for Temple of Doom and lots of Children getting beaten up by adults. So, this is Ben's movie. This is why he watched it the most as a child. I love beating uh, to children. We also might have a surprise episode that we sort of teased uh, 24 as usual. And if we have time and I can talk Jamie into it, uh, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse review. All right. Yeah. Uh, which I don't think you're seeing it, but uh, yeah. we've already got our tickets. I'll watch and it one day. I'm excited one day it just uh, <laughs> i'm sorry
0: i just thought the like the first one was fine i just oh, thought it was, was amazing. very overrated
1: amazing uh but i'm glad it's no longer across the spider-verse part one now the it, the, the first trailer is like across Spider Verse part one they're like oh there's gonna be across Verse part two now it's like no we're just calling this across spider-verse the next one will be beyond the spider-verse if
0: toby Maguire is in it tell me and i'll go and see it.
1: <laughs> I mean, he was kind of in the first one. Yeah, I mean, had the, 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 the bit the, I liked da, 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 in the first <laughs> one was when they did
0: the dance, and they're like, "We don't talk about that." That was yeah. funny. I will give it that. But like again, it wasn't a bad movie. It just, I just was expecting more, and I'm just like, mm, this wasn't. I wasn't blown away by it like everybody was talking about.
1: Uh, expectations are too high. I'll set low expectations for the next one, and then maybe you'll see it. Uh, So maybe Spider-Man, maybe a surprise episode, Uh, The Flash coming soon, definitely going to be something on that, Uh, but definitely 24, and everything else is sort of up in the air. Uh, And Templar Doom, if you're lucky, you'll hear it next week. My name is Colin, and uh, Hitler had a heart.
0: Is are getting removed in the next one? Um, I literally wrote down two quotes. I've used the first one, so I'll use the second one. My name is Ben and I will be in my office Thursday, not Wednesday. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show